Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dan Druff with Tellus. You're listening to the Druff and Drexel Show. This is being broadcast on February 24th, 2016. And we have uh, an announcement to start the show tonight. Some of you know this already. But you may have noticed it was called the Druff and Drexel Show and not the Druff, Drexel, and Daredevil Show. And that, my friends, is because co-host... Daredevil is no longer going to be on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Yeah. But somebody is going to be on Poker Fraud Alert Radio, and that would be Brandon Drexel Gerson. Hello. Good evening. Hello, Brandon. So I was just telling people that Daredevil is not going to be on the you show. Sound you sound differently. Why? How do I sound different? I don't know. Do you have a cold, maybe, or are you from a I, different I, location? You know, Your voice I, no, I, sounds... I, I do have a bit of a cold, and yeah. uh, someone said that a few weeks ago, though, and then others said I sounded normal. I think sometimes at the beginning of the show, also, I can just sound different. I, I don't know, but uh, we, we're not going to... always sick? I've had this kind of cold that's been... Uh, it, it, it hasn't gone away. It hasn't been a bad cold. It's just uh, I've had this kind of like moderate congestion for a few weeks. Uh, you have to understand, I, I have a five-year-old here who, you know, takes things home from school, just takes viruses home from school, so uh, that, that contributes to it, And but I, I haven't felt badly, it's just that uh, I've been congested a little bit for uh, a few weeks now, and I'm, it's just not going away. Someone said this a few weeks ago, too, but I, I feel okay, and I was telling people about Daredevil, that he's not going to be on the show anymore, at least as far as I know. Uh, Daredevil resigned from Poker Fraud Alert completely. He is not going to post on the forum. He's not going to be on this show. Uh, it's not because of any dispute that uh, we had with him. He just uh, has some personal matters to deal with. And and this is the truth. I'm not just making this up. He really does have some uh, things going on. And That click guy blamed it all on me. Yeah, I know. Uh, people like to assign blame over here on this site and... Uh, but no, it's not Brandon's fault. I can tell you. I know. I know the full reason. I'm not going to state it out here because it's uh, a private matter. But I know the full reason that Daredevil's leaving, and it's it's not Brandon's fault whatsoever. So uh, should not be blamed on him, and it shouldn't be blamed on anybody. But the good news is, where any dream is shattered, another one comes true. And uh, while Daredevil's time on Poker Fraud Alert Radio has come to an end. Another person's time on Poker Fraud Alert Radio is just starting. So Now, I had made a suggestion, I don't know if you read it or not, it was on the fraud site, that we had three options here. Actually, we had four options. We mm-hmm. could have someone that comes on and just replaces a Daredevil moniker, kind of like what they did with Aunt Viv on the, the fre- that Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. One season she's gone. The next. So we, we just have a new season. Daredevil who's a different person. Right. We could do that. <laughs> that was my vote. Uh, we could promote within that Trader Ruski, uh, or the one guy that's been on a bunch of times, the Northern California guy. Well, not really a bunch. He's been on twice, and uh, so uh, you're right. These or are all. We could I, have these a are all options. Door. These are all options. I, I don't want to make a new Daredevil because Daredevil, even though it's a a, a nickname, that's 
kind of an identity. But you're an that. '80s TV show guy. I am, but, but, but that's people, what they used to do. I know, but he's they not playing. Just trick the audience and put a new person. But here's the problem: he's not playing Daredevil. He kind of is Daredevil. This isn't like we're someone playing mean? a role. He's, well, because the, Daredevil is his nickname. He's not playing a character. That's in real life, that's his nickname. That's the nickname he's using on these forms. The thing is, it's different when you play a character and you're just taking out, you're acting. He wasn't acting; he right. was himself here. It's kind of it's kind of like uh, where where someone uses a stage name. That's what he's doing here. He's not he's not acting; he's using a stage name. What so, about Daredevil Junior? We could we could do that. Uh, people think it's his illegitimate son, but anyway, uh, we have one of the options you're speaking of right now, and that is the Northern California guy. This is his I'm third time. I'm going to call him Daredevil. <laughs> The uh, Northern California guy is with us, isn't he? Hello? Yes. Hello, guys. Hello. Daredevil. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm not sure how Daredevil's doing, but I'm doing fine. Thank you. Okay, so we, this is our uh, option. We've decided, much like uh, a lot of uh, sports teams, uh, when somebody leaves the organization, we decide to get younger. So we've, we've added on a, a younger Daredevil Boy, here. We're doing a youth movement. Yeah, youth movement here. He's only uh, 28 years old, right? That's correct. Yeah, so we he can uh, we're grooming him to eventually take over the show when we get too old, Brandon. Because it's yeah, that time's going to come. I'm uh, I'm almost forty four. You're forty. So and what's the right age to resign from a or retire from a podcast? Well, I don't know. I like I would like to believe that I can still be doing this in fifty years, but uh, probably the reality, even if I live that long, is not true. I just I you know what I picture is like fifty years from now, I'll sound the exact same. And even if I'm not in the best health, I can still turn on the computer or whatever you're using these day, those days to broadcast and, and just do it. And people will say, wow, you don't sound 94 at all. But anyway, uh, I want to tell you guys about the free roll we have coming up in 15 minutes. That's a free roll on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. And you can find that near the top of the screen. It says uh, No Fraud Online Poker. You need a separate account to play the free roll. And you need to familiarize yourself with the rules. I think we have some new listeners this week, which I'll get to shortly why we probably do. But uh, if you want to play that free role, you have to familiarize yourself with the rules by going to PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, all lowercase. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, and you will learn the rules as far as qualifying for the free money. Now, I'm going to make an exception this week for some of the new listeners that we probably picked up, which I'll explain shortly. But... That's what you need to read to understand how to get the free money that we're giving away. This week we're giving away $100. $100 did not come from me, did not come from Brandon, did not even come from our Northern California fake daredevil. It came from Anonymous, who gave $50. Nice guy. I've met him uh, at the World Series. And Handicap Me, another guy I like, though I haven't met him in person, also gave $50. For $100 total, first place will be 50 bucks. Second place, $24. Third place will be uh, $12. Uh, fourth, sorry, $13. For, I, I gotta, I'm i doing this from memory. I'm screwing up. I thought I, I don't have to look at this. Wait, are we still doing the intro? Come on. This is we're like a few minutes into the show. Don't oh. give me a hard time yet. Yeah, it's 50, 24, 13. I was right. Eight and five. So 50, 24, 13 for third, eight for fourth, five for fifth. I will send this to you by PayPal, bank transfer, Bitcoin. I think I have some right now. Cash or even check, though. Be careful with the cash. I sent 100 bucks to someone cash, and it got stolen. So be careful. Uh, but I'll do it if you really want. But I will send it to you any of those ways. This is real cash you will win, not money on an online poker site that you may not be able to use. 
Starts at 8, 10 p.m., though it has 25 minutes of late registration, so you can register all the way up till 8.35. You need a separate account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room to play it. And what I want to say as far as qualifying for it is I was a guest lecturer at what was known as a poker university, and I'll get to that near the beginning of the show. But if you were at that lecture, and don't try to trick me. Don't claim you weren't when you weren't, but if you were really there, then and you heard about this show th- through that guest lecture, and you're there tonight. Then you don't have to worry about listening for three weeks. Then you qualify for the free roll. But you've Wait, got to- huh? When when were you doing a guest I'll, lecture? I'll explain this. One of the topics tonight. So D- dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com if you want to qualify. Yes. So if you are one of the people who was at that guest lecture, email me dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. That's all one word. Dandruff all lowercase. D a n d r u f f. No, it's not a level at pokerfraudalert.com and uh, tell me. Some of the things you heard me talk about at the guest lecture and who the instructor is and all that, and uh, I will allow you to win the free money. So, I didn't even know about if this. If you want to call into the show, nobody knew about it. I kept a, a very big secret. Very big secret, even from you, Brandon. So, if you want to call into the show tonight, the phone number is 775 Fraud 55, 775 372 8355. You can also text that same phone number during the show or before the show or after the show, and I will respond to you. This is a. 24-7 number to reach me by text and a, show, a phone number to reach me and the rest of us during the show, 775-372-8355. And, of course, you can also call the Mount Charleston line. Don't text this number, but you can call it. I have an old 70s rotary phone that sits on top of Mount Charleston, which is near Las Vegas, and that forwards to wherever I go. That phone number is 702-430-1808, 702 I also have a number. For text, you mean? For, it's a home box office number for text. It's uh, 203-299-2436. That's 203-299-2436. And just looking at the queue, I already have a message. It's from the 919. It said, that you fuck spelled your name wrong in the radio thread. I fixed it. I, it was a typo, and I fixed it, was, it immediately. Oh. Yeah, okay. no, that you fuck fixed it. Don't worry about that. They don't miss a thing here. Yeah, no, it, it, I, everything gets uh, corrected very quickly. Here. Well, it's D R E X E L. Yeah, no, oh. I, I put two L's not because Uh-oh. I thought it was two L's. I, it was just I banged on the L twice, so I, I went back and fixed it. I, they uh, they're very quick in bringing these things to my attention. Jesus. So if you want to chat in the chat room with those uh, very observant people who pick on every little thing, you can. Go to the big chat button on the top of the screen of PokerFraudAlert.com. You need a forum account in good standing to get in there, and you need a Flash-enabled device to get in there. No iPhones, no iPads. Finally, before I go to the agenda, we have a call to listen. One last thing about the three-roll. Did you mention that if they were from another site that they could tell you things and whatnot, but they can't just be like, I like the site, the site is good? I thought you want the intro to be short. Okay, I'm sorry. Go that's, on. That's in the, the link I gave, pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll. Okay. So the final thing is the call to listen line. The call to listen line is a number that you can call at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to listen to the show either when it's live or when we're doing our streaming reruns. That phone number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. You don't need a smartphone. You don't need an app. You don't even need the Internet. Any phone. Any phone in the world can call that number and listen to Poker Fraud Alert Radio live and the streaming reruns. And we do rerun. If you were in a, a prison in North Korea and they said you had one call, 
you could use that little old rotary payphone and call the no fraud yes, radio yes, on. Yes, you can. And that may not be a bad thing to do because uh, <laughs> what you can do is you could, if since the call goes on forever, since it never ends, you can just tell them you're not off the phone yet and you could stay out of prison that way. But it's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and we stream reruns when we're not live on the air as if they're live. So we just pick random reruns or we don't pick it, the computer does, and it just runs it as if it's live and you can just listen at any time. They click the radio button on PokerFraudAlert.com or call the Call the listen line. And if you forget the call to listen line's phone number, cause, phone number because it's not easy to remember, just go to the radio page. It's listed right there, 712-775-8162. This is growing in popularity because I get stats emailed to me every day of how many people listen to this thing. And every day the number of calls goes up, even during days we're not on the air, and the average listener time is going up. So it's getting more and more used, and it has unlimited lines. Wow. We can have a 1,000 people calling it at once, and it could take every one of your calls. So it's not like the old days when you get a busy signal. So we have that. And You're saying there's like a bank of lines? There's a giant bank of lines. It's, it's, it's bigger than American Idol's bank of lines. It's, How much does this cost you? Like $30 a hey, line? Look, 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 money's no object here. You know, you know that I, I spend big on this show. So. All right. And, and one other announcement, the TuneIn app, TuneIn.com or uh, download the app on the App Store. You can now listen live and find archive shows – or archive shows, I'm sorry. You can listen live through the TuneIn app as well. Just search Poker Fraud Alert, all one word, Poker Fraud Alert, and you can listen live through the TuneIn app. That's a new thing I added this week. I'm, tr- I'm trying to make it so easy for you guys to listen to the show. I, I give so many options here because I know that uh, we have many people in many different situations. We even have people who don't have the Internet or a computer who want to listen. So they can do that now. You can use the TuneIn app that I know one listener is particularly obsessed with. I, I'm just, I just keep adding things. So, okay, here's the uh, agenda tonight. I already mentioned Daredevil, so we won't talk about that. But uh, I did appear as a guest lecturer at a poker university. I'll talk about that. I purchased another forum this week. I I now run two forums, the Poker Fraud Alert Forum and another forum. I now own two forums, and that's uh, something that will be announced on this show. Is it poker-based? No, it's gambling-based, though. TMLK says you're pissing him off. I don't he's care. trying to contact you. I don't care. He can't. He's calling during the intro, and I know what's going to happen. Like I'm in the middle of the intro. Like, all right, I'm just here to save the show. I'm here to save the show. This is this is awful. This is awful. Uh, shout out to Poker Pete. Like I, I don't want that interrupting my intro, so I just ignored his call. I'll take his call a little bit uh, later, though. The WSOP schedule was announced. Now you guys always have to listen to this show because we give a lot of good info on here. And while everyone was scratching their heads wondering when the World Series of Poker schedule would drop, I said on this show last week, and go back and check if you don't believe me, that most likely the World Series of Poker schedule will be released between February 21st and February 24th. It was released on the 23rd, so I got it right. It has been released. We're going to discuss that schedule, what we're going to play. Uh, Northern California guy, are you going to play the World Series or no? Uh, no plans on it. Okay, I've well, never been out. Now, we have, I believe this, was, this occurred off the air last week. But it's a little-known fact, Northern California guy. You live off the land, am I right? Or no? <laughs> uh, no, I live in a city. Okay. See, oh. he, he could have run with that, too. He, he could have been the guy who lives off the land. That would be a cool uh, third I thought you farm and eat, like, organic, your own veggie. Didn't That wasn't you last week? Tell uh, me. I mean, I have a garden in my backyard. <laughs> <but> <laughs> I, that's, that's close enough. I, I, I kind of have one, too. So, okay. okay. So, uh, 
Iovation, a company funded by UB cheating money, run by UB cheater Greg Pearson, has been approved by the very uh, honest and incorruptible Nevada Gaming Commission. So we'll talk about that. Sean Deeb appeared on another show, David Tuckman's show, to out various scammers, mostly related to open-faced Chinese. He could have appeared on this show, and I'll tell you why he chose not to. Speaking of Twitter, I had a little battle back and forth with one gentleman known as Mason Malmuth on Twitter regarding his charity claims. Bovada has refunded a lot of money to players, you know, money people had lost. I know Brandon got a little bit. I got nothing, but a lot of money was refunded. Why was it refunded? There's a lot of speculation. I will give my opinion. Brandon can give his opinion. Even Northern California guy can give his opinion. A daily fantasy sports site called Fantasy Hub has closed, and it looks like people with balances on the site are not going to get paid. Uh Uh-oh. We'll talk about that. Also, they were claiming that they were giving money to charity from the proceeds made on that site. And I guess whenever charity claims are made, you've got to be suspicious. But, yeah, the the charity got screwed, too. We'll talk about that. Also, I will talk about a daily fantasy sports site that was once advertised on Poker Fraud Alert that has also closed fairly recently. But I think they're not going to screw What about the caucuses? Is that on your list? You want to talk about your caucus? Okay. They had the caucus out here. uh... We'll talk about Brandon's caucus. It was your caucus, right? Yeah. It's your caucus. My yeah. caucus. Yeah, it was. Hey, well, you can talk about that. That uh, Trump, he's looking good, huh? He is looking good. So, uh, and you won the Trump bet. Trump covered. I did. I did. You see, you're giving away all our material for the But did you already show. say that was going to be – is that on the list? Uh, not about me winning a bet, but I was going to mention it. But, yeah, I won well, the You already bet. talked about it last week. So it's well, I not... talked about making the bet, not about whether I won it. But, yeah, I won it. Yeah. Well, I'm... he covered. Yeah, he did. Way. He covered. Uh, the U.S. government is probing money laundering and gambling involving Western Union. And I, decade I, overdue. Yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly a new piece of information to us that they were doing this, but uh, to the U.S. What government. What happened with that? You think someone walked in and said, hey, Harvey, I got a, I got a hot case here. <laughs> we should check into that Western Union. I mean, Really? Yeah, that Western Union, I think they're not exactly uh, processing all uh, legal transactions. <laughs> the government's like, what? When did this start? When did this start? Why don't I hear about these things? So they, they're probing Western Union. There was an NBA game this week involving Golden State that was pretty shocking at the end. And it was particularly shocking for Brandon and myself because we both lost money on a highly improbable ending. We'll talk about what happened there. I, I haven't seen anything like this in a long time. General topics. A movement to eliminate the $100 bill. You think that would be a good idea, Brandon? No. No. Horrible. So we'll talk about uh, why they're saying that they may want to eliminate it. This is, it's not uh, gaining much traction yet, but there's a movement to do so. I think it should go the other way. There should be a $500 bill. But we'll talk about uh, the $100 bill and its possibility of being gone. And also, the $100 bill is more popular than you might think. Donald Trump gaining momentum on getting nominated as the Republican candidate for president. Did a good job in the caucus in Nevada. 
I'm going to talk about Bernie Sanders a bit, and you guys know I'm a Republican and I'm, I'm a pretty conservative guy, but there are some areas that I agree with Bernie Sanders, and I will tell you what they are. I, I don't uh, dismiss everything. Oh, you know what? Sense. Remind me when we get back to that uh, Nevada caucus thing that Harry Reid did something a little bit shady. What a shock. I cannot believe Harry Reid ever did anything shady. I'm trying to get people to vote for uh, Clinton, the casino workers. So remind me, I'll tell you that. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. I, I, it's, it's amazing with Harry Reid how much he's gotten away with in his career. But mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, he'll be gone soon enough. And... The Kesha versus Dr. Luke battle. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. Google Kesha, K-E-S-H-A. Don't use the stupid dollar sign. Just Is that K- like a Japanese prostitute? Uh, it's an American prostitute. Oh. But uh, yeah. Kesha versus Dr. Luke, who's on Twitter as Dr. Luke, Dr. Luke. It kind of reminds me of uh, the Iceman with please leave a message for please leave a message. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, they're in a battle, a legal battle. And uh, Kesha, it's an older story, but it's just getting uh, – Reported in the mainstream media now because there's some new developments with it and all these stupid celebrities are jumping on Kesha's side. Well, I guess you can already tell who's side Isn't Kesha a black rapper too? No, no. Kesha's a white girl. She's a trashy white girl. Anyway, she, she did that song TikTok. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. I, okay. Well, we'll talk about that and uh, why I think all these uh, celebrities and feminists who are rushing to Kesha's aid are making a mistake and I think she's in the wrong. So that's our agenda tonight. Also, can we add maybe five minutes to get to know the new Daredevil? Yes. Like a little segment about him? Yes. Yes. Okay. You know, Daredevil leaves the show. I'm talking about the original. And uh, I give this respectful send-off to him. And then uh, immediately we have a new Daredevil. And well, it's just, it's, I'm just it's saying the we've old had, one. I think, and I wrote this in a post, we've had more than enough time to grieve. Okay, I'm just saying. Life that has I think, to go on. I mean, I the problem is, though, when, when the he thing is. great. The thing is, when somebody dies, and at least you can't hear what you say afterwards. Here, here, if we replace him immediately, it's like think of think of uh, you had a wife that died, and then uh, two weeks later, you have a new girl you're dating that you rename to the name of the wife who died. If she happened to have the same name, it's a different story. But you you rename her to the wife who died, and she's okay with it. Right. Uh, like I, I don't know. I think she would be unhappy if she. Could know about that, and here, dear devil, could I'm just I'm just afraid we're going to have someone who's uh, very unhappy about this. But uh, well, you... what are your thoughts, uh, dear devil? <laughs> uh, I think uh, we should lay the daredevil thing to rest because him and I are two totally different people. So see, see, like the new wife doesn't want to be named after the old wife, and I can understand that. Like, uh, why would he? Okay, so you want to just be continued to be called Northern California guy? Well, if that's too much of a mouthful for you guys, it, I'm sure we could come up with something it is a easy. Mouthful. Okay. All right. So it's eight eleven. Free roll started a minute ago. You can still get in, but it's already started. Get over there. Hundred dollars up for grabs, and fewer than a hundred people play, so you have a good shot of winning. And all you have to do is ask politely. Yes, if you win, you can't send me a, a message saying, hey, asshole, give me $40 from your shitty site that I won. Like, if you do that, I'm not going to send it to you. You've got you've to at least request it in a business-like manner. So let me talk about this university that uh, I lectured at, okay? Now, hold on. It was in the state of California? Yes, yes. Okay, is it near your house? Well, I'll, let me explain. If, well, but I want to take a guess first. No, no, you'll never guess is it. it. Is it well, maybe I can. Is it within driving distance? Yes. 
Is it a technical university or a real one? It's not like even. It, it's not even an actual university. That's why you're not going to oh. get it. Is it the Maven VT? Yeah, it's, it is close. So I oh. I, I lectured at the CCU, known as the Commerce Casino University. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. So Commerce Casino, and you you can look this up. Commerce Casino has a class, a poker class that. It's like I walk in the the uh, the Gold Coast. We have craps classes every morning. Well, at no, it's, a, it's, like a, it's a little more than that. It's a it's a formal class that meets uh, twice a week at uh, Commerce Casino. And uh, here's a strange thing. So I get this email. I had no idea this thing existed, but I get this email from a woman who's a listener to the show that I'd never heard from before. And she's apparently been listening since the very beginning. She said she found it. She never heard me before on any of these other shows, but she found it from day one here for this show. So she's been listening to every show since 2012. So she knows who I am? Very well, yes. And Daredevil. Yes, she knows everything. Even Northern California guy she knows. But So she said that uh, she would like me to come lecture in this class that she takes at Commerce Casino. So I asked... Does it pay anything? And she said, no. <laughs> so at first I'm thinking, hmm, I don't know if I, like, I'm not right by commerce. So I got, it's a distance away. I'm thinking, do I really want to go down there and lecture for free in, in a class that obviously costs money to take? Like, they're making money from it. Why shouldn't I get anything? And then I, I thought, you know, I'm going to do it anyway because uh, I do this radio show for free, too. I run the site for free. I, uh, you guys do this for free. Not everything is about money in life. So I, I said, just like with this radio show, if there's people who honestly want to hear me speak, then I'll speak, even if it requires a, a drive. And I said, hey, I haven't played a commerce in a while anyway. I'll just uh, I'll play afterwards. So I'll make a, a dual-purpose trip out of it, out to commerce. Have you talked about post-draw, deuce to seven, no limit? You were there? So I, I went down there, and so oh, before I went down there, she, she told me who the instructor was. Well, the crazy thing was there was this very obscure party line movie. Yes, there's actually a party line movie in 1989 called Dialing for Dingbats. You can Google it. I don't think you can watch it anywhere online, but it was from 89 called Dialing for Dingbats. It used to be on USA Up All Night sometimes with uh, Rhonda Shear and Gilbert Gottfried. And uh, it's the only movie about party lines that I think was ever made. But I, I, being a big party line caller in those days, I, I was uh, excited to see it. And it, it was a, a cheap B movie, a super cheap B movie. But I enjoyed it because whoever wrote it had some idea about the world of party lines. It was someone who must have called them before because they they had a lot of references in there that you could, you couldn't have known unless you were part of the '80s party line world. So one of the characters in this Dialing for Dingbats movie was named Donnie from El Monte. And Donnie from El Monte, his gimmick was that he had a really high-pitched, squeaky voice that none of the girls on the party line liked. And they assumed that he was a, an ugly guy and didn't want to talk to him. And then when they had their party line party where everyone met up, it turned out he was a good-looking guy. And uh, you know, one of the girls on the line liked him, and you know, she got with him at the end. So that was, that was Donnie's role. Uh, Donnie from El Monte, it turns out, was the teacher of this class. He was the professor of the poker university there. Wait, a guy from an 80s... Yes. Talk show line? Okay. No, no. From, a guy from an 80s party line movie. From, yeah. Party. From 27 years ago. It happened to be the instructor of this class. It was really strange for me to notice that. So I emailed him and told him I remembered this, which he was shocked. And uh, he was he was very nice and told me he'd love for me to come down. And uh, so I did. I came down and I spoke there for almost two hours. 
And uh, it was a combination of me telling my story. And when I say my story, I mean everything. The, uh, my, my origins in poker, the, the cheating scandals I, I dealt with and was victimized by. The, the, the bra- Micon? The bracelet. I didn't mention Micon. That's I, part of your story. No, uh, that's the part of my story I'd like to forget. So, so I, uh, I left Micon out. But I talked about everything else. And I did Marty? Talk, I'd know. I did well, talk, then you didn't talk about everything then? <laughs> if it was a four-hour lecture, I probably would have gotten to Marty. But I, I did promote this. Did you sh- talk about having the IP block a whole country of Mexico because MWH? You know, I'm trying to make myself in the site. But I'm just saying you left a lot out. There. Well, you yeah, talk I, about I, everything. I indulged in uh, creative uh, revelations. All right. Okay. So, I I did promote the show a lot. In fact, I printed out 20 flyers. Come on, you're not being serious. I don't believe No, I'm being you. totally serious. I, I printed out 20 flyers about this show. Making flyers? About this show so we get new listeners, so we can go from 1,000 listeners to 1,020 listeners. So I handed out flyers. I talked a lot about this show. I gave out the call to listen line. Did you talk about me? Yes. I mentioned that there's we have a co-host named Brandon Drexel Gerson, who is a longtime professional poker player. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I mentioned you too. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I gave out the flyers. I, I gave out uh, the call to listen line. I gave out, of course, the... Date and time the show's on. I, I, the flyers mentioned the free roll. I, I figured I'd entice them over here with free money since these are like low limit players. They uh, they the go out. The free got uh, fifty eight today. Okay, so maybe we got a few extras. So so anyway, they uh, everyone was interested and they were. Uh, it was a, it was a nice experience. You, you can laugh here, but uh, but like these were most of them were beginning poker players who uh, were interested in learning you know, not only about poker strategy but about just stories from the poker world and they were interested in everything we had to say here so yeah i enjoy the experience and i even talked to some of them afterwards now you want to hear something really really weird this is regarding the listener who suggested me to speak there in the first place by the way the, the, they have a speaker tonight too i guess the show is also taking place tonight not the show the the class is taking place tonight as well and the speaker tonight is none other than our competition but also a listener adam schwartz he is speaking tonight, right now. Right now. I think Adam Schwartz got there right now to speak. So, hey, what about that Hanson kid? He, he hasn't spoken yet, but I think he probably will. Well, I can't say that, but I, I could easily see him speaking too. So, what did you speak about? Limit Hold'em? Uh, that too. I, I spoke about a lot of things. Some people asked me strategy questions. Some people asked me uh, just general questions about poker. Some asked me about the cheating scandals. Like We, we covered a lot of topics there. I got, I got a lot done in those two hours. So, I did get paid something. I got a $10 food voucher. And I made use of it, of course. At Commerce, they don't get free food anymore. So, that was uh, actually useful. So, anyway. The girl who... Or she's not really a girl anymore. She's a woman. But she, uh, this woman who suggested that I would speak there. She tells me at the end of the class. I, I met her for the first time there. I never met or spoken to her before. Or so I thought. She told me... Another party line connection coming up here. She told me at the end of the show that she and I had a two to three hour phone conversation about 25 years ago. Yes, she used to call party lines in the early 90s. And she said that what happened was when she first started listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, which she said she found in relation to the UB scandal somehow. She found it at the very beginning. And she said she immediately recognized my voice, which I've mentioned before on here has not changed in the last 25 years. 
talking about that Haley Hints. No. Hmm. It wasn't Haley Hints. So it was, it was a woman. Have you ever met Haley Hints? No. She older, younger? She's older. She, she's 50s. Yeah. I'm a big fan. She yeah, no, I, I, no, I like Haley Hints. Very smart woman. Very good at uh, poker reporting. Not afraid to touch the big and controversial stories. Yeah. But anyway, this woman, yeah, she had spoken to me on a party line 25 years ago, and apparently we spoke directly on the phone afterwards for about two to three hours, she said. Now, I don't know why we didn't talk again. She said it was only one time. We never met in person, but she said we had like a two to three hour phone call about 25 years ago, and that when she heard my voice on... Maybe it's because you had done a share ride thing with her and she had a big nose. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, it was a coincidence like that, though. Like, I, uh, she said that she recognized my voice as soon as she heard it four years ago on this show, and that uh, when she heard me later talking about Party Line, she said it has to be the same guy because she recognized the same voice. And then when I mentioned I called those lines like she did back then, she said it had to be me. So it, we probably did speak about 25 years beforehand. I think it's good that we didn't meet and that we didn't have sex or anything. It would have been awkward then to, like, see her again. I'm glad it's just someone I spoke to once. So... That was kind of a weird thing to hear. So kind of two party line connections. The, the, the instructor who was in a party line movie and the woman who suggested I speak there turned out to be someone who knew me from a party line 25 years ago. So that all happened, and uh, I was actually told that at some point the class, the whole class may actually call into this show. I don't know if it'll be tonight or another week, but they may actually call into this show as a group at some point. Because How they, much do these people pay for this? I don't know. I didn't ask. What is it they're trying to learn again? Just, just, uh, I think just how to be a winning poker player. It's like for beginners, uh, and an instructor there talks about uh, the mindset of playing poker and, and various strategy tips and uh, how to approach the table and you know, th- things like that. So uh, they they told Remember me. Remember that movie, The Natural, when they had that guy in there talking about losers? Yeah. It said losing is cause contagious as syphilis. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's the advice this guy gives. Yeah. It might be. It's a, like the the instructor, he, he's also a comedian, and, and uh, like he, he's one of these guys who kind of is outspoken himself. So like I was a little afraid to have some of these people listen to the show because the, the show is a bit different than my speech over there, which was pretty uh, G-rated. But I figured with that instructor, who isn't uh, politically correct or G-rated himself, I, I figured that they would – be used to that sort of thing. All right, let, let's get this over with. I'm going to put TM and a on here. Ballin! Oh, he, he dropped his call. All right. Well, he can call back if he wants. He's trying to put him on. Uh, he's, he's coming again. If it disconnects again, I'm going to give up. TM and hello. What the hell is going on? Holy Christ. I agree with Marty. This is nuts. It's all about Todd. For the last 20 minutes, it's fucking Todd 25 years ago. Blah, 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 blah. Drexel, we got to make a site. My prediction's going to come true. Drexel's going to leave the site. Like, this is nuts. Now you see why I didn't take your call earlier. Well, it's it's not my problem. You should have had the agenda ready at 1030. But, of course, every fucking week you're late and you blame me for it. I don't blame you for the agenda being late. I'm telling you that you were going to interrupt the show intro, and I knew it. I knew if I put you on here, what the hell's going on here? Tim, okay, what do you think of uh, the Northern California guy? I don't even know who he is. Like, I mean, this guy's on air. I don't even know. Who, this guy's like a fucking one-week user. He's on fucking co-hosting. Like, what the hell's going on here? I think someone's jealous here. I think that's what's going on. 
I'm not jealous. I mean, you're snapping me off fucking clean. No, I think I think TMLK is kind of like that girl that's always waiting for you to break up with your girlfriend so she can go out with you, and then you date some new girl you just met right after you break up with your long-term girlfriend. And so he's he's pissed that he's not becoming our, our third co-host. He wanted to be part of this threesome. Well, TMLK, did you email the address for the uh, for the interview, the on-air, the official permanent co-host gig interview? Well, I never did that, but I had like forty. Well, I had like literally forty people post that they wanted me to be fucking co-host, and we got no offense to the California guy, but he's been on the site for one week, and he's blowing up huge. He is jealous. Hey, no, it. no offense taken. I'll step aside any day you want to take over. Team, no, no, don't okay? back, don't back down so easily. You got to stand up for yourself here. Don't back now, down so easily. Listen, Todd, if you started the show at fucking ten thirty, you would have had the agenda done. Hey, then when I called no, it, no, no, no. this is a West Coast. Yeah, what is this ten thirty crap? Talk in this East Coast right, now. what is this ten thirty crap? Not not one person, not one person who's hosting this show tonight uh, is anywhere where it's ten thirty tonight yet. It's, okay, it's two well, hours from ten thirty Eastern time or seven thirty Pacific time. If you started at seven thirty, your agenda would have been done. I called in at seven fifty. I'm on air, but no, I'm fucking Todd, and I have to. Uh, do my agenda at ten fifty or seven fifty at night and fucking snap me off clean. I don't like that. There's just little appreciation for everything I do here. I just, I, I just feel that I feel that way sometimes. I feel like that uh, if if it, everything's not perfect, there there's certain individuals like one on the phone here that just the slightest Drop. thing goes wrong. I was wrong, getting along just... with you for a long time. I had ma- like I had respect for you the last like few weeks. I don't know. Last few weeks, okay. Out of, out of like four years, less a few weeks. That's great. I mean, I respect what you do, but every it's like all about you all the time. You're going on about something 25 years ago, and I'm a fucking legend. I can't even get on the phone. Well, you have to email the the what was it fraud radio? <laughs> what was the official email for the position? Fraud radio job at whittles dot com or what was yeah, it? Yeah, sure. That's that's the address. Email that to me. Okay, we'll we'll get right on it. Like the chat is just like all supporting me. Like keep I, him on, co-host. I can tell you're, what I'm you're doing. Right. You're, you know what? You're actually right about that. Here's a message from the chat. If Team MLK ever becomes co-host, I will drown a kitten. That's what someone put. Mm-hmm. I'm not even kidding. We're gonna get a kitten. Yeah, well, I gotta be honest. I've actually taken more of a liking these last few years to TMLK. I kneel before you, but I. You know what? I predict those odd. You're gonna leave this site. And my predictions are normally true. I, I thought you've been getting them wrong this year. Uh, get, I called the Super Bowl. You the Super outright. Bowl, but I think you've been losing a lot of other predictions. Wait, so why am I going to leave the site? Where am I going? You're just going to leave because you're going to have like one of your Zod moments, like in NWP days when you're on board. But that's not a great prediction because, like, because Brandon has left a number of times. So it's not like that's a shocking thing to say. I I I predict that this site won't even last for another year, and I'm right because you'll probably close this. No, but why would I close it? Why would I close the site? Because you're going to go to your sports betting site. This site's going to be nothing. Sports betting. Sports betting site. There's no sports betting site, but I'm not going to close it. I'll tell you the only way I'd close the site. Would be if it's uh, if it's dead, where just nobody's there. I'm not just talking about the forum. Like if nobody's listening to the radio anymore, and if the forum uh, is is completely dead, then I will close it. Or let's say the forum became completely dead and the radio show was still going, then I might close the forum part. But for me to end both would be highly unlikely. The, the only reason why this forum is still 
active is because of Drexel. And this radio show listing is because of Zod. What, what is I this agree. pandering? What's this pandering? He I, is, I agree with if him. it wasn't for Zod, the whole conversation would be about Todd. So you know what's, you know well, what's happening here? He, he's, he's, trying to, he's, trying to, <laughs> he's trying to create division here between the hosts. He's trying to, hey, TMM, he's trying okay. to kiss ass to one to get to the other. TMM, yes, okay. What's the what? What if the radio show goes away? Let, let me know. What is a night in the Wednesday night in the life of TMM, okay, going to look like with no radio show? That's a good point. I have. I was off the phone for like six months. So, okay. So what? What is a night in the life of uh, you and Tail? That's a good question. That is a good question. I like to play some uh, board games like chess online and and whatnot, and degen some poker and whatnot. Chess online. Cool. Yeah, chess. So this show is saving you money, is what you're trying to say. By listening to this show, you're saving money. See my pick, sir? I'm like 90% fucking picking in NFL. Tim, okay, when you masturbate, what do you visualize? Like, are you watching, is it like girl on girl, guy on girl, is it midgets? I, bet it, it, I bet it involves uh, older Asian women. It does. <laughs> <laughs> is that true, older Asian women? Are you yeah. into those cougars, TMMLK? Older Asian. Are you a little? Cougar. Are you a cub? I think you should come to Commerce if that's what you're really into. There's plenty of that why, over why? there. Plenty <laughs> of older Asian women in Commerce. Why, why? So I could listen to you listen to you talk about uh, poker. No, <laughs> I wouldn't come... want that. If you were in the audience there, you would have said, "Hold on a second. Hold on. You've been here for two hours. All you're doing is talking about yourself. What the fuck is this class?" I, I could picture it. Like I'm. I'm so glad you weren't there. Yeah. Well, anyways. I mean, come on. Like, free Tide. Get Tide back on the site. Um, Drexel, I mean, I feel bad for your buddy. I do. Right. I, I've heard enough. I, I got rid of him. It, it was getting repetitive. He, Thanks he got, for your call. He got, he got his, uh, his gripes out. So, okay, let's, let's move on to the next topic here. <laughs> Have you actually gone an entire radio fraud show with him as your co-host and you guys got along like yeah we you... actually did I, w- I was shocked he volunteered to co-host i'm like i don't know this is gonna be a disaster but i put him on he actually acted normal i couldn't believe it so uh that's how desperate i was for a co-host one week so i bought another forum since team mlk felt that i haven't been talking about myself myself enough on this show i decided i will do a bit more <laughs> I bought another forum, and this is what happened. I was participating in a forum known as Alan Best Buys. Yes, it's a weird name, AlanBestBuys.com. I was participating over there. Ah, uh, I seen that in that their radio thread. Now I know what that was in reference. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll tell you how I found Alan Best Buys. I was googling something about Caesar's Seven Stars program back in early 2013, and. What seemed to be the answer to what I was Googling was on the Alan Best Buys forum. So I clicked on it, and I read it, and then I posted something. And then I, I was browsing through the forum, and I noticed there's a lot of talk about the Caesar 7 Stars program and Total Rewards. That's like a, a forum where a lot of that was talked about. So I, I hung around there. I stayed, uh, became an active poster there. Now, that forum is not very active. It's not a super dead forum, but like Poker Fraud Alert is actually more active than Alan Best Buys. So it's it's a uh, only a, a semi-active forum, I should say. It's not 
it's got new posts every day, but it's uh, there's more on here. So it's not like another two plus two. Or something. Right. I must have missed something in translation. What is this Best Buy thing about? What's this? Well, so I'll, so I'll, I'll, you know, let me give you the background. You didn't miss you didn't miss anything. I just forgot mm. to say. Uh, okay, that's an important part. It is an important part. Alan it's not Best... like Soviet Union hedoism or whatever the other one was. Like. No, no, no. So this is Alan Best Buy's. There's a former Channel Nine Los Angeles reporter, TV reporter named Alan Mendelson, who uh, was like a consumer reporter for that TV news station. Uh, he's since gone out on his own, and he now has like a weekly half-hour show in the LA area, also on Channel Nine, that. Uh, where he goes around and interviews various uh, businesses, and it's it's kind of an infomercial. But anyway, uh, he created the forum initially to kind of be an extension of his TV show. But since he's also a gambler and especially likes video poker and craps, the forum eventually morphed into something just discussing gambling and more Caesars in particular. So that's what got my interest to it. So that's why the name forum.allenbestbuys.com it was kind of a misnomer because it wasn't really to discuss Best Buys or his show it really Now let me ask you this this is really all I care and then you could just go on until you're blue in the face am I ever going to get a call asking me to do Allen's Best Buy radio No there was no radio show I already show. have one night a week locked no, up No no that's no there won't be any Allen Best Buys radio so okay, what, so what happened was good. I participated yeah. there for a while and then uh, they started having real problems with their internet ser- provider and they were they were like on a, they were on a server. I that, had that problem with Jason. Yeah, yeah. Nine dollars a month, and it was shared with forty-eight thousand <laughs> other sites. Yeah, well, this server. wasn't too different. They actually had a service that you like run a forum through. Like it was a, a a service that if you want to run a forum, they run it for you. And it was terrible. It was super slow. It was uh, it had all kinds of issues. Uh, their That's customers, what they the one guy did with LA's Kings fans. No, kind of. Kind of, except this was just on a service that runs like thousands of forums. So I oh. said, screw this whole thing. Why don't you just give it to me? I'll put it on the Poker Fraud Alert uh, server, and I will be the administrator. It'll still be your forum, I told Alan. Uh, you'll still own it, but uh, your forum can be on my server. It'll run, run a lot faster. I'll take care of the technical side, and then you just pay me a little bit each month. And when I say a little bit, I really mean a little bit to help pay for the costs of Poker Fraud Alert server. And uh, now, who's your judonk on? Uh, well, so there, there isn't one. So, so even though I participated there, I, I, I wasn't getting involved in any arguments or wars. I mean, I sometimes have disagreements with people, but there was there was no people trolling me over there. I, I was more of the administrator and an active user. But even though there is trolling and fighting on that site, kind of like ours, but none of it was against me. Uh, so Alan was eventually getting sick of it, though, because of some of the trolling and fighting that was going on over there. He got tired of it, and he told me, last week that he's about done that he pretty much wanted to shut the whole thing down and i said well how about this how about uh i buy it from you and i will run it and i'll rebrand it because he he didn't want it to still be the alan best buys forum if he's not the one running it which is understandable so i rebranded it to vegascasinotalk.com so if you go to vegascasinotalk.com exactly as it sounds you will see what was once the Allen Best Buys forum. And I already made a few changes there. I changed the forum structure and removed a lot of the dead forums and combined things. But it's, it's all the original messages from the Allen Best Buy forums are still there. And it's, it's really a forum to discuss casino and 
gambling and, and reward program type matters. It's not a place where you discuss poker. There's no there's no poker area of that. But if you're interested in casino stuff, uh, you may want to check it out. Uh, there, I'm still gonna I'm gonna try to clean it up a bit. There's some stupid trolling and fighting going on in the Las Vegas section of the forum that I, I kind of want to put an end to because I think it's just crap for the most part. But uh, I haven't gotten around to that yet. I just bought this a few days ago. So if you go to VegasCasinoTalk.com, you will see it. And I've been the administrator there for two and a half years, so that's not new to me, but now I actually own it. And Alan doesn't own it anymore. I now 100% own it, and it's mine. And it's going to run separately from Poker Fraud Alert. It's not going to be integrated into Poker Fraud Alert. It's not going to have a radio show. But if you're interested in casino and gambling type stuff, uh, feel free to register an account over there. Uh, except I don't want trolls over there. It's, it's going to have a different atmosphere. As I said, I'm going to cut down on the existing trolling that's happening over there. See, money just sent me $100 for the first free roll on the Alan's Best Buy site. <laughs> so... Yeah, so it's a, it's a different site, and it's going to remain different, but I run it, and feel free to join it. I, I would like additional posting over there if you can, and some new blood over there. So uh, I wanted to announce that. Now let's get to something that has, I shouldn't say nothing to do with me, but nothing to do with me directly. This has something to do with all of us, and that is the World Series of Poker schedule has finally dropped. Very late this year for some reason. Uh, they usually release it in January or early February. This year, for reasons unknown, though Seth Polanski said they were still, quote, shoring up some minor details, it, it was delayed to where I finally asked Polanski last week when it's going to come out, and that's when he gave me the answer. And from his answer, I deduced that it will be between February 21st and 24th when it comes out, and sure enough, it came out on the 23rd. So the good news is that it came out before this radio show. The bad news is I didn't have that much time to look at it because I've been uh, very busy the last few days, especially with uh, my university work. So, <laughs> you're a real funny guy, Whittles. <laughs> so, listen, uh, we have to remember now we have the Northern California guy on. So, what, uh, what are your thoughts on Allen's Best Buy? Kiddo? Uh oh, we lose him. Let me see. He's here. I, I guess he tuned out or something. I guess he decided Allen Best Buy wasn't a topic he was interested in. He went to go take out the trash or something. Oh, sorry, I'm, I was having problems with my internet. Oh, okay, okay. I thought I thought you just were so sick of the topics about me, you, you team MLK'd it. Like, this is awful. I'm leaving the show. I Screw this. Well, it is the Druff and Friends show, so obviously topics are going to be about Druff. Well, no, it's the Druff and Drexel show now, so it's, it's oh, topics was, about Drexel. That was Drexel. kind of a yeah. – yeah. So, so okay, we're, we're talking about the World Series here, and they just released the schedule. So uh, they've made some changes. The most notable change is not even about any specific event. They have changed it where from 10% of the people cashing in just about all the events is now going to be 15%. So the top 15% will now cash into the top 10%. Now, I know why this is being done. This is being done because they realize that if they have a lower percentage of people cashing, then it's mostly pros cashing, and they don't want that. They want the fish to cash, one, so they are more encouraged to come back. And number two, so they go shoot this off elsewhere. They don't want the people to cash who are just going to pocket the money and not uh, spend it on their property. So they want fish to cash as much as possible. So for that reason, they have extended how many people cash. They're starting to learn at the World Series that uh, pros winning a lot of money there doesn't do them a lot of good. So they're trying to take away from the pros and give to the 
amateurs as much as possible. So that's why 15% caching is now going to be the norm. Now, this doesn't even bother me, and I'll ask Brandon in a second what he thinks, because I tend to finish frequently in the area between the top 10 and 15%. That just seems to be where I land a lot, especially in these no-limit tournaments. So uh, while the money I'm, I'm going to get for doing so now is not going to be huge, I have to say overall I think it's going to help me. For whatever, like My style seems to a lot of times bring me around there to the 10 to 15% area. So, uh, Brandon, what do you think of that? Are you happier with the 15% being paid or, or the 10%? It doesn't bother me. That's fine. I mean, it makes sense why they're doing it. Yeah, and not only that, it doesn't bother me also because in these limit tournaments, since a lot of it is so card-dependent, it is so irritating. And because the blinds going up is you know, so huge over there, it is so irritating when you're playing well and doing well and knocking out fish left and right, and then the blinds get really high, you lose a it, few hands. I mean, it makes sense in the, in the sense that now there's going to be an extra 5% that they're going to get their buying back plus a little change, and most likely they're just throwing it under a tournament. Yeah, but, but uh, like, I feel better now like when there's a, a limit event or something where I'm doing well and then just run bad at the very end when, there's a, when the blinds are higher and just miss cashing like I did last year with the, the 3K limit after two long days there. Like I, I think at those events it'll especially be more satisfying to cash in those situations. I, I just find at limit events it's really crappy. The top 10% you have to run well at the exact right time to even make that. And now this gives you a little more leeway where you, if you have a fairly good event, you still cash. So, uh, so yeah, it doesn't bother me either. In fact, I'm, I was happy to see that. And uh, if I was one of these guys who's just playing so wild where I'm either, like, finishing really high or busting early, then I wouldn't like this. But I'm not one of those guys. So for me, it's fine. So uh, that's, that's the main change they made. But there's... Uh, a- Northern California, do you even... Play the poker games. I used to play quite a bit. I don't. I don't play very much these days. But I do kind of understand why they're doing this in the current poker climate. I think it's smart, and I think it, having the more top-heavy prizes may have been better back in the day when the final tables were televised and they could hype up how much money people were winning. But now I think just to kind of spread it over, spread the money over the poker community a little more evenly is probably in their best interest. Yeah, by the way, there's a uh, – so there's a new event, a lot of new events, but here's one uh, that some people are talking about. There is a tag team event, and that is uh, you can have a team of up to four players. It can be two, three, or four players. This is event number 61 on July 6th uh, where you can switch with other people. I'm not sure if you can sw- switch uh, just at any time or if there's specific times you can switch. Let me click on the structure sheet. I should have done this before the show, but you know how it is. You're well, how do they decide Alan's... who gets the bracelet? That's a good question. They, I wonder if they give out like multiple bracelets for that. If you already have a bracelet, you're disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, called it, the Watellis rule. It doesn't even say. It just says all teams must register together. But it, it oh, it says oh here it is. Players may tag a teammate anytime he or she is not in an active hand. So yeah, you, at any point you can just switch. Well, I want... So. Someone asked if I'm going to play this event and uh, do a tag team with Marty. (laughs) And the answer, actually, believe it or not, is yes. I'm planning to have Marty, a a two-man team with me and Marty. We're going to play this event number 61. And the way it's going to work is that if we cash, I will go to collect it at the cage. And then when Marty says, hey, asshole, where's my half of the bunny? I go, you're not asking me right. I'm not giving you. 
You have to ask me politely, Marty, if you want to get your half of the money we won. That's my that's my plan. But yeah, that's that's a new event, and uh, I'm actually not going to play this event. And it's not so much that I'm against it; I, I'm just not going to be there for it. I, I, what's the, what's the buy-in for it? It's a thousand dollars per person, and what, is it no limit? No, not per person, per team. Wait, so it's two hundred fifty a person? No, it, it's whatever you want. It can be you can have two, three, or four people. You can have a two-man team, three-man team, or four-man team, and you can just say, okay. Switch with me now. At any time, you can switch with someone. So one person. You're basically, can... you're saying you tap them out. Well, you tap yourself out. All right. You basically get up and say, "Okay, you can play now." Now, it's a good question. Can someone force the other guy out? Like, let's say, let's say I register with Marty, and I decide Marty is drunk, and I don't want him to play a single hand. So I just say, "I'm not leaving." I just sit in my seat. Like, can Marty force me out, or can I just tell him he's not playing a single hand? That I don't know. I don't know if. Whose choice it is that someone leaves and the other one takes over. But uh, hmm. that, that's a new event. I'm not going to play it just because I tend to take a break between my last preliminary event and the main event. So this is too close to the main event, this event 61. So I'm not going to be uh, – won't be there for it. So that, that's one of the new events. And uh, there's still three limit tournaments, th- three limit hold'em tournaments, that is. Uh, just like last year, the $1,500 full table limit hold'em. The $10,000 full table limit hold'em and the $3,000 six max limit hold'em. And they're all around uh, approximately the same time in the middle of the World Series. The uh, the first open event is going to be the Colossus. They're having that again. It's starting on June 2nd. Event number one is the Casino Employees event on June 1st. But the first open event is on June 2nd. Colossus, there are five different starting days. It's $565 entry and a $7 million guarantee. I won't be playing that. I won't be playing either. And they they have changed something for the better this year. And this, this, this was one of my suggestions. I thought it was ridiculous how people would show up to the Colossus and hog up registrations for all four flights. So then you couldn't get in because people were hogging up registrations for all four flights. But then they would decide after the first flight they don't want to play the other three because they didn't bust. And, uh, and then they – them getting a refund, like their, their spot wouldn't open immediately. So there's this weird thing, like you show up, there'll only be like three or four people at the table for a long time. You, I know that happened with you, Brandon. So it, it was kind of a clusterfuck in that way. So they they have changed it this year, which they should have done in the first place, that you cannot register for another flight until you bust from the previous flight. Bust or complete it. You, you actually can register for all five and then just bring on your uh, best stack, which I think is also a mistake. Because... Uh, as Alan Kessler's pointed out before, this can lead to chip dumping. The best stack advance, which is not new for the World Series, that's a, or it's not a new concept that the World Series is introducing. It's just new for the World Series. But best stack advance is stupid because let's say you finish day 2A with uh, – or let's say you finish day 2D with 100,000 chips. At the end of day 2E, which is the final day, you have uh, – 28,000 chips go into the last hand. You, you know you're not going to finish with more than 100,000, so your 28,000 is useless. So at that point, if there's a guy at the table you like, you can just dump it all off to him. Now, I, I don't mean to cut you short there, kiddo, but uh, in the chat, real no name yet, and I'm quoting, he's wrong on tag team total. Uh-oh. Where are you, Brandon? And you're cutting out there. Say it again. I'm I'm home. I don't know. Uh, he said that you're wrong on tag team totally. All tag team members p- 
pay full buy-in, and all members get a bracelet. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. You said read the rules. Uh, the, the rules are very short here. Let's see. See, it doesn't say that here. I, I'm looking at the structure okay, sheet, I, and it, just, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say either way. Okay. But it doesn't make sense. Why would why would it ever be that each person pays a full thousand dollars when it's just basically one seat? That wouldn't make any sense. Why would you have that? Would be terrible then. Otherwise, why why would anyone do a four player team when they have to pay four thousand to enter? When you could have a two-player team for two thousand to enter, I think we should get to the bottom of this since this is a fraud show. I mean, that would that would be awful if that was the truth, and it would be foolish to ever enter more than two people. It would make sense to be if you're buying one seat. It's this. This looks like it's almost like to me. It seems like you're just taking one person and splitting them up. So uh, it's one seat you're buying, but then instead of having to play the whole way, it's almost like like allowed multi-accounting. So Justin Bonomo is going to play it? <laughs> Actually, this is like reverse multi-accounting because instead of one person operating a few accounts, it's uh, a few people operating one account. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's – I'm just reading the chat. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that being the case or it would be foolish to buy – to have more than two people play. It would be really foolish. And A. Brown is saying they fucked all the levels up between three and five in all the tournaments. They did that last year too. But I, I haven't looked. I, I – I saw it well, earlier today. So it came l- out, but I don't know. Let me take a look. Let me take a look at that. I hadn't noticed that, but let I'll me take a look. I'll talk with the, the uh, other guy if you want to look. Uh, Northern California guy, how's your week been? Uh, what's new? What have you been doing since we last had you on? Um, My week's going pretty good now, getting some good weather. Uh, earlier, I was working on remodeling one of my rentals because some people moved out, and it was in dire need of a complete remodel. So that's pretty much what I've been doing. What are you, you a trust fund baby? Uh, no, not exactly. <laughs> okay, I'm 28 years old. You have rentals. Good for you. You know, it's right. it's been jumping around. He was living off the land before, almost like a bum, and now he's a trust fund baby who has rentals all over the place. And hmm. yeah, now, well, I don't uh, know where this living off the land thing came from. I think it's because Brandon called me a hippie. But yeah, I think that yeah, is it. Maybe. Yeah, I'm looking at the now, structures here for this. Uh, like, I would just pick one at random: the 1500 no limit on uh, June 6th, or just a regular 1500 no limit. Level one 2550 standard. Level two 5100 standard. I see what A. Brown's talking about. Level three is seventy-five one fifty with a twenty-five ante. <laughs> that, like, why would they do that? That's uh, that's bringing in the antes too early, which I think is going to hurt the fish because the fish don't understand how to play the antes as well. And the reason is once antes come in, blind stealing becomes more important, and fish don't steal blinds. So uh, this is where becoming an aggressive player gives you more of an edge than when there's no you know, ante. One famous poker guy once said, uh, tournament doesn't even matter until the ante's kick in. Right, Stu Unger. Stu Unger. The cocaine guy. Yeah, Stu Unger. So. Lives in Vegas. Do you know about this? What was this? Do you have trouble hearing me? Yeah, I'm having trouble hearing you. Uh, you, you cut out. We, we were both saying Stu Unger. You didn't hear us. No, I heard you say Stu Unger. Oh, okay. Then I, then I said, you know, I heard he has a hot daughter. Do you know about this? Um, I knew he had a daughter, but I didn't know if she's hot. Hmm. You never met her? Never nothing? Mm-hmm. Nope. Hmm. So, so, yeah, 2550 – sorry, 75-150 with 25 ante, then 100-200 with 25 ante. I see the problem here. Then, and then 150-300 with 50 ante. Yeah, I see what Abraham's talking about because the way it used to be, it was to go 75-150 – 
then 100-200, then 100-200 with an ante. Right. And now Ball Hawker, Ball Hawk Net just posted event 61. That's the tag team, what have you. Uh, and then he says you have to have at least two to four people in your team. Teams must register together, minimum of two players, maximum of four. Each member must play at least one round of blinds. Other team members wait outside the ropes and no and sub at, and sub as desired. Each member of winning team is awarded their own WSOP bracelet. So okay, so it sounds like so it's a thousand dollars combined. Then yes, yeah, so it's got to be. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this this uh, structure is crappy, and I'll tell you why they made it so crappy. It's because they have increased the number of chips you get, and this is one of these World Series tricks where they make the structure look better when it really isn't. So they've increased the chips you get, where 1,500 buy-in events gives you uh, 7,500 chips. Basically, whatever the buy-in is, you multiply by five, and that's how many chips you're getting. So the $1,000 events now get 5,000 chips, the 1,500 gets 7,500, etc. But in order to prevent this from becoming longer, what they do is make the structure worse. So this is to get people out faster. They introduce. What do you think if you're like a pimple face? Maybe we, this is something we could do, like a website uh, that puts people together in the tag team. Like if you are like a lone wolf, a raw you know wolf, I mean? a raw wolf, or a lone wolf? No, a lone wolf. Oh, like, are you yeah. talking about like a friends? poker tournament matchmaking? Yes, exactly <laughs> like that. So say you come all the way out to that Rio, okay, and you have pimples on your face. You're socially awkward, and and you just stay up in that epinata, eponema, eponema, Epine- yeah, yeah. eponema, or the other one, Julius. Masquerade. Masquerade. And you have no friends. Just talk on like an aim chat or something. That you know. So you want to play in this what have you tournament. And what do you do? You okay. can't because it says on the rule sheet, according to Ball Hawker, you have to have two people minimum. You're right. I mean, we, should, okay. we should have a, a poker matchmaking. And we should have a poker matchmaking matchmaking as well where you actually get hooked up with, with uh, people of the opposite sex. But I'm being serious now. Don't you think there's going to be some people that don't have a team? Yes, though there may be some that maybe like, that kind of hook up that are like both alone. Like, okay, hey, like you- look at the guy that I mean, I mean, it's not a joke; it's very sad. But the guy that shot up the the theater in Colorado during Batman, yeah, who would team up with him? Uh, somebody who doesn't mind getting killed if they make a bad move. Yeah, exactly. Right. So the point I'm making is maybe this is something we could make some money off of matchmaking. What have you? So, so you're saying what we should do is match potential serial killers with other well, potential. You should write a post on that Allens.com and and <laughs> see if you can get some interest. What, what if we actually match two like like uh, unstable loners together, and then when they both get when they get knocked out, they shoot up the tournament? Is that a good idea? <laughs> like 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 alone, they wouldn't have done it. Like, but but like together, where they oh. encourage each other. Like, okay, I'm so glad I have someone in this with me. Okay, when we bust. We both draw our guns. But also from the financial incentive. So if me and uh, the Northern California guy did it, we each would have to ante up a $500 fee. Yeah. But say me, the Northern California guy, the old daredevil, and then TMLK did it. Hey, Northern California guy, are you, are you hearing Brandon cut out too? He's been cutting out a lot. Yeah, okay. I think, I think Brandon, we're going to call you back because you're the only I'm one cutting out. I'm going to call you back. Okay, you can call me back. Okay. I'm glad it's not just me, though. No, no, it's definitely been cutting out. Okay, is I that better? Like mine. Yeah, you're back. Okay, I mean, it's a Skype issue. I'm looking at it, and all the kilohertz are good with my modem. All <laughs> the kilohertz. Yeah. <laughs> so, but is that is is that correct? So, you save money, too, if you have more people in your yes, little... Yes, yes. Well, depends. If you win, obviously, so, then your, your 
your share would be divided more. Right, but I'm saying in theory, though, is this the cheapest way that that one these days could play in a yes, a yes. Open For, event? If you got four people together and each paid two fifty, that would be the cheapest way you can play a World Series event. And, and what would we charge? Ten percent. Oh, oh, so as far, oh, as far as a matchmaking fee? Yeah, exactly. No, I don't think anyone's going to pay that. I, I think we, ha- I think we'll have to charge our usual. They wouldn't f- pay twenty five dollars. No, we'll, we'll we'll have to pay our usual. We'll charge our usual fee, which is zero point zero. By the way, uh, speaking of okay, Stu see Unger, that right now I'm getting a, a text. Brandon, thank you so much for finally talking about what others like myself have wanted. My name is Tom. I am grossly disfigured. In fact, I am quite hideous. And all I want to do is to join up with two or three others and play in the What Have You Poker Tournament on that Wednesday. Well, you know, I, I'll play with you, Tom. If you're a good player, I don't care what you look like. I mean, I don't have to have sex with you. So as long as you're a good player, that's what's important to me. I mean, I, I'll look at you. I don't care. Well, but you know, he knows you're not. And he said, I would play with Druff since looks aren't important to him. But he isn't coming to town that week. Mm. Well, maybe I can make an exception for Tom. I don't know. Like, I want to make his dream come true. And uh, by the way, Brandon, I was thinking about Stu Unger's daughter. I realize I, I did know. I just haven't seen her recently. But it is true that uh, I talked to her on a party line 25 years ago. <laughs> Druff, I think you should do what you got to do. I mean, we have enough time. and We should play the matchmaker, what have you, contest. Representing, we could put on our PFA hats. So, so how are people going to post like like single white male uh, forty five? No, I'm saying, but you and I should play in it too. Oh. Like you should come out here during. You should figure out your schedule. You know, maybe get the uh, in laws or grandparents or somebody to watch the little one and come out here and we should do the gangbang tournament. <laughs> you know, there was once a I'm, there was once a team tournament at the World Series. I don't think it ordered a bracelet, but it was that uh, weird thing where you got like a jersey to wear, and I forgot what I it was played, even called. The, oh, the Dream Team. The Dream Team. That was it. I yeah, played in that. I, I we finished. We cashed in that. Yeah, see, I made. I, uh, I, I ended up winning twenty one thousand in that tournament. I, you know who was on my team was Dustin Neverwin Wolf. I remember that. And we, I was supposed to be on that team, and then I got kicked out. <laughs> I didn't. That I didn't remember. Did you remember that? Yeah, it was me. Wasn't it me, uh, Dustin, and, and uh, Reggie Man? It was it was it was three man teams or maybe it wasn't something happened. I was supposed to be on Team Neverwin. Oh, I know what it was. I was supposed to be on Team Neverwin, and then Neverwin didn't show up. But then he ended up showing up. So then I went to a different team. That's right. That's right. Steve the bodyguard. But I know that Reggie Man was right. Was there, and he didn't give a shit because he had just busted literally he the main event. Yeah, play. yeah, the main he event. Just busted yeah. out of the main event. Now the thing that I thought was funny um, was that that the, there was like eight different fucking Maven VT teams. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Hey, VT1, VT2. And they all look like little Nazis, like they didn't talk. They all walk like soldiers. Like, do you remember that? Yeah. That was, that was like the height of his. his... <laughs> but there yeah. were all these little what have you running around. Yeah, that's when the, that was like the uh, the Maven VT cult back then. Yes. Yeah. I... And by the way, I got a retweet from the the one guy, the Jewish kid with the yarmulke that's really good at the poker. Yeah, yeah. Ari? Ari, yes. 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 Yeah, he listened to the show and. and Maybe we'll have him on. So I'm rooting for that guy. He's a good player. Yeah, I am too. You know what? He he's what they call like uh like if it was a football team or something. He's not the quarterback. He's not the wide receiver. He's like an offensive lineman because he goes and he he grinds. He plays the not so pretty tournaments. Like he's playing those five hundred dollar horses and those seven hundred dollar no limits. You look at his schedule. I mean, he's playing. I mean, not, not to say that he's not playing the big ones, but I think what it is with that guy is I'm gonna and I don't know. 
you know, maybe he wants to come on radio and talk about it. But I'm going to guess nobody backs him. He does. Maybe he does like a token. You know, he'll swap with the other Jews, like you know, one, two percent. You think? You think only Jews? You think he won't swap with Goyim? Man, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, but the point I'm making is that, I, you know, I think he has all of himself, and he's one of those guys. He's never going to go bust, and he just has good money management. He said, you know what? I want to go to Prague and. EPT, what have you, and travel the world and, and, and whatnot and play the poker. But I can't be doing 10, 5, 7, 10, 10,000. You know, the, it's the, the variance. Yeah. So, but anyhow, uh, he sent me uh, a tweet and he likes the poker fraud show. He does listen. Uh, he says we're running a good show over here. Um, but maybe we'll have him on. I, I, you know, he's a nice guy. But anyhow, so he had that Maven VT and they had like some partnership. And I remember just thinking, Tell me the truth. I'm not exaggerating for the people listening. In that dream team, what have you, there were like eight to ten different Maven names. Do you remember that, Whittles? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. It was crazy. I saw that everywhere. Maven VT, Maven VT, Maven VT, yes. everywhere. Yeah. And uh, Reggie Man actually knocked out. Uh, I was at the table with Reggie Man and Maven, and, Maven, and Reggie Man knocked him out. Tens over Ace King. I remember it. I kid you not. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, listen, I need a partner, and I guess Whittles isn't going to come. Northern California, would you maybe throw back on that poker jersey, get nostalgic with me, and come play in the, the gangbang tournament? That's pretty. That's pretty tempting offer. I'd have to consider that. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting jealous now. Now maybe I have to play it. I, I may actually change my mind. It I'm sounds fun. I mean, if this is, this is what you'd need. Everyone would have to be competent, or at least, you know, decent. Like, you don't want some mutt, Okay. And we'd all have to agree to, you know, some format in which we'd divvy up the playing time. Now, I'm sure just much like radio, okay, Todd, you're an alpha, I'm an alpha. I think that, the, you know, you may live off the land, but I do think you have some alpha tendencies, Daredevil. <laughs> so we'd all have to come up with something like every 20 minutes we switch or 10 minutes we switch or, you know, something like that. But I think it'd be a fun little tournament. Definitely going to be chaotic. Can't you hear them telling all the little pimple faces, stay behind the ropes, stay behind the ropes, because <laughs> we're all trying to, you know, right? Am I right yes, or not? Yes, yes. Totally. How long until there's inner team fighting? I mean, that's got to be. Yeah, maybe there will be fights breaking out like, asshole, I told you not to go all in there. You're on tilt. You should have been out of here a long time ago. Right. That cum licker, someone fucking just elbows her in the fucking jaw. Yeah, I can see it. You know what? Uh, I, I think actually a good strategy for this is that if anyone loses a big hand, that they should immediately tag out to prevent tilt. I actually I think, think that's that, a good idea. I too. think that should be whatever. If, if I do play this, I think that should be the rule of the team that if you lose a sizable pot, that no matter how badly you want to get it back the next hand, you have to just immediately stand up and let the other guy play. I think that's one advantage to this that maybe other teams won't do because I, I don't think anyone's at their best right after losing a big pot. Like if, like 25% of your stack or more? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, something like that, Yeah, where you can – yeah, just something like if you lose, or just something that subjective, like if it's a fairly big pot that everybody agrees that they'll get up immediately and tag out. So I'm already getting some. This is off the Twitter already. It's amazing how fast this this stuff goes viral. Um, already some matchups, I guess that that for this tag team, what have you? Skalansky's teaming up with Mason Malmuth. Hmm. Uh, Mike Matisau and Ted Forrest are teaming up. <laughs> uh, Teddy Iceman Monroe and uh, '80s pop group Shaka Khan. Oh, that's um, a good one. And uh, former poker media guy who's Jedi is partnering up with uh, great Chinese player Tuan Li. <laughs> I, I, I would think that uh, that would actually be a better partnership would be with Chino Reem. Mm. 
And Michael Mizrachi is going to play with the other Mizrachi, and then the other Mizrachi, and then the other Mizrachi. Yeah, they can't have two Mizrachi teams. Yeah, I, I kind of want to play this now. You're getting me excited for it. You should. I, I was dismissing represent it before. PFA. I was dismissing it before, going, "Nah, this is it's too close to the main event." But now, now I kind of want to do it. Okay, so here's some other events that are going on uh, that are new. On uh, this is a weird one. On June 5th, event number four, early in the World Series, the Top Up Turbo No Limit Hold'em. Now. What is a top-up turbo? Well, this is where uh, it, it's a turn. It's a really weird tournament. This only appeal to a, a small percentage of our listeners. Uh, the top tournament for the top turbo tournament is where, if you're a gay man and you're a top, then this is a tournament for you. It's only for gay tops, and uh, and it, it's a competition of who is the best top of, of the gay poker players. It's only it's mainly going to be a rainbow flops tournament. No, actually, this is a. Uh, this tournament is a weird thing where you can get additional chips by entering and play, like cashing in a uh, $55 single-table satellite on WSOP.com. It's a real fail. It sounds stupid. In fact, I think the gay tournament would be better. This, this now, is you a, know, DraftKings didn't come back with their what have you either. No, I knew that wasn't coming back. That was a failure. But th- listen and the this. online either, right? I, I think the online may – is that gone? I mean, it was a fail last year. Well, I'll look in a second, but this top-up tournament, listen to this terrible description. As a new event to wrap up the Colossus weekend, this unique hybrid event will play as a traditional live poker tournament, but customers playing and cashing in a $55 single-table tournament on WSOP.com just prior to the event will be able to boost their stack to double starting chips. So this is so ridiculous. You start with double the chips if you play some $55 fail single table satellite on WSOP.com before the event and cash. So what a pain in the ass. Like, uh, so like the thing that sucks about this is you're not going to want to play unless you start with the double chips. Otherwise, you're at a big disadvantage. So you have to like have this on your schedule of events you want to play, but then not, not actually play it unless you win one of these stupid $55 satellites. What a pain in the ass. Like what a arbitrary thing to attach to this. So I think this is going to be a gigantic fail because who's going to want to enter it? Would you ever want to enter I think that you could enter any of these through Mason and uh, Salamander's handball charity or whatever? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) It's just so ridiculous. Like, to have to play an online $55 satellite and and win to get double the chips for a live event? Let's, let's, for a second, just pause so we don't forget about it. We'll get back to this because you know they're going to be listening. What are your thoughts on the, the tennis charity? Oh, no, no, no. That, we'll, we'll get to that later. Oh, is that a show. topic? That's Did a you topic. write it down? Of course it's a topic, yes. Oh, I didn't know it was written down. It's an down. official topic, yeah. Okay, I'm so, sorry. Okay, so that that's the – what do you think of this event? you think it's stupid? I'm not going to play it. Like, I'm would, done playing these novelty things. But would you ever pl- play the tag team and that's going to be it? Would you ever play even consider playing this if you start with half the stack of certain other people? No. No, it's awful. It's absolutely no. awful. All right, let's take like a caller. Can you imagine if I come on here and they say that – Tag team bracelet winner Brandon Gerson and limit hold'em winner uh, Todd would tell us, and then the guy from Northern California. I think my tag teamer bracelet is going to get more uh, recognition than your limit hold'em. No. Oh, absolutely. No, people aren't going to care about the tag team bracelet. They'll say they'll say it was all your partner. They'll say then it, they're going to say, "Well, limit hold'em, it's a dying game." But at least it, it was just me, though. Like but it was ten years ago. They'll, they'll, it doesn't matter. They'll, that was the, the height of uh, limit hold'em was ten years ago. Okay. Right, what happens if I won the tag team then with the one guy who uses the cards with his feet? Then they couldn't give him all the credit. They'd give him more credit because he's just using his feet. 
Or what about the, the what's the blind guy? Hal uh, Hal Labarsky. Yeah, Labarsky. Now, he, in he get theory, being blind? if he was my partner, could I also sit behind him and be his card reader? Uh, you know what would even be better is if you use the guy to to look at your cards too. Like you had him also sitting behind you and looking at your cards. Listen, I want to play this draft, so I'm going to give you the first chance as we do do the pod, the fraud show. Would you? Uh oh, Brandon's cutting out again. Brandon. Yeah, I, you, I, I'm not doing you, nothing you, different. You said you would you, and then you cut out. You may need would to you, reboot or something. I don't know. Would you possibly consider doing the tag team? Yeah, I'll consider it. I may actually do it. You're, you're, I'm, I'm not joking that I'm kind of getting excited to do it now. Saying my call quality is medium. Yeah. Speed up your internet. Do you want me to reboot the computer and call back? Uh, we'll do it after this segment, after the World Series segment. So, caller, you're on the air. All right. Um, I just wanted to call in and talk about this because by the time you get to it, I'll probably be asleep. Uh-huh. But uh, was the were you going to talk about the Dan Bilzerian prop there? Actually, we weren't. But <laughs> we'll no, we're going to put it on the okay. list. We'll put it on the list. Well, we'll, we'll was, talk about it now. What is it you call or what are your what is your question or comment or concern? So my comment was um, in uh, two plus two the MVG tards. There's just all kinds of threads about. So what? What are you supposed to do? Is he supposed to bike ride from L.A. to Vegas within 48 hours? And I just saw all these posts where people are saying it's easy and you should have no problem doing it, and saying he should own if he travels like 16 miles an hour, he'll make it or whatever. It's a 300 mile trip, but I was just thinking like I don't see how people are saying that shit's easy or that it's no problem to bike pedal from Los Angeles to Vegas. Like I don't know, but it seems like everything I look at, even on uh, the two plus two poker cast, they claim it should be an easy enough feed and whatnot, but. Basically, has to bike ride for forty-eight hours straight. I I don't see what's so easy about that. I don't think it's easy either. And then you have to consider. Uh, Blitzerian. Just make sure I understand. Because I only read a little bit about this. Blitzerian is the one that's riding, correct? Is he the one that's getting on yeah. his bike? And also considering he's had at least two confirmed heart attacks. Uh, I mean, so you know, it's not like he's some physically proud athlete. Uh, and then the other he question... He a decent amount of muscle mass, too. He's not a small guy. Exactly. And, and the other thing that I was... I don't even know the answer to this. Assuming you can't bike on a highway, like, you know, I-15 is a major thoroughway from Vegas to L.A. Are they even just direct, straight, like, country roads that you could even make it from Vegas to without being on a highway? No, no, there's there's some yeah, way... There's that's some, actually a good question. I, no, there's no way, to, unless you go way, way, way out of the way. I mean, way out of the way to where you, you wouldn't be possibly feasible. Because uh, a cop I, sees you on 15, they're going to pull well, you over. I was wondering that. I was wondering on, on 15. against the law. Well, it may or may not be. I don't it know. Is. It was, it was, I looked it up. Others looked it up. You can't, it's against the law. Oh, it is. It's against the law. Then it can't be yes. done. It can't be done then. So that, that was the other thing I was curious. How are they going to... No, mean, there's, there's large portions of 15 where there's no other route. And I know, I'll tell you why I know for sure. I'm someone who's obsessed with avoiding traffic. Like whenever I see traffic, I, I immediately whip out my phone and go, okay, how can I get around this? So there are some points at the L.A. to Vegas drive that it is impossible to go anywhere but 15. There's no other roads other than 15. So I don't that, – that right there makes it impossible. I, I was wondering if it's well, even – Well, there are parts of 15 that don't have uh, emergency lanes or lanes to pull over. And so you literally have to be pedaling – you know, with, literally within feet of, you know, eight, you know, trucks that are 
going 70, 80, 90 miles an hour. There's no way law enforcement, Florida Highway Patrol, California Highway, or Florida, California Highway Patrol, Nevada Highway Patrol, whatever, is going to allow that to go on. I mean, that's just, that's, that's just dangerous. Yeah. You know what I'm sure um, Bill Perkins will have one of his goons follow in a car just to make sure Bilzerian doesn't catch a cab or some shit (laughs) halfway through. That, that's true. How, how do you verify? And there's a, something I just thought the whole thing seemed very, very tough because uh, to do it in 48 hours, uh, that's forget the number of the miles per hour. There's a fatigue factor to it. And there's, there's a race that they have uh, called the Ironman Triathlon. And that's uh, three very tough things to do. And you have to do all three of them. And this is for only the top elite athletes who can handle it. And what you do is there, there's a 2.4 mile swim, which is a lot harder than it sounds. A 112-mile bike ride and a 26.2-mile run, which is a marathon. So you've got to do all three of those. And all of them have a time limit of where you can't take any longer than a certain amount for each My one. prediction, just for the record, is I don't think this is ever even going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. But I don't think it's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I don't think it will either. But, but what I'm saying here is if 112 miles is considered a huge bike ride, if that's considered like equivalent to a marathon – running a marathon, how is someone like Dan Bilzerian, who's not even a, bike, a biker, how is he ever going to do almost three times that in 48 hours? Because you're going to get sore. You're going to get tired. Of course, you have to sleep in between. And, uh, you know, I've got to be honest. Let's, let's talk about another thing real fast here. And tell me okay. if it's just right, me. Oh, no, you're, you're fine. Thanks for the call. You know, I, I get it. You know, he's got a lot of money. The, the story with his dad, you know, how he got the money, and his dad supposedly hid money. But the whole thing with him, to me now, it's kind of boring. You know what I mean? Like, at first, it's kind of like, oh, what is this guy going to do next? But all these things that you hear about, the fact he's on TMZ, it, it really doesn't interest me. Now, I mean, listen, it's not kind of, it's not any kind of cock envy. Like, of course, yeah, would I like to have the money he has? You know, of course. I mean, I'm sure you would, Druff. I'm sure the Northern California guy would. You wouldn't have to be eating vegetables in the front of the lawn. But <laughs> the point I'm making is, that to me, I, I don't, I don't find any of it interesting anymore. You know, like the last thing I think he did that I, I thought was interesting, kind of, was he blew up something in the desert and he had to get like a really good attorney. And yeah, it, because he got arrested for for blowing up a bomb yeah. in the desert. And yeah. then the, that woman sued him, the porn star that he threw off a roof, and yeah. that letter he wrote, the attorney wrote, was pretty hilarious. But all this other stuff, it, it just I don't know. I don't think it's interesting. I think it's kind of sad that that. I mean, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Well, do you find I, his antics interesting. Well, I'll tell you what I find least interesting actually is. When anything involving girls where he takes these very contrived photos that he's even admitted on the Howard Stern show were contrived, these very contrived photos of him partying with these beautiful girls uh, that where it's a, these totally staged photo ops. And in fact, I've heard that some of the girls are actually brought in just for the photo ops. So he's trying to make it look like, oh, I'm partying with, uh, with 10 really hot chicks at the same time. But in reality, these are just models who are, who are doing a paid gig. Uh, to party with him and be of in pictures. Of course they are. So that's so stupid. Like, don't post pictures like that. If it's, if you're legitimately partying with ten hot girls who are all over you, th- that's interesting. But not if you're paying them to be there, and not not if you're staging the whole thing for a photo shoot. Then it's just dumb. That's like fiction. So that that's especially like I think Dan Bilzerian's story is interesting when he's legitimately. Living. I don't think any of it's legitimate. Uh, Dark Star just wrote in the chat, it's not real. That's kind of how I feel. I don't think it's real. I think he's like a, a walking, tweeting, Instagramming uh, reality show. Well, some That's of it's fake. definitely fake. You know, I, like the thing with blowing up the stuff in the desert, that was real. He really got in trouble for that. 
But uh, uh, and the thing with the porn star throwing her off, the, that was originally set up as, as some kind of uh, gimmick. But uh, then that, you know, she really hit her arm or whatever, like on, on the ground. She, like that really happened. But that stuff's more interesting to me. Even the interesting – what was interesting to me was that legal battle he got in where he gave a million dollars to buy a part in a movie but had a contract specifying exactly how much screen time he got. And then when the director cut part of it, he sued them. And and I thought that was interesting. It, yes, he bought his part there, but I thought the fallout from it was interesting where it was kind of him versus a director uh, who, who thought that he was bigger than the contract. But I, I hate the super Maybe contrived stuff. because I live in Vegas and I see enough crazy shit. You know, more I've seen more things in my life that that you know people aren't going to see in their entire life that just doesn't interest me. Well, I don't know, but I, I'm interested in a different way. I'm not interested in the, whoa, look at that guy's life. Whoa, this is so cool. Like I don't look at it like that. I look at each situation themselves. Like I I find it interesting when when someone gets arrested for blowing up things in the desert and treated like a terrorist. That's I that type of thing I'll find interesting. I don't find it interesting when they make phony photo ops or phony partying with hot chicks or or phony outrageous situations that i don't find interesting at all so i i don't find california what do you think well i was just i was just wondering did you guys ever follow that story about do you you guys know who drew rosenhouse is of course agent he's an agent uh lives in weston or south florida famous sports sports agent agent. Yeah. yeah so apparently him and his wife or fiance or girlfriend uh, she was partying with Bilzerian, and so it caused a whole bunch of strife in their marriage. Did you guys follow that at all? No. I'd never even heard of it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, she she was partying with Dan, and I guess it got her in a lot of hot water with her husband. Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. So I don't know. As far as the biking thing goes, it sounds so far-fetched to me. It doesn't even sound realistic that he could ride 48 hours straight. Well, not straight, but with, with, with cover almost 300 yeah, miles. Yeah, you know, the, this hours. is what the problem is going to be. As someone that used to bike a lot back in the day, even hypothetically, say he makes it that first 20, 24 hours, you know, or whatever, however long he goes. And it's okay, you know, we'll say maybe like 18 hours. And then he stops and rests for six. After he rests, he's going to be so fucking sore. Right, you can't continue. Okay, he's not going to be able to continue. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, as, as soon if as I was going to do it, if I had to do it, I would do it in a manner in which I just did it continually. Meaning, like, I would just go for two straight days. So I know once, how my, at least how my body is, and most people are like this, once that stress and that wear, you know, hits you, and then you stop, and then, like, you know, your, your muscles just, I mean, you know what I mean? You're yeah, they get really sore and you can't continue, right? And not only exactly. that, but it's also, uh, a lot of it's uphill. In fact, you're, you're gaining altitude because uh, Vegas is 2,000 feet higher than L.A., first of all. Second, uh, you're, you're going up and down some pretty high uh, hills or mountains. At one point, you're at 4,700 feet. So uh, this is – it's not like you're biking flat the whole way either. So this is uh, – this I don't believe he could do it, and, and it doesn't look like he even can do it because you can't ride on parts of 15. I don't know what they'll even do about that. So, yeah, it looks like it just won't even occur. And I bet the excuse will be that you can't bike on parts of, parts of 15, so it's over. So let's get back to the World Series, uh, the yeah. new events here. Uh, let's see, get back to the list. I, okay, so I talked about that. Stupid Listen, I, I'm, I'm having trouble hearing both of you. Now, this is what I'm going to do. Reboot. You want to reboot? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to connect them on my phone because I don't want to. You know, I, I listen, Druff. You didn't even give me no uh, props. I came on early, even during the the poker. You're right. I, I didn't know. Yeah, that's say right. nothing. And you know, no, uh, I appreciate. I'm going to have to leave when the poker stuff's over, of course. <laughs> and then you and the other guy can finish the show. But let me do this here. You want to reboot? 
I can't even hear him say he's going to reboot. <laughs> what a fail. Now, let me ask you, what a fail. No, I couldn't hear you. He said, let me, let me do this here. And you just... Well, no, because I'm, I'm actually connecting now to Skype on my phone. Okay. Is that, how bad is this quality? No, it's okay. It's, it's, it's not quite as good, but it's, it's decent. Okay, so let's reboot this. Okay, and, wow, that's, that's so pretty now, slick. You switched to the phone. Yeah, it's very, yeah, very good with that. Now, other than the normal events you plan, is that what you're sticking to this year? Is there anything? I mean, well, you I'll, to get, see, I'll like, get to I'll get to what I'm going to do. Short, I'm going to get to what I do shortly. But let's talk about some of the other new stuff. There's a a five sixty five dollar PLO event with rebuys. Uh, that's uh, event number twelve. Are you going to play that, Brandon? Wait, there's a rebuy event. A PLO with 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 reentry. Yeah. Is it with Lammers or is it because they outlawed that years ago? Yeah, well, you probably have to re-enter through the cage, is my guess. Then, then yeah, it, but I don't think so. I mean, I, I well, it said well, unlimited re-entries. Wow. Well, do you remember years ago they did away with that after the Negreanu incident? Well, not no, not just that. There was theft from it. That was never yeah. really reported. But yeah, there was theft where people were where the floor man would just take your cash and then right. uh, would just pocket some of it. So, uh, but yeah, there's. Uh, they haven't been. They haven't been rebuy events in years. I know, but it says unlimited reentry during registration period. So I guess there is. I guess you can just keep going to the cage and reentering. Wow. So, uh, so anyway, like normally, normally in the past, what they did with these tournaments, just for those that that don't understand, is after they did away with rebuys, what they did, especially in tournaments like PLO, where you know, you literally even faster than no limit can uh, be knocked out because, you know, I know, Druff, you're not a PLO guy. Uh, Northern California guy, did you ever play PLO back in the day? Uh, I dabbled a bit, but definitely PLO probably would be like my third or fourth game. Okay. Well, see, the thing about PLO, and you know, I'm not – maybe I'll sound uneducated here just because I'm not going to spend 20 minutes talking about it. Is there a lot of situations where you can get involved in, in pots uh, with – Decent holdings, you know, with huge draws, with huge wraps, and it's not uncommon in a PLO tournament to be knocked out or to have double or triple your, you know, starting stack very, very early on. So to combat this, what they would, what they did in years past in these tournaments is they'd give you uh, like three lammers, and then you could use all three at once. Most people didn't, and then I think you had up to like level eight, meaning like say you got, I don't know, five thousand in chips per lammer, you get five thousand, and then if you busted, you'd buy it for another thousand or another five by turning in your lammer to the dealer. So this is basically what they made rebuys into, uh, just for that reason. Because I don't remember what year it was, but there was a year that Negreanu. What did he rebuy? I mean, it was it was like twenty seven times, 40, 48 times, time. 40, 48 times. Okay, and then people were just outraged, and then you know that became more of the the protest of you know the pros can just buy bracelets, and it's not really truly open to the everyday man so after that they did away with the rebuy and i, I agreed i thought that, that now of course the wsop didn't like it because they want guys like negranu or i don't know ivy or you know Durr back in the day that are just gonna you know here's 1500 1500 1500 literally just flipping just to try to get a stack but i think it's good for poker i don't think there should be any rebuy tournaments yeah i agree i don't like them and I think that this is the only one just because it is PLO. You said it was a 500-something dollar buy-in? 565, yeah. Yeah, the, the buy-in is lower. Um, and, and because of that specific game, you know, aces versus aces, everyone's going to always go in. You know, it's, and it's not very – it's not uncommon at all to run aces into aces in PLO. It happens a lot. 
You know, yeah. like Kings versus Aces, that's something different. I mean, you never should pre-flop. I see this all the time. And I, maybe one day I'll talk more about PLO, but this is the biggest mistake I see people make, which is fucking nuts. Okay, just jamming like it's no limit holding with Kings. And uh, that, that that's just, it's utterly retarded. I mean, you don't treat Kings and PLO like you would treat Kings and Hold'em. You get away from that. But anyhow, at least pre-flop. But anyhow, go on. I'm sorry. I, I digress. Yeah, so... So yeah, there's unlimited. Druff, entries. you won a PLO. I played with Druff one time at PLO. This is a little known fact, real fast. I'm sorry, <laughs> I just had to remember. I was with uh, this. This is look. Listen to this crew. It was me, Druff, the guy from the other site, another poster. He's an old creepy man, but he was really actually nice. Named Seymour Flops. Do you remember him? Yes. Druff. Yes. And uh, former or not uh, former, but bracelet winner and love interest of Toots. And who would that be? Uh, that would be uh, Ship the Perk. Brian Lemke. Per- Brian yes. Lemke, yep. And he was in that game as well. And uh, Druff, I remember when Druff rebought, you know, Druff was only bought in like 100. You know, he's like, hey, listen, I don't know that PLO, but you played tight, you played conservative, and you, you won a couple. It was like $1, $2, maybe even 50 cent a dollar. But you won, you know, three, four hundred dollars $400. I yeah, think, I did. After yeah. a couple hours, I mean, you, you did well. <laughs> No, it's, it's actually uh, – that's one I'm considering. Well, not that I, – I may play a PLO, but I, I – see, I don't like these 565 events Listen, because there's, there's, there's a 13%, there's a 13% rake. I've been telling you this last year. You've said this on radio. The game that you're most uh, you know, capable of playing without that much study that you do well in is limit Omaha 8 or better. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I, I looked at that too, but I think, I think the schedule is going to be bad for that. Well, I think there's it's, more than one of them. Is there? I'll, I'll have to take a look again. I agree with Brandon. I think that's probably the easiest transition for a limited player to make. No, I think it is too. I just, I just, and I can tell you, I wouldn't be shocked if he cashed or went far because it's not that hard. You can read hands good. You can play solid. I mean, it's, it's, and there is obviously limit hold'em. There's an element of that involved, and it is limit, which you know you enjoy that format. I think that'd be your best transition in terms of if you wanted to. You know, have luck, lady luck on your side and, and make a deep <laughs> run and possibly win another bracelet other than, you know, I'll even go as far and say this. I think you have a better shot if you're ever going to win another bracelet in 08 than you do in No Limit, without a doubt. That's yeah. what I think. Well, it would be a smaller field too, but uh, so, so well, that that's, goes into the thought process. Yeah, so, well. so uh, let's, let's get to the other things here that yeah. we're going to be going on. Uh, we have uh, a – uh, so what I was saying, though, before I get to this, is the 565. What I don't like about this 565 event is a, a brutal 13% rake, which I hate. But it's another reason not to play the Colossus. The, and the reason Brandon and I are not coming back to the Colossus is bec- mainly because of the terrible prize pool structure to where unless you make the final table, you don't make any kind of real money despite, like, and I'm a little butthurt that Suicide King's grandmother outlasted both of us. Yes, so. yeah, that was the other problem. But the, but yeah. e- even without Suicide King's grandmother, uh, ninth place, oh. ninth place out of twenty two thousand entries got sixty seven thousand dollars, which is a joke. Sixty seven thousand for being ninth out of twenty two thousand. That's nuts. And, and then first place was six hundred something thousand. So this year they're going to have a guarantee for it, where it's going to be a million. But but. It's it's still crappy. It's it's still just uh, the chance of getting there to any kind of decent money is tiny. So you're just wasting your time and, and mostly was- maybe even wasting your money playing that thing. So I, I, I'm not. I almost think you have a better chance of buying in for what is it? What's the buy-in? Five sixty-five. 
Okay, well, buying maybe a thousand or so a blackjack table and running it up to twenty, thirty, forty thousand. Yeah, I, you're right. You, you do. It's just uh, it's just so hard to get to the final table on something like that with twenty two thousand people, maybe more this year. And then you what? You get sixty something thousand as a joke. So the, the and reason then you this happens the day four, day five, and you get two thousand after playing. 80 hours of poker, not, not for me, not playing. Yeah, yeah, and the, the reason this happens is because the larger the field, the more spread out the prize pool is going to be because they have to pay more people. So if you think about a two-person tournament, a heads-up, sit-and-go, the winner gets 100% minus rake, and it goes all the way down from there. Every time you add more people, the winner gets less and less of a percent. So that's why uh, the final table gets such pathetic percentages in this event with 22,000 people than it would compare to uh, a smaller event. So that's, that's why we're not playing it. Anyway, back to the schedule. Uh, another new event, they're bringing back the $2,000 No Limit Hold'em, which I think is nice to see because uh, from what I've seen at the World Series, maybe it'll be different this year, but I don't think it will be, 2,500, and I know Mac Lance, who listens to this show, has found this as well, independent of me. 2,500 seems to be the threshold to where only pros tend to enter. So if it's 2,000 or less, you get a lot of fish. I disagree. You, why do you disagree? I, I've, I've seen exactly that. I'm not saying you get talking, no fish. You're, you're talking about no, no limit holding. I'm talking about all events. I've seen that. Tw- I, I disagree. What do you disagree about? When, when I played, like last year, I played in a $1,500 horse, $2,000 horse, and I was stacked with pros all throughout the tournament. Well, maybe that's because it's horse. Well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe you're, maybe he's referring to just no, no limit. Tournaments. Okay, I've noticed in no limit hold'em and in limit hold'em, both of those, that the you get above two thousand and the field gets much tougher. Whereas fifteen hundred and two thousand is a very similar field. That's what I've noticed. So, so they're bringing back a two thousand dollar no limit hold'em. It's going to be on June fifteenth, event number twenty three. On June twenty third, they're going to have a weird tournament, a mixed triple draw low ball, featuring limit ace to five. Deuce to seven and Badoogie. I think it's going to be a tough event, though. Unless you're Scotty, no. June 26th, there's a mixed No Limit Hold'em and PLO event. $1,500 buy-in. I know that's, that's probably going to do well. I think people are going to like that. Event number 53 on June 30th, there's going to be a Pot Limit Omaha 8 and an Omaha 8 and Big O event. A trifecta in the Omaha variant, they call it. July 1st, there's a, I think, a stupid tournament. The $888 Crazy Eights tournament with an 888-888 guaranteed for first place. I'm surprised they don't have a tie-in with 888.com on that. They should. But $888,888 guaranteed for first. $888 buy-in. But... Here's a dumb thing that they're promoting. It's, it's eight-handed as well. And they say, this is the first time that a tournament with a sub-$1,500 buy-in, meaning $1,500 or less than $1,500 buy-in, is going to be short-handed. <laughs> now, would you consider eight-handed to be short-handed? No. No, it's ridiculous. That's not short-handed. It's... Uh, it's pretty much full ring to me. So I think it's a dumb event. And then, of course, there's the tag team. So those are the new events this year. And as far as what's gone, let's see if the, if the online is really gone. Let me scroll down. I didn't see it anywhere on there when I looked through the events earlier. No, it's here. 
Oh, it is here. Event number 66. $1,000 WSOP.com online no limit hold. Trader Ruski? <laughs> What's happening, guys? Did oh, look who's there! <laughs> the fourth oh, I wheel. I love that kid. What's the car, up, buddy? The car has a fourth wheel now. Did you hear that, what happened with the old Daredevil? I heard. I know. I can't We need you. It, so. More than ever. I'm, I'm here. You know, I'm jumping in whenever there's a lack. I don't know if I have, you know, all the facts he has, but... Uh... No, Maybe you don't. between me and Northern California, we can uh, listen, replace them. We can have our own kind of tag team. Druff and I were talking earlier. The main qualm that we have with you is, you know, you can't be making that herbal tea late at night. The last time you had that herbal tea, you were snoozing within 20 minutes. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, the thing is, he wakes up early, though. Unlike you and I, Brandon, he, he wakes up early and doesn't sleep at all during the day. So he he's had a long day, and by the time we have this show, he's, he's really uh, – out of gas. Yeah. Well, how are you, Trader Ruski? I'm doing well. Good. Good to hear. Good All to right. Hear so, doing well. And by the way, I think that when it said unlimited entries, wouldn't that be you'd have to bust out, get up from your seat, and then you'd just re-enter? Uh, the, at the cage. You'd probably I, be in a different seat, right? Yes. I think you have to go – right. You probably do lose your seat unless they hold it for a short time while you go re-enter. I can't possible. imagine they would do that. You probably, could probably just go back in. Yeah, you probably just have to go in and re-register, yeah. So I, it's almost like you just come back as a different person in a way. And you could do that unlimited times. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So uh, – the start times is going to – they're going to be one hour earlier, which I don't like. They're all starting at 11 a.m. And they've got to understand here that poker players are degenerates who don't like getting up early in the morning or even semi-early. So for most of us, 11 a.m. sucks, especially if you stay up late the night before, which a lot of us do. You don't want to be there by 11 because it means you've got to wake up around 10 and, you know, or even earlier. Like who wants to do that? It starts to feel like a job. So I, I wish they would just keep it at noon. They They – they made the 11 a.m. so the events would end earlier in the evening, but it's a trade-off. Then you've got to get up earlier, so you're not really gaining an hour here. And and the later events, which used to begin at 4 or 5, are now beginning at 3. And the reason I don't like that especially is because if you make it day 2, now you have to choose – now you have to – really choose of what you're going to play. If you're worried you're going to make a day two and miss an event you want to play, you don't, you don't play the previous event because you're afraid that day two is going to interfere with the next one you want to play. Whereas before, if it started at five, you'd think, okay, well, if I make a day two with a short stack, I may be out by five or, or maybe out by seven, I can late register. Here, here at three, you're, you're pretty much guaranteed to miss at least some of the next event if you make a day two of the previous event. So I don't like that. They're, they're trying to go for earlier end times, but it didn't bother me if I made the end of the day and we're playing until 2 or 3 in the morning. Fine. You know, it's like uh, as, as long as they, they restart the next day is late enough, then it, it shouldn't be a problem. So I, I think this this earlier time thing is not good. What do you think, Brandon? Say it again. <sighs> okay, never mind. No, what, what, is it? I, no, what I do you think what, of the early, what do you think of the earlier start time? No, of what, ele- what is the time again? 11 now. I mean, I'm always for later things anyhow. Yeah. So, yeah. I think most See, of it's us kind would. of like not a struggle, but noon. You know, I would like it if it was at two o'clock, maybe two fifteen. Yeah, and, and at least noon. Like the eleven's too early. They've had a few events before at eleven. And I didn't like it. So there's going to be. Uh, Remember the Colossus? I I I, don't, I forget what time you played at. I ended up playing at seven p.m. No, I played early. Yeah. So okay, there is a. Uh, 
it looks like people are going to be cashing now in most events on the first day. So they, they're trying to uh, they're trying to make that happen. Which with that I understand, and that's part of the reason they're changing the structures around. Which is the problem is they've made the structures crappy to make this occur. Now it's not going to occur on every event, but they're trying to make more caching on the first day. I do like the caching on the first day thing. It's just so painful to come back on a second day and not cash. It's just a it's a psychological letdown. Like you get past day one, and you're the like, people are like, oh, congrats! You're like, congrats for what? I haven't won anything yet. I mean, over half the tournaments I played last year, I didn't show up till like level eight or nine, the last two <laughs> hours of the night. Yeah, that's the that's the uh, the, the Ronnie Bardot method. Yeah. And you didn't need to. I'd, I'd start. I mean, well, they made adjustments. I think somewhere halfway was it about halfway through the series. Yes. Because you remember it just was so meaningless. Like, yeah, so meaningless at the beginning. Yeah, you can just show up late. I yeah. don't remember the exact percentage, but I think it was safe to say it was like roughly 70% plus were making day twos. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, and not to say that it ever has been an accomplishment to make a day two, but it used to kind of mean, it meant more than it meant last year. Yeah, last year. You know, you, hey, I made day two. Oh, that's great. Last you're, year you're in the, the money, you're getting close to it. You weren't making the money last year until like the end of day two. Well, in all the limit events last year, all types of limit events. The, the, it was way too slow, the structure. So you really lasted a long time and didn't cash anyway. And that happened to me. I, I had two full days at 3,006 max limit hold'em and did not cash. I came close, but I didn't cash. Uh, so here's how they've changed that this year. I'm looking at the 3K six-handed limit this year. Now keep in mind you start with 15K in chips instead of uh, last year we started in with 12K in chips. But it's... The, the blind levels, instead of these repeating levels, now it just moves up. Remember the repeating levels? That's been done away with. So now it goes just, you're playing, uh, these are not the blinds, these are the limits. 153, 24, 255, 36, 48, 510, 612. So it's, it's more like the old way. They did away with the repeating levels. So they, they realized that that was slowing things down too much. The winner of that event, by the way, is Matthew Ellsby. Have you ever heard of him? Mm-hmm. I haven't either. Okay, so that, that's it for the World Series uh, as far as the, the the different changes. But as far as what we're going to play here, I'm, of course, going to play the three limit, of, limit hold'em events. Uh, I'm going to play the main event. I'm going to play a handful of no-limit events, but uh, I, I'm not going to play the Colossus, as, as already mentioned. And I'm thinking I'm not going to even start with the World Series until kind of the beginning middle of it. The beginning just isn't interesting me that much, just looking at all the things they have. Like the Millionaire Maker, yeah, but it's not worth just coming for that. So I think I'm not going to start until the 1500 Limit Hold'em on June 14th. I think that's going to be my first event this year. Maybe I'll come slightly earlier, but probably not. That's probably going to be my first event. And uh, I, I may give a shot to the 2K No Limit Hold'em if I bust that one, the 1500 limit. But I may make a day two because so many people make day two in that thing. And then uh, you said that, uh, yeah, see the 08. Yeah, maybe I will play the 08. The 1500 08 on, uh, yeah, I see the problem. That, that's the problem. The 1500 08 is on uh, June 16th at 3. And then the 10K Limit Hold'em is on June 17th at 3. And I'm just afraid, like, what if I make day two of the 1500 08 and, 
like don't cash and then miss the uh, miss or miss a large portion of the 10k limit hold'em the next day. Is that really worth doing? Like that's 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 my dilemma here. I kind of want to play the the that 1500 but I'm afraid it's on a bad day. I wish it was just like one day earlier. So I don't know. Like I want to play it, and at the same time, I, I I'm afraid. I'm afraid that if I, I'm afraid of something like making a day two and either min cashing or not cashing at all, and then and then missing the the 10k limit holding. Because I I don't know how fast it's going to move. I don't know since they've changed the structure. I don't know how fast it's going to move. And the events are 24 hours apart, which means that what's going on here? Who's who's doing that? Brandon, what's going on here? Like nobody's talking. <laughs> okay, let's do a check. Who's here? Uh, Trader Risky, you here? I'm here, and I was on mute, not me. Okay, it wasn't you. Uh, Northern California guy. Yeah, I'm here. You're here. So I think this is Brandon. What's he doing there? I keep hearing this. What is going on here? Well, I won't bother to ask Brandon what he's playing, because he's doing I don't know what right now in the background. So uh, I'll play those. Uh, I, I'm The monster stack... I think is uh, I may play that this year. That's on uh, June 24th. That's back. There's no re- re-entry to that, by the way. I may play the Monster Stack on June 24th. I will uh, probably play the... See, I don't know if I'm going to play this either. There's another conflict I have. The uh, On June 20th, there is oh no there's no conflict it's okay on June 20th is the uh, what they call a summer solstice no limit hold'em just because it's on June 20th which is strange the summer solstice is actually June 21st I don't know why they'd call it that but the summer solstice limit hold'em is on the 20th no limit hold'em sorry that's the it's the same as the extended play no limit hold'em that they introduced that last year and I said last year I think this event is a good structure for me and indeed it was I cashed in it last year in its first year so I'm going to Come back, play that. And I thought it was on the 21st, which is why I thought it might be a bad day. But I'm going to play that for sure. And and I'll see what else. I'll see if uh, I decide to play the 08. Not sure if I will or not. See if I decide to play a PLO. Uh, definitely playing the main event. But I'm probably going to play like about like a two-week burst of events starting on June 14th. Then I'll probably take a break, and then maybe I'll come back for the tag team on July 7th and then play the main event on probably July 10th. There's three starting flights, 9th, 10th, and 11th. I'll probably play on the 10th. So that's probably my schedule. Uh, I will be selling pieces of myself again, and I'll probably sell it for everything but the main event. And it'll be where you have to buy all or nothing. It's not You can't choose what you buy of me anymore. It's either you, you take the good with the bad there. So uh, I will post the details on that. It's going to be a, a little bit of a different format next year, at least this year, except uh, I think the main change I'll make is if I don't play an event, I'm not going to roll it over in the same way. So I'll, I'll post the details soon. I don't have it ready yet, but stay tuned for that in the future. Someone requested on the forum that I give some tips on how to get rooms for the World Series. Get a seven-star. Well, that's that's the easiest way. But uh, let me, I'll give you a few quick tips on that. And uh, let's, let's get to the... 
exact question. The question came from Aaron Mykunt. Not Aaron Mykon, but Eric My- Aaron Mykunt asked, As part of the WSOP segment, can you please give some tips on the best way to book rooms during the World Series? In particular, someone like me who had hit diamond aspirations on how to most effectively use all my free rooms and airfare. Well, I don't know what your offers are on your airfare. I can't help you with that. But uh, look, I- I'm not sure exactly what you're asking. You should look at your offers with uh, – if you're a diamond, you probably have some offers as far as free rooms in Vegas. Uh, you should definitely call early. Do not wait. In fact, I'm probably going to call tomorrow and book mine because the schedule just came out. People are going to start booking. And some of these offers have – for me as a seven-star, it doesn't matter as much because this is not an offer. I just book being a seven-star and get it for free. You as a diamond – do not automatically get free rooms. You only have offers, and some of these offers have a specific number of rooms allocated to them. So once that allocation is used up or once the property gets busy enough, then they black it out. It may not have blackout dates printed on them, but they black it out. So you can call up and say, yeah, I'd like to redeem my uh, four free night offer for uh, these dates, and they'll say, no, sorry, not available. And you'll look, and there's plenty of rooms available, but your offer's not available. So I would book immediately, and... If you know if you get if you have free room offers, keep in mind you cannot use them back to back. And and unless your host does it for you, there's no way around that. There used to be ways around it. There's not anymore. So the rule is between offers. There needs to be two days. So let's say you want to stay there for let's say you have two four free night offers there, and uh, you want to stay there for ten days, or if you want to stay for eight days, we have to do is you book four, then stay somewhere else for two nights. Then book the other one two nights later. You cannot book them back-to-back, and I don't even believe you can pay for the two rooms in between back-to-back. Now, there's a trick you can use. There's a trick you can use if you don't want to change rooms. Okay, I'm going to give... If you have multiple offers and you want to just kind of stay straight, let's say you have two four-night free offers and you want to stay 10 days, you can't just book both of those and then pay for the other two nights in between and stay all 10 days. It won't work that way. You actually have to be off property, not completely off property, but you can't stay on the property or any other Caesars property for those two nights. So here's how you do it. Find a friend who's also going to be there. Even if they have their own room, find a friend who's also going to be there that is willing to make a booking for you for those two nights in between. You can pay him back, but have him do the booking. Then book your first four nights or whatever you get. Then leave the two-day gap. Have your friend book those two. Make sure he's physically there to check in, by the way. It can't just be any friend. It has to be someone who's going to physically be there in Las Vegas who can check you in. And then book your, your other one after those two nights are done. So the way you stay in the same room the whole way is this. You check into your room. When your stay is over... Go down there with your friend and say, my friend would like to have my old room. He visited my room. He likes my room. I'm checking out. He'd like to check into my room. They will let him do that. Then you can stay. Then your friend, obviously, he's not really going to stay there. You can stay in his room, which is still yours. Then after that's over, you do the same thing. When you've got to check back in for your next reservation, again, go there with your friend and say, yeah, I'd like to take over his old room. In fact, you may not even need him to be there. You can just say, my friend's checking out on this day. I'd like to have his old room. And they'll let you do that again. And the advantage of this is you can stay in the same room the whole way. 
You can stay in the same room the entire 10 days without the hassle of, of leaving and moving rooms and moving hotels. That's the way I would suggest it if, if you're going to stay a long period of time and you want to maximize the free rooms you get. Now, if you're a big baller, you can actually convince a host to give you more than just those offers and to comp the days in between or let you do back-to-back offers or whatever. But you're, you're not going to be able to do that normally. So that, that's my suggestion. And if anybody has any further questions, you can text me, 775-372-8355 after the show, and I'll, I'll try to give you my best advice. But book early. And even if you're paying for the rooms, book early, because the prices are probably going to go up. They can get quite expensive there, especially during the big weekends like Colossus. So you definitely want to do it now. And if the price goes down, you can always call back and have them re-rate it, because the cancellation policy is like up to two days beforehand. So you can always have them re-rate it if it uh, goes down. But it probably won't. It's probably going to go up. Take a call here. Caller, you're on the air. What's up? Is this uh, Jay Searles? Yep. Jay Searles, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. What are you talking about right now? I'm not listening. <sighs> not this again. Didn't we go through this once before? I, no. Just tell me what you're talking about, and I'll fill in. No, no, no. Talk. We're not doing this. No. See, I, I've told you before, when you call into this show, you have to have something you want to say. You don't. Uh, you don't tell me to give you a topic where you don't have me recap the show for you. Well, but I wasn't listening. Well, okay. That's it. I had to get rid of him. You can't do this. You can't call in, say, I'm not listening. Tell me what's going on and I'll talk about it. If you've got to call in with a purpose. He had no purpose and he's gone. Jeez. Yeah, Natural Born Hustler just said in the chat, get this faggot off the fucking radio. Well, I did. <laughs> uh, he's asking, why did you even answer the phone, Druff? Terrible. All righty. He made a call just like this a few years ago where he calls in and says, hey, yeah, I'm just calling. Yeah, I don't know what I want to talk about. Give me a subject. So he's like recreating his terrible phone call from a few years ago. It's, it's bad enough that he was terrible a few years ago. He has to come back now and recreate the terrible call. All right. Uh, Brandon, you here? Where's Brandon? He just vanished. I'm kind of worried. What if Brandon just keeled over and died during the show? I bet he's okay. I think he just lost interest in uh, where the was going. Where the fraud show was going? Well, okay, let's well, talk yeah, about the fraud show. Let's talk about another fraud show topic. Iovation, a company that was funded with UB cheating money. Seriously, the uh, there is a strong theory that's probably true that Greg Pearson, the CEO of Iovation, funded the company with money stolen from UB through the cheating. Russ Hamilton was definitely cheating and using that money to fund his ultimate blackjack tour by looking at people's whole cards. That's how he was cheating. But uh, Greg Pearson is said to also have been involved and was definitely part of the whole thing. We even have him on tape talking about it afterwards. And yet uh, Greg Pearson has escaped most of the public scorn that has been directed at Russ Hamilton. Now, Russ Hamilton is fairly being blamed, but it should also be falling upon the shoulders of Greg Pearson, who has moved on, started iOvation, and most people see him as a legitimate, successful businessman. So if that's not bad enough that Greg Pearson got away with it and is rich from the whole thing, uh, Iovation has amazingly been approved by the Nevada Gaming Commission 
to provide services to online poker there. Shocking. And we talked about this last week. They had a hearing for it, and the NGC recommended that Iovation get approved. And despite objections from people in the poker community, including uh, people speaking against them, including uh, Haley Hintz contacting them and giving them all she could to show how Greg Pearson not only did was involved in the cheating, but also uh, was his company was running online poker when it was illegal. Somehow that was all okay with the Nevada Gaming Commission, and iOvation has been approved to provide geolocation services, which means uh, uh, basically they're going to know where you are. So iOvation, the company that stole from you an ultimate bet, or wasn't iOvation then, but it was Greg Pearson, who was the head of iOvation. The company was called IE Logic back then, but they stole from you an ultimate bet to fund this company, iOvation, and now they are providing services to the legalized online poker rooms in Nevada. So you think the legalized and regulated market is going to be clean, and it isn't. These same cheaters are back providing uh, geolocation services. Now, do I think they're going to do anything terrible or sinister with it? No, but they don't deserve to be part of the industry. Brandon, are you back? Yes, I am. Where, where were you? You kind of vanished. I'm not going to lie to you. I got a uh, text alert. I'm going to read it to you. It says... Free message, Chase. <laughs> Chase Fraud, did you use card ending blah, 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 blah for $1,745 at a catalog retailer? If yes, reply one, no, reply two. Obviously, no. I decided to make a brief call. So it wasn't like Bovada or something? No. Uh, okay. Now, I, I've had that before where I use it as it's, a guest. It's actually, it was a, I'll even say it was a Southwest Airline uh, Chase card, the Rapid Rewards, whatever card i never use it I, okay. I mean it hasn't been used maybe in four or five months um i got the airline tickets off it you know you know the bonus hoarding there's a threat on the fraud site um and so yeah i had to just make a quick call because that shit kind of just irritates me and i wanted to yeah care yeah this. yeah and uh you know what i would do if i if you feel like it is uh ask them who what the purchase was from and then uh and then call up the retailer and tell them not to ship it well, I just went to the website. It's finishline.com. It, I guess I'm on it right now. It sells shoes, women's, men's apparel. Looks hmm. like kind of like a fake Nike store. Weird. Finishline.com, $1,700. That's a weird place for them to be buying $1,700 worth of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I've always called it, like, followed up and told them not to ship the product. Like, I always want to screw the scammer as much as possible. Well, I would. I mean, they canceled the card. They're going to UPS another card to me. It's a, they, I think they said by Friday. So, are you saying that they'll still get the product? Sometimes they do. Yeah. Wow. So, you, unless you call the company and warn them. But the funny thing is, I've, I've warned companies before, and they don't want to hear it from me. They're like, like they don't want to. They either don't want to take action, or they don't want to give me the info. I always want to find out the info on the scammer and harass him myself. So like I'm like, give me the address where this is being shipped. Give me the name it's being shipped to, and they won't give it to me. I'm like, wait, it's my credit card. I should have the right to this. And then they try to give me like BS things that it's, it's an invasion of privacy. It's illegal to give me that info. I said, no, it's not. If something's ordered on my credit card, I have every right to the info. And and you know, uh, p.m. Eastern time. No, they they closed. I'm looking at the number right now. Yeah, well, you can try them tomorrow. But 
anyway, uh, okay. I, I once got in a standoff with one of these companies where they wanted, they did want to know like who the scammer was so they can't ship, but then at the same time they wouldn't tell me who it was. So I said, no, I'm not giving that up to you till you give the info to me. Was so you we, kind of saying it was like a secret? It, it, was, it was a secret, yeah. I, I told him, I'm not giving you the info on the stolen credit card unless you give me the info on the person who bought it. And so, right. and, and like we got in a standoff where I said, I'm willing to go first, but you have to promise me you're going to do it. So finally, they, they backed down and gave it to me. Now, also, so, I'm getting a text on the uh, home box office line. Jay Searless, uh says that he's been trying to call in to the fraud number. No, he and, did, and I hung up on him because he had, uh, he had nothing to say. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. I was gone for that. You were doing the Todd's chase. Todd's for a guy that lives post Wild Wild West. I think mm. you're getting more standoffs than anyone I've ever met. <laughs> Well, that that standoff was my creation because I, you know, most people just wouldn't even bother with this. But I, I decided I wanted to also for I wanted to get the info partially for laughs on this show, so we could call up the scammers and bother them. Uh, G, uh, uh, Trader Ruski, are you familiar with this FinishLine.com site? I'm not actually. I was just looking them up. Does it look like a legit site to you? Oh, I haven't completed that yet. Really, I'm <laughs> looking them up now. <laughs> That's why we keep you around. No, but what I, but what I what I did look for was uh, drops that I'm going to this RSA conference next week, and one of the exhibitors is RSA. I mean, is Iovation. Oh wow, I'd love to be there. So, and say, yeah, I don't know if you want to text me some questions to ask. Yeah, you know, or anything. I, I bet if I was there, they'd probably throw me out of the now, conference. Did you know that Druff is a non-tenured professor at uh, CCU? Or C, what is it? Yeah, CCU, yeah. Commerce CCU. Casino University, yeah. Did you know this, Trader Ruski? I did not. Yeah. He was lecturing uh, I'm a professor, this past week. I'm a professor in Limit Hold'em. So, okay, you guys should start calling me Dr. Druff. You know that 3060 <laughs> game say. is going, by the way, on uh, on um, WSOP.com again. Butters, yeah, what about G- him? Poker G, and Vic TB are playing three-handed. Uh, 3060, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, Iovation got approved, and, and Haley hints she hasn't written the article about this yet, but she claims an article is forthcoming. She says that she believes the fix was in, in order to get Iovation approved to do the geolocation for the Nevada WSOP.com. She claims there was a fix of some sort that got them approved. She said, "We'll do a complete story in a bit." This is on FlushDraw.net, but rest easy, readers, and understand that the fix was in. Anger alone won't rectify the situation. Only exposure can do that. So Haley Hintz is going to expose that there was some kind of fix in getting Iovation approved. So you say she hinted at a bigger story to come? She did. Mm. She did. So I I can't wait to read that because this is really shady that uh, the Nevada Gaming Commission, even when made aware of Greg Pearson and Iovation's past transgressions, Approve them because the whole point of the Nevada Gaming Commission is to keep undesirables out of the state. From now, the, the Northern gaming. California guy, what do you think about this uh, tentative report that's about to be released? Um, I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> I know that I think I, I know that I think it's pretty bad that uh, Iovation got approved. I don't really understand why any of these things have bad actor clauses, if not them being bad actors. How yeah. much of a bad actor do you need to be? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Why even have a gaming commission analyzing these things and approving things if if they're going to approve a company like this? Who wouldn't get approved? Unless the fix is in. The fix is in. Yeah. I think it really was. I think she's uh, usually Haley has something to it. She doesn't just throw around accusations lightly. So, 
All right, let's let's uh, segue to an accusation that was thrown around lightly, and how it came back to burn me two years later. Burn this site two years later. Uh, about two years ago, there was a scandal involving open face Chinese and cheating through the open face Chinese app. And there was a rumor that there was a well-known player who played open-faced Chinese at high limits all the time who was cheating through the app. And I trusted a formerly reliable source that the cheater in question was Sean Deeb. And I, I, I prefaced it and I said, I, this is not my information and I don't have anything to back it up, but, but someone is insisting, and they're a pretty reliable source usually, that, uh, that Sean Deeb was the highly suspected cheater. Well, Sean Deeb got word of this, and I got a call from him during the show. And boy, was he pissed. And by the end of the call, I was convinced that I was given bad information. And I, st- I still am convinced of that. I'm convinced now that Sean Deeb was not cheating. He was innocent, and he was, uh, even though I qualified it with that this is just a rumor, uh, I-, I shouldn't have done it. I-, I should have not thrown that accusation around unless I had some real evidence to it or really strongly believed it myself. Here I was just repeating something that I was told with uh, not knowing at all that this was necessarily true other than the the person who gave it to me was typically reliable. But in this case they seemed to be wrong. And and it turned out Sean D was highly likely to be innocent. So as you might guess, Sean D is not a big fan of mine anymore. Uh, the funny thing, Brandon, didn't you tell me at one point that Sean D would have come on the Doc Down show, but he didn't like one of us, and it turned out it wasn't me, it was MyCon? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so he didn't like MyCon, but he had no problem with me. Well, since then, he has a problem with me, too. Uh, and, and it's my own fault, and I, I, I felt stupid for the whole thing. And This is, this is, how, this is actually really a, an amazing story, uh, how I met him. I, I, I've since played poker with him, but... Oh gosh, this was maybe about four or five years ago. Uh, are you from? Are any of you guys familiar? Now I think it's basically defunct. But are any of you familiar with Yahoo Games? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so back in the day, I and mean, this has started all like, geez, maybe 1987 or 1997, 1998. I used to play uh, a game on there. Uh, called hearts i mean it's a card game but i don't know so anyhow i played on yahoo this was like in college and i'm not really a big you know online card guy like chess or you know any of the other games like cribbage but started playing hearts and they use like this point system that if you win like you know it elevates you basically get like a ranking so i would i'd been playing on there for years and about four years ago now the game is gone they, they just kind of gave up on yahoo but about four years ago, I'm playing, and you know, anyone that knows Hearts know you don't have partners. Everyone is basically – it's a four-man game, and you're playing for yourself. You know, only one person can win. And there's a name in the – that everyone picks like a screen name, kind of like a form. And there's a name of, of one of my opponents, and his name was Sean Deep. And I just thought that was kind of odd. And I just wrote something in the chat. I wrote, you know, LOL, like you're not – are you the Sean Deep from poker? And he wrote, yeah, yeah, that's me. And I didn't believe him. You know, I'm like, really? Prove it to me. You know, like, I'm like, write something on 2 plus 2. And sure as shit, within like two minutes or so, he posted something on 2 plus 2. <laughs> and uh, it really was him. It was just like a random thing because there's, you know. So anyhow, uh, we st- we got to talking, and that's how that actually that whole thing started. I'm like, you know, you come on radio, blah, blah, blah. You know, I do this little podcast. And then he, he had heard of it. And that's when he made the comment about, uh, you know, the former 
guy that he yeah. didn't like him, and I don't remember what the reason was for. I think I, I mean I don't even know. But uh, so then I met him. I think it was at a WSOP or maybe even at the Aria, and I introduced myself to him, and we had played a couple more times after that, and that's how I met him. It wasn't even poker; it was just randomly on on Yahoo. Didn't playing, know that. Uh, that's interesting stories. Wow. Yeah. So so yeah. Since then, uh, so he hasn't liked me since then, and so more recently, very recently, this past week. He decided to take Poker News up on their offer to essentially be the fraud site. Uh, they, they basically stole our idea of being the site that outs cheaters and scammers. So they already did a piece for Phil Galfond the prior week. And so Sean Deeb went to them and said, hey, I, I want to accuse some scammers. And they said, okay, tell us a story. So he told them, and Poker News is like, oh, this isn't convincing enough. You know, we, we're not going to run this. We're, we're afraid that, you know, maybe. Your side can be incorrect, so uh, we're not running it too bad. So he was pissed, and he started posting on Twitter that he wants to get this story out. And is there anyone, anyone in the poker media who could possibly carry his allegations of being cheated? So I thought, well, this is perfect. So before I even could respond, several listeners of the show responded to Sean Deeb suggesting that he come on this show. And unfortunately... Uh, Sean Deeb was uh, not very open to it. This is what he said back in in tweeting. Uh, he said, Don't trust Todd. He did a broadcast calling me a cheater when I clearly wasn't. So he did not want to come on. So I tried to tweet back to him and say I apologize and I explained it to him what happened and I said I shouldn't have done it, but that apology apparently was not good enough, and Sean Deeb did not respond to me and did not come on here. Instead, he went on David Tuckman's podcast. Now, I have no problem with David Tuckman. Now, how do I know that name? Uh, he's well, Bart Hansen's former like, yeah, he's that Hansen partner kids. for Live at the Bike. Right. See, yeah. that's something Daredevil would have known yeah, right he, away. Yeah, he's, like, he's part of that. Uh, the, the, as part of the, I can guarantee you that Trader Ruski never heard of no David Tuckman. Am I right, Trader yeah, Ruski? Yeah, yeah. He's the guy who was – what was he, deaf? Yeah, yeah, he's also mostly oh, deaf, and, and he also broadcasted my uh, final table at the 2013 World Series. Wait, Trader Ruski, you know about this Tuckman? Yeah, you guys were talking about him a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah he, that he, was a guy. He's That's the one who called. Okay. He's the one who talked about the clown show. He, he, he talked about that clown site. What did he do again? He that, called that Mason. Was, he called Mason Malmuth a clown. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. I so I covered that on the uh, fail laptop episode. Right. Right. So. I called him Touchman. <laughs> so, so David Tuckman, he's the one who got him because, uh, you know, Deeb doesn't like me anymore. And so here are the allegations that Sean Deeb made. And I, I can even jump to the show itself and just steal some of their content. But the, here, here's some cliffs that were made from the show by Shiz Money, who's a listener here, and I appreciate that. Uh, I, this happened today, so I didn't have time to listen myself yet. It's, it's like a 3 p.m. today, so I just didn't have time. But uh, we'll produce the show during the show and and try to just jump around and listen to part of the stuff he's saying. But here's the cliffs. Uh, There were two Russians that Sean D was accusing of treating him in open-faced Chinese on the ABC Poker open-faced Chinese app. Uh, He said a a Russian high-stakes open-faced Chinese player uh, cheated him. Uh, I guess Sean D lost a lot to these high-stakes Russian players there and then was convinced he was being ripped off. I think it's so dumb to play high-stakes through an app like that, unless you're sure you're playing with someone who has no ability to do that. Or You, you quit on me, by the way, Druff, in our little game. 
Well, I quit. Yeah, I made game. a move in about six months. Yeah, I'm going to redownload the app. I, I lost the app accidentally, and then I just never redownloaded it. So, uh, how did you lose an app accidentally? Well, haven't you ever had it before where you lean on the phone the wrong way and then accidentally delete apps? No, because you have. To, isn't there like a safeguard? You have to press on it once for like five, seven seconds. Then you have to actually hit the little X on that specific okay, app. Let me show you how it happens. It's like let's say you just kind of lean on your phone in some way, and then because you lean on it for more than five seconds, it, it goes into that mode. You can delete apps. Then if you keep leaning on it without noticing, like you like get off it a second and lean on it again, you can act. You can actually lean on the confirmation for deleting. It can easily happen. Uh, in fact, my dad was just complaining that happens to him. So it's not just me, but. Uh, he said Alexander Kuzmin. Have you heard of him before? He's a Russian. No, I don't know. Kuzmin. So Alexander Kuzmin was one of these uh, people he played. And Sean Deeb is claiming that Alexander Kuzmin offered to sell him essentially a super user app where you can see other people's whole cards on uh, Open Face Chinese Poker on the ABC Poker app for $50,000. So he was – Kuzma's trying to sell him an app to cheese, cheat other people. And then he claims that uh, Kuzman then sold it to somebody else for much less than 50K. He claims that Kuzman sold it to somebody else for 2K and that uh, Deeb was down $500,000 to the Russians total and paid about 350000 of it. Surprised he paid any – maybe he paid before he realized he was being cheated. Then another Russian, Artem Litin, uh, Litvinov. Uh, Deeb said he was down. I don't know if this is included in the 500k figure, but he was. He claims he was down 270 to 290 thousand dollars to him, and that uh, when Deeb said to him that uh, I don't want to pay it because of all the cheating, that uh, Lit, Lit, Litvinov said the whole thing's his fault that he should have stopped when he was losing 100k. And then here's the most surprising one: Ellie Alezra. He says that uh, – this is again in the cliff notes. I haven't listened yet, but this is from Shiz Money's write-up of it. That uh, Sean Deeb says that uh, Elliot Lezra owes a lot of people money and is broke and that uh, he owes Sean about fifty to 60000 He says that he plays in big games on like Poker Night in America with other people's money. And that the only person so far who has called out Elie Lezra for owing money publicly has been Greg Mueller. And during the show, apparently, Elie Lezra texted Tuckman and admitted, yes, I owe money, and his intention is to pay, though he has to do so in, a small, in small increments. So Lezra was listening and uh, said, yeah, he's right, I owe him money, and I will start paying him, though I've got to do so in small parts, so that's uh, that's basically what was said. Now let's let's try to just jump around here and uh, see if we can uh, listen to the uh, just parts of this. If it gets boring, I'll stop it. But let's see, let's see if we can start this here. That's nice. What the hell? Those, but my wife. He says here. So I wrote here. Um, you know, you, you were talking about, hey, I, I'd rather, you know, let's do it separately, you know, just because I owe your Russian friends is differently. Then you wrote here, um, I'm about to write an article on Poker News about you scamming me on OFC debt. 
I'll be including this stuff about why you are refusing to pay, but just wanted to give you one last chance to pay before I go public. And then Alex comes back with, hey, hey, and write about you scamming my friends and about Eric Wasserson and Hacks and a few American players lost money to me and didn't pay. Do you know why? Just said we heard your friends are probably cheaters, and you probably too. So if I would have won, you wouldn't have paid me also. After that, I canceled all payment on ABC, and you can't say without proofs about players who played with you. Um, then you responded with, you said you weren't paying me long before them. I, I called, I actually spoke to Eric today, just because I wanted to let him know that you know his name was in the texts. And, and he responded, he actually let me know, he, he sent me a, a text as well. Because he basically said that you told him not to pay Alex because he was cheating, right? Yes, and that was um, based on the the guy who was selling the device was hanging out with him. Eric, I think, was one of the people in Vegas who saw them together. Because I floated the picture around the guy trying to sell the app. So I basically told people, don't play with this guy, don't start games with him, you know. Because I knew that a lot of the Vegas mixed community were all playing were playing live with people and then starting games. And for full disclosure, since Eric's involved, his debt is... Uh, I think like a little over a thousand dollars that he owes him compared to the twenty thousand. So to comp- you know what I mean? I understand. Yes, I was the one who said to not pay him, but it was such a abysmally small amount compared to some of the other amounts that'll be mentioned later in the podcast. So yeah, I mean, I can't speak I mean? on I, I yeah. can't speak on this. Obviously, I, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm just trying to like you know put it out there. No, for no, the no, audience. no, no. Like, I, that I, said, I, I totally get. It. I just I just want people to know like because right. amounts I think matter. Like if I told someone owed him a hundred thousand, not pay him, and he's bitter at me, you know. That's that's different than, but I think Eric was the person. Now that you mentioned his name, who said, "Do you want me to just pay the thousand I owe him to you, so I don't have to deal with this bullshit?" And I said, "No, I, I a I didn't want to piss." I guess he's saying he told uh, Eric uh, Wasserman or Wasserman, whatever his name is, that uh, not to pay the last thousand dollars he owed to this guy who, uh, the one who was trying to sell the super user app for ABC Poker. Uh, he's, he told him not to pay him, and that guy's pissed. Like, you know, why are you telling other people not to pay me? I think that's uh, what he's talking about here. Him off. I said, because if I do that, I'm going to get paid a thousand and not get the twenty thousand. And be like, that's on you to decide. Like, if you think, with my knowledge and what we say about the app, there's enough circumstantial evidence to not to not pay him, then that's fine. By the way, the and text, that, the know, text, his own dependent decision. The text I got from Eric was, um, so this was a a, a a a text that you and you and Eric had between. So it was, he owes me twenty k and he won't pay me. This is you. Um, so Sean D. wrote to Eric Wasserson. He owes me 20 k and won't pay me. I believe he had the program towards the end as he was hanging out with the guy who tried to sell it to me. Eric's response, why won't he pay you? Sean's response was, he says because I won't pay his friends, known cheaters. Uh, Eric's- I see. So, uh, so I guess there's some money he won't – one guy won't pay Sean D. because uh, Sean D. wouldn't pay these Russians who he feels cheated him. I, I think it's so foolish to pay, play for high stakes on, on an app like that against Russians that you don't know very well. I just think it's asking for trouble. It's, it's one thing if you play somebody that you know was never a cheater and would never do that to you. But to, to play high stakes against Russians that you barely know on an app that is not – ABC Chinese, uh, Chinese Poker is not – Developed to be a secure app. It's not developed to be something to prevent cheating. So to trust it that it's going to be able to serve a, a fair game to you against strangers is, is, I think, very foolish. So is this app something where you actually deposit money on there? No, 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 no. It no you just settle up in person. You settle up in person. That's what's happening okay. here. Sean D was like, "Wait a minute. I don't. I don't. I think I got ripped off by you guys. I'm not paying you anymore." 
he said he's already paid them 350k, but the additional 150 he owes, he's not paying those other Russians. And then I guess another guy, another Russian who's friends with them, says he's you know he's not going to pay the 20k he owes D because D fucked over his friends. So it's, it's a big mess. So I, I guess Poker News wouldn't run this because Sean Deeb doesn't have much proof. And I, I guess with a Phil Galfon story, there is enough credibility, enough people who've been ripped off by the guy that Galfon was owing that uh, Poker News felt comfortable to run the article, especially when the other guy wouldn't respond to them. He, he said, I have no comment. But I think they were afraid to just run these accusations, much like I shouldn't have run the accusation against Deeb cheating in uh, ABC Chinese Poker, because it turned out that Deeb uh, – was likely innocent of that. So uh, I guess the reverse is happening where they they don't want to run Deeb's accusations on poker news. But uh, I, I think Deeb just did something stupid here. I mean, he shouldn't be, uh, Russians especially. Like, uh, I'm sorry, but to play unknown Russians and in, in, uh, for high stakes on an app that wasn't designed to be secure, it's really taking a big risk. Call you around the air. Hey, what's up? It's China. China Maniac, hello. What's going on? Yeah. So I don't think – the guy Donnie Peters from Poker News, that's, he said that they didn't run it because they don't want to keep running these stories. He said that they just ran Galfon's story, so more – you know, give more people an opportunity to be like, oh, okay, now we can come out with stuff too. But but they had a thing at the end of the article. If you know of anybody else who's been cheated, you know, please let us know. Uh, me, oh, no, it I mean, was definitely there. I, re- I read it and got kind of frustrated because I was thinking, well, they kind of ripped off this concept for me. That was, a, that was yeah. the whole point of the fraud site uh, four years ago when we started is that this is a place you want to accuse someone of this sort Wait, of who's thing. Who's on the line? I know that voice. China Maniac. Oh, from uh, old Poker Vegas Radio. Yeah. Hey, what's up, buddy? Um, ori- originally Venom Poker, then, yeah, Vegas yeah. Poker Radio. <laughs> I made you proud yesterday. I was caucusing for the champ. That's right. Trump. Big time. That's huge. So, so okay. How did his odds did his odds improve today? Yeah, that's uh, it did improve. So, right. so anyway, yeah, that's. Uh, I I mean, I was kind of pissed when I read that. Not like really pissed, but I was right. like, well, I I just kind of felt like they stole the idea from this site. And and well, I, I yeah. I'm okay if scammer. I don't get mad when other sites out scammers. I think scammers should always be outed, and I don't have the monopoly on that. But I, right. I it just seemed like. This is an idea I came up with four years ago for this site, and now they're acting like it's something new. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't catch that end part of the article where they said, let us know if you have any other stories like this. Yeah, now they did. It, like, it, Donnie Peters said all this stuff on, um, what's his name, uh, Chicago Joey's podcast. I think it was last night. And basically, maybe he was just covering it up then, saying, no, what I just told you is what he said. You know, we just wanted... You know, we thought it would be good, and then more people could come out, and they could post on Twitter, forums, whatever, so I don't know. But uh, one other interesting anecdote from that, I listened to the whole thing before I tuned into you guys tonight. Uh, Deeb said that Durr told him, like, a few years ago that, like, he said, Sean, since you have a huge ego, like, some, you're either going to get super used or something, and I'd like to even book action against you against with, you know, I'll take the other side because someone's going to cheat you or whatever. <laughs> and, it wound up, and it wound up happening. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, it did. And uh, he famously uh, won like 80K on blackjack in the, back in the day on Absolute Poker, just playing degenerately right. playing blackjack there. And, uh, yeah, he, he just 
does some foolhardy things like that. Like, who would ever play high stakes blackjack on absolute poker of all things? Even this is before the super user scandal, but still, you got to think that's uh, that's kind of foolhardy to do too. So that, uh, yeah. But he, even with him getting scammed though, that three hundred and fifty k, he basically said on the podcast that that's like the majority of his income comes from playing open face Chinese. So even though he lost that, it's possible that he, you know, maybe he won five million more versus other people. You know, like you know, that's the type of risk you're going to take. But, you know, then again, if he doesn't play, maybe he doesn't win. Yeah, but he, that's a good point. Is if, if he was really taking on all comers and he was the best one and he was winning a lot of money, maybe he felt like he shouldn't turn down anybody's action and and he was taking that risk that something could happen. I, I would just think, though, after you keep losing to these Russians and you're beating everybody else, you've got, you've got to say, wait a minute, why, why are these guys always the one beating me? And yeah. I, I don't know how it all went down and what stakes they were playing, but... Uh, yeah, it, it probably was an ego thing, like, oh, I'm going to run better. Okay, it's going to turn around. I'm going to beat them. And then finally he realized that they're probably cheating him, especially when he, when someone offered to sell him an app that will allow him to see everyone's cards. Right. right. Now, a couple other anecdotes from that, if you want me to continue, that because uh, I listened to the thing. He said that, like, Eli would – you know how you play behind someone when they go to the bathroom or whatever? Yeah. Like, and, well, they said he would, like, go and just hop behind and – then he would just pull like the uh, the tray that's over the person's chips and just play with their chips. Like he's done that a couple of times, and he didn't have the money, and he lost. So he was just like free rolling. You know, he wins, he takes the money. He loses, he just says, "Oh, sorry," you know, whatever. So. Oh, I see. That, that, oh, I see. So, so somebody, so somebody goes to the now. Did the person know he was playing behind? Like, uh, the, the, no, uh, they they probably thought he was just going to play behind them. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 people to explain to the audience who may not understand this. There's there's a weird option that you have in some card rooms. I know in Bellagio you can do this, where they they put a little uh, plastic thing over the chips of somebody who who has to leave for a little bit. And, and you can actually play in their spot. Not you're not supposed to play with their money. That's why the plastic thing's put over their chips. You can play in their spot while they're gone. And then when they come back, then uh, they get their spot back, and, and you take your chips back. Uh, so what China's saying, Elie Lezer did was he'd show up there and play behind, but he wouldn't take out his own money. He'd just pull that plastic thing off and start playing with the other person's money. If he won, then then he would just keep his winnings and return the money that uh, to the person's stack that he started with. And if he lost. Then he tell he'd apologize to the person and say, "Oh, I, I owe you this money back. Sorry." Right. Which is pretty much yeah, it's free rolling and stealing. Yeah, and he was also saying that you know, like Greg FBT is the only one to call out Eli. He, he doesn't even owe, Eli doesn't owe him money. He said he just did something in a game and he got pissed and he just like blew up on him about that. You know, almost like when that guy blew up on Chino in, in the Bellagio, that famous video that's on YouTube. Yeah. When he was going to fight Chino or oh, whatever. That's right, yeah. Was that the Aria? So that's so that's funny. So he, he was blowing up on Chino when he owns he owes all types of money too. No, no, no. Some other guy. I said it, the situation like FBT blowing up on Eli would be comparable to that random. I don't know who the guy was that totally blew up. on Oh, Chino. the other guy. That's right. The other guy who blew up on Chino. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he just called him out in the game, kind of like that. Oh, so so, FB, so you're saying that uh, Mueller called him out like in the middle of the game and got yeah. Yeah, yeah entire, okay. in front of an entire high stakes section, so oh, everybody okay. heard it. You know, like really loud. Yeah, I can believe so. that too. Knowing Greg Mueller, and he was just basically saying, you know, like it just sounded like 
you know, Eli probably made a ton of money in those 4K, 8K games back in the day, and he heard he was a huge winner, but the poker economy isn't like that anymore. Like, fishes just aren't, they're not as big of fishes as they were before, and there aren't as many of them around, you know? Yeah. And there's much better players in the game, in those games now out there, you know? So, he probably just gets destroyed, borrows, and he, you know, he, pretty sure he owes a lot of people a lot more money than he owes him, which is like 60K. That's basically what I gathered from the entire interview or whatever. Yeah, that's, so. uh, that's, uh, you know, I, I can picture Mueller <laughs> calling it. Mueller, I think, is, uh, he's willing to be intimidating when the situation calls for it. When, when I play with Mueller, by the way, he's always been a, a nice guy. He's never, you know, acted like a jerk to me. But uh, yeah, Mueller's a big guy. He's like he's like six foot four, and he used he's, to play hockey. Yeah, he used to play ho- hockey professionally, and he's like he's like someone who who like you know could be intimidating if he wants to be. So I think he's not afraid to call people out. He doesn't think anyone's going to like try to fight him there if he uh, right. gets in their face about something. Right. Um. So yeah, that's basically what I gathered from that whole thing. So, but it's almost like the same thing with Galfon. Like supposedly. Gaffon made that post on Poker News, and he was, you know, he was encouraging everybody to come out against people that scammed you or owe you money. But then I heard on a podcast yesterday uh, on another one of Chicago Joey's podcast that that kid Jason Moe, who's a high stakes no limit player, he basically said that Phil's contradicting that statement because there's a lot of people that owe Phil money, but he's not outing them, you know. So yeah. he's only outing that guy because it's in his personal interest, not to get other people to do it. Like maybe that's the only way he feels he can get paid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty bad. So. By the way, speaking of the playing behind thing, I once got screwed by it in, di- in a different way. Uh, I once played behind in a forty eighty game at Bellagio. What I did was a uh, Pi J the online player. Pi J was, uh, he was gone for a long time. And I asked how long this guy had been gone. It wasn't quite long enough to pick him up. But I said, all right, well, can I just play here in his spot? So they said, okay. They closed his uh, – they put the thing over his chips. I started playing my chips. Well, it just so happens right when I start playing, uh, he comes back. So I was about five minutes away probably from the blind coming back. So I said, okay, well, wait till my blind and, and you can take the spot back. He said, no, I have a right to take it now. I said, well, wait a minute. He said, no, I can do that. I said, that doesn't make any sense. So I paid the blinds, and you can just come back and take the, the free hands that, that I earned for my blinds? Yep, he says, that's the rule. I said, I'm not doing it. There's no way that's the rule. So they called the floor man over. The floor man says, yes, technically that's the rule. It's, it's not a nice thing to do, but he can do it. No, so, they can't give him right. a free hand. No, they did. They he'd, gave have him... to, he'd have to pose. No, he didn't. They actually – that's a dumb rule they have there. Yep. That you oh, can, yes. Yeah, so, that so, so I'm getting so pissed, and amazingly, the tables kind of split on this. Some of the tables, like, well, you know, that's the rules. He should be able to do it. I'm like, that's such a dick thing to do. I don't care what the rule says. It's a dick thing to do. And like, some of the table didn't seem to care. In fact, thought that if that's the rule, that he has every right to do it. And I'm thinking, he has no, way. but he missed his blank. No, no, but I paid his. Bl- you're a different player. I, no, I know, but you're a different player. I, I agree with you fully. That should be the rule, but it's not. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean that was never back in the day long ago. I mean that was never. So they I missed, they because don't they put the miss blind button under the box? Uh, yeah, but that just shows you missed the blind. So they, but so it's like I paid his blind now. So it, it was awful. He got to take my free hand, and I was furious. It was a matter of waiting five minutes. So right. where, where was it's this just unethical? Maybe. 
Did yeah, you have any no, no, prior history so. with him where he didn't no, like no, you? No, no, it wasn't. He's just known to be a dick. He's like known to be like a very selfish dickhead, this guy. I don't think he right. knew me. But but uh, I got really mad and, you know, went off on him about it. He didn't care. He just he just kept doing it. And uh, the table was surprisingly uh, – I wouldn't say they were on his side, but they were – some were like, well, that's the rule. He can do it. Like instead of just saying, hey, come on, that's a dick thing to do or just keeping quiet, there were actually people right. like semi-defending it. And these weren't people who had problems with me either. It was just uh, – it, it was a very weird situation. I was really, really angry about it. What, what is that guy's name? Do you remember his name? Uh, I don't know. I remember he looks like a scientist or something. Yeah, he does he? kind of look like a scientist. He, uh, yeah. and he's from right. South Africa. I, I knew his name at one point, but I forget it. Anyway, the, he, he he did that. Uh, and that was a. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that was the rule that he could just steal. I said, "Do you understand? You're stealing my free hands. I paid the blinds. You're stealing it." He says, "I don't care. That's the rule. I give me the seat." Wow. I wonder if he would have posted it out of position if he came back, or he just no, no, he would, the... he never would. He's 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 uh, he's a net in that way. He'd never do that. He just uh, right. he just wanted to take my free hands. He he saw he had the opportunity to take free hands from me and could. It's like it's almost like like legalized stealing. Right. It was almost like if, if there was a rule, he could reach in my pocket and just steal money from me. He would. I mean, he would. He is the type of guy who would do that. Right. So and he fully uh, understand what he was doing. Yeah, he's not a dumb guy. He fully understood that's what he was doing. He just he didn't care. He was, right. His attitude was like, I can. I'm doing it. Right. Yeah. Taking advantage of um, you know, of a terrible rule. Can to get yeah. an edge. Right? It's like an ang- It's like angle shot. <laughs> oh, it's a terrible angle shot. It, get it up and do it on purpose. It's a terrible angle shot. Total angle. Right. I got a, a PM in the yeah. chat room about Il- Ellie Lezra. Fuck, I thought Ellie was rich. Yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> Well, that's what they said. They said he owned, I mean, Deeb confirmed that he owns, like, maybe multiple properties, drives a nice car, like, but maybe he's just cash broke. He probably is cash know? broke. And that's what happens to a lot of a lot of these high-stakes players. They they, uh, they use every bit of money playing high-stakes, and the and then they're they're either broke or they're cash broke. Right. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on before I get off is um, you guys know that you, when you were talking about the Bilzerian thing earlier, you know that uh, – Lance Armstrong like reached out to him and offered to train him or oh, really? advise him yeah, on right, how to yeah. do this. He sent him. There was a tweet posted about that, but yeah. Did, did he uh, advise him on uh, how or, to take steroids and be able to do it? I maybe he did. <laughs> maybe that's the answer. Lance Armstrong's like, well, if you really want to win this bet, I have uh, a certain connection I can make for you to where you can probably make that happen. Yeah, I think it's gonna happen. It will go off, and I think but, he's gonna do it too. No, no, I think but, he'll complete it. But how, how can he do it? You, you can't even ride on parts of the 15, apparently. I, I've seen some bike routes that go, like, way around. It, it adds, like, an extra 60 miles or 50 miles or what? something like that. Then but, I can't imagine he could do that. But basically, like, all the bikies and stuff on 2 plus 2 think he should be able to do it pretty easily if he does a little bit of training over, like, the next month or whatever. Really? So, seems so I, hard I, I don't know. We'll We'll see. I just think with a guy like him, like you mentioned, I think Brandon mentioned earlier about his heart attacks. But other than I mean, he's in pretty good shape. I mean, he's always posting pictures with his shirt off and stuff. So I see no reason why, with the ego he has and the way he's put himself out there, that he's not going to train his ass off and, like, complete this. Well, maybe. He, but he, he may like, have the wrong body type, though. Like, you, you don't necessarily need, like, a muscular body. You need, like, a – it's better to be – to have kind of like a long-distance runner's body to – do that right. sort of thing. You you don't want to look all big and muscular because that that actually makes it uh, makes you heavier, makes it tougher for you to uh, to do well, all these that's things. That's where Lance Armstrong comes in. 
Yeah, well, maybe EPO, if, he bring, if he brings steroids. The, if he, yeah, brings the right steroids, maybe it'll happen. They should have like some sort of test for steroids too for that thing. There should be some sort of drug testing I, because this is one of these things where uh, uh, drugs could enable you to do it. I'd yeah, be afraid I think of that. that they just have like I think that is one of the clauses. I don't know. Oh, if, is it? Yeah, it should be. I, I don't know if the guy can like I don't know if he has the option to test them, but they just said no drugs. I don't know if it's just like one of those things where it's two people that gamble together a lot and they just trust each other, you know? Yeah. So we'll see. All right. Well, but um, that's all I got. And go Trump. <laughs> okay. Thank you, China. All right. See you guys. See you guys later. So that check-in from China Maniac, who's co-host of the show sometimes. Uh, I want to talk about uh, my tw- Twitter battle with Mason Malmuth because uh, Mason Malmuth has been uh, – he and I have been going back and forth on Twitter pretty much essentially guaranteeing that I'll never be coming back ever to 2 plus 2, but that was probably the case anyway, so I wasn't really uh, risking much. But uh, it's all started back in January that uh, Mason Malmuth wrote a publisher's note on the 2 plus 2 magazine, which isn't a real magazine. They just publish it on 2 plus 2. But th- this is what uh, what uh, Mason wrote. Hold on. Before we get to that, let me get to this caller. Caller, you're on the air. What's going on, Ted? And who is this? Muckpiecon. <laughs> are, are you doing a radio? Sh- are you Are you doing a radio show or something? Wait, no. Who is this? Muckpiecon. Oh, I thought you said it was Mikecon. I was like, what? Muckpiecon. Okay. Yeah, hey, what's up, Muck Fightcon? Yes, we're doing a radio show. What's going on? All right, I'm not listening. I was wondering if you could fill me in on what's been going on. <laughs> well, we already answered his question. Uh, are, are, are you guys going to do a segment on mall security anytime soon? Um, you know, it, it, it's funny you mentioned that because Jay Searles, he's so desperate to get on this show that he actually was texting me that he wants to come on to talk about iOvation. And I said, this is after I hung up on him when he had nothing to talk about. So he calls him with nothing to talk about. I hang up on him. And then he says, he's repeatedly calling after that. I'm not answering. He's tweeting, he's texting me that he's so pissed right now. Why won't I pick up his call? And I said, what do you want to talk about? He says, iOvation. Now, this is a guy who, I don't know if he's ever set foot in the state of Nevada. There's nothing he would have to add to the iOvation discussion. I can't imagine. He never posts in these type of topics either. He has no interest in these type of topics from what I've seen in his years of participation on the forum. So I, I said, what do you want to talk about? He says, uh, just a contrasting opinion. I'm not sure why you care who provides geolocation. So he's just trying to find any excuse to come on the show after I hung up on him. So the answer is no. He had his well, well, chance. I, I hate to cut you off, but my assistant's calling. So I got to let you go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. We're- Oh, and, and uh, by the way, uh, Nikki, I love you. Okay. Glad you got that out. Thank you. All right. Muck Ficon with an odd phone call here. But uh, I thank him anyway for calling in. So let, getting back to the thing with uh, Mason, this is what he wrote in the 2 Plus 2 magazine. This is referring to something that was posted on Poker Fraud Alert. He said, uh, that topic is the Mason and, and Charmaine Malmuth Foundation. Even though it was established in January 2007, since we have a no solicitation for money policy on 2 plus 2, it's also been my policy not to talk about our foundation. And while some posters became aware of it a few years ago, no one ever knew what it did or what it was about. But that changed with, with this post that appeared in October 2015. He posted a link to it. 
It turns out that my wife Charmaine and I have played tennis and mean and I and I mean a lot of tennis over the years since we were kids. I started at age twelve, she started at age seven, and yes, Charmaine is an excellent player. So with the great success of our company two plus two, we decided to give something back to the community. So to this end, I began to work with an excellent teaching professional, a ter- and terrific t- tennis player here in Henderson, Michael James, who we felt had a very good reach for kids that who but he couldn't really afford all this stuff to support tennis lessons, tournament fees, etc. So far, we've given away approximately 270000 Now, normally, it's not my style to drop figures like this, but recently on another website – I wonder which website that was uh, – someone wrote that Mason is not known for his charity donations. That was written by me. Glad to see Mason's reading. Well, the reason I'm not known for this is that it's my opinion that charitable giving should be a private thing. And the nine years that our foundation has been around, I've never found it necessary to show off about it in any way. But I guess that, with this note, there's been a change. So he was claiming in January that I had written months beforehand that Mason's not known for his charitable donations. So that now he's doing this to prove it. Which would be fine, but he's not really proving anything. All he's doing is stating he gave away this amount of money, but was not specific. He just stated that the... Mason and Charmaine Malmuth Foundation has given away $270,000 for tennis lessons. Now, when I think of giving away charity, money to charity, for some reason, tennis lessons, it doesn't seem to be something that uh, would be a necessity for someone growing up with uh, very little money, right? <laughs> like, what's next? Is give away uh, the polo lessons or... Uh, uh, you know, cruises Hand, around the world. Like wh- handball. Wh- what about handball? Is big in uh, somewhere. Well, at least handball you can play for free. But like tennis lessons seem so weird. Like if someone is poor, I, I don't think what's on their mind is, "Wow, I wish I could play tennis." If only I could afford uh, tennis lessons. Like, it's just a weird thing to give away for charity. Like if you're going to give away two hundred seventy thousand dollars, wouldn't it make more sense to give it to feed people, to clothe people, to give somewhere, uh, you know, give a roof over their heads? Isn't that what uh, people in need really uh, – aren't these, these, these the necessities that you should be providing, not tennis lessons to impoverished people? Right. So that's, that's the weird thing in the first place. I, I understand they're saying they have a passion for tennis, but it's kind of weird. It's, it's kind of like me saying uh, I'm going to give poker lessons for free to impoverished kids. It's just weird. Or at least maybe the poker lessons could help them make more money. But tennis is just weird to be giving away. But someone else said on my site that this is common and there are charities that uh, give away free coaching and lessons for kids from disadvantaged areas. So fine. Let's say that Mason really is trying to support tennis for poor people. He's trying to give away tennis lessons for those that can't support it. Should I be criticizing this? Should I be – making fun of this when he's giving away money to charity, even if it's a charity I think is uh, a little bit weird and that uh, the money could be going elsewhere for better purposes. Still, he's giving away his money to support tennis lessons and tournament entry fees to those who can't afford them. But is he really, is the question. So Belly Buster, who runs the No Fraud Online Poker Room, decided to look this up. And he found on an independent site called projects.propublica.org, which uh, monitors nonprofit organizations. He found the tax returns, which are made public because these are charities. 
the tax returns for the Mason and Charmaine Mammoth Foundation. Charmaine, I thought her name was Salamander. Close enough. Mm. So, uh, Charmaine, I think Salamander is the middle name. Oh. So, <laughs> right. so uh, this is what their summary that they made on uh, on projects.propublica.org, which is not – this is done automatically. No individual did this. They didn't do this because they hated Mason or anything. In 2011 – $45,000 of contributions were received to the foundation. I think all of it was from Mason himself. Charitable, charitable disbursements? How much do you think? 0. 0.0. 0. 0.0. That's what it was. Zero charitable disbursements. What about 2012? They received 20500 25500 they got. How much... Did they give to the charities? Zero point zero. In 2013, again, I'm reading from this site. 12,000 received. How much was provided to the charity? Zero. Zero point zero. So where's all the money going? So I thought this is really weird. Like, is Mason really just donating to his own foundation and then just taking the money? Like, what, is this some sort of tax trick or something? I was trying to figure out what is this, and if there is some kind of scandal here, I want to expose it because Mason's a dick and deserves it. So since this is being put together by an automated tool on a website, I thought maybe it's making a mistake. Maybe Mason really is – Wait, who's a tool? Well, Mason is, but uh, oh, okay. there's, also, there's also a tool being used on the website that is generating this data. So I thought, what if it's wrong? I, I don't want to falsely accuse Mason – of this if it's just wrong on this website, even if it's not intentional. So I went and pulled up the actual returns, which you can also do through the website, and, and read them myself. And I found that maybe the site is wrong, but there is something a little bit questionable. Let's take a look at 2011. He really did receive – or the charity really did receive 45000 probably from Mason himself. And in, here's how it was broken down the expenditures. $143 in accounting fees. That's negligible. We'll ignore that. And then under the line of contributions, gifts, and grants paid, 42410 leaving 2000 and change uh, left over for the next year. So 42410 was given away by the foundation in, quote, contributions, gifts, and grants paid. So what does that mean? That can mean anything. That doesn't mean that uh, – it was given to kids needing tennis lessons. It could be anything. It could be that, but it could also, could also not be that because this is an expense. This is an expense on the return as contributions, gifts, and grants paid. So this could really be just about anything, and it's not specified. He has to keep records in case they're audited. So if they're audited, then he'd have to prove it. But as far as what we can see, as far as what he provided the IRS at that time – Contributions, gifts, and grants paid. I mean, think about gifts. It can be gift. He could say, uh, I'm giving someone this gift. They don't have to be someone in need. He could just give a gift. Could have given me the gift. He didn't, but he could have given me the gift and written that up there. So that means nothing. That means that he donated his own money to his own foundation, and then most of the money was given away in some way to some unknown party. That, that doesn't mean anything. It's possible it was charity. It's also possible it wasn't. So here is my point. If you're going to brag about that you gave away 270k, which he's saying since 2007, 270k has been given away, which is probably true, but to whom? If if you're giving it away to a relative or a friend or someone in cahoots with you to to do some kind of shenanigans, then that's not really given to charity. 
So if you're going to brag about this, if you're going to come forth and say, I gave away 270 k to charity, look at me, look how great I am, look, look what a nice, generous guy I am, then it's up to you at that point when people say, hey, wait a minute, who did you give it to? You can't clam up at that point and not give it any details. So that was my point. So I tweeted out essentially saying that, that uh, I, I put a link. All I did was, was uh, tweet a link to this and say, interesting tax returns. That's all I said. <laughs> so he responded to me angrily about that. And uh, where's here? I'm trying to read the thread on my site, but it crashed. Here we are. So he responded to me and, uh, and called me low class. He said it was low class of me to do that. He said, what low class? Here's the someone the charity helped. Kids are now at Harvard and Georgetown and linked to ZuluDreams.com slash book.html. Zulu Dreams is the remarkable true tale of rich man Malhalangu, some uh, South African guy who uh, learned tennis. And he wrote a book about his experience with, with becoming a better tennis player. Can you guys hear me? I'm getting some sound issue here. You guys hear me okay? I hear you fine. Sounds okay. loud and clear. Okay. Sounded weird to me on my end. So anyway, so he linked to this uh, rich man, Mahalangu, but I, nothing in this guy's story mentions Mason. Like I went to the link and I read the whole story about rich man, Mahalangu, and, and yeah, he became a tennis player after uh, growing up uh, poor in South Africa. But nothing about Mason helping him. It's just about his own story. So, but okay, let's say that Mason helped this guy in some way. That doesn't mean that all 270000 went to him and others like him. He just listed one guy he helped. Let's say Mason hypothetically spent uh, $10,000 helping rich man Malangu. Where's the other two sixty? Like, we don't have any figures. We don't have any numbers. We don't have any facts. He, he's not providing it, which, again, he doesn't have to. But if you're going to brag about it, then you're expected to. You can't brag that you did this and then not give anyone evidence that you really did. Otherwise, uh, the bragging's meaningless. Now, that's been my point. So I responded back, so you're getting angry at me for posting a link to the charity's tax returns? Explain what was low class about that. So he didn't answer me right away. But I got another answer from him today. Like It took days, and he responded to me. But here's what he wrote today to me. He wrote, extreme low class. Charity has helped a number of people. Get your facts straight. Quit trying to hurt people. Quit trying to hurt people. <laughs> now, who do you think I'm hurting here? He said, quit trying to hurt people. Who does he think I'm hurting? you have any idea? His reputation. The children. <laughs> the children. I don't know if he's talking about, like, am I hurting the children or am I hurting him? I, I don't know what, but I'm not hurting anyone. I am saying very simply. If you are going to brag that you gave away 270k to tennis charities, then show where the money went. List the people you helped. List the tournaments you paid for. List the tennis lessons you paid for. Make it public so people can see what you did with the money. Don't just say, I had this charity, but I'm not telling you where all the money went. I refuse to tell you where the money went or who we helped or, or what this charity did. Just just trust me, I gave away to charity. Like He's right that charity is a private thing, and that's why – I would not be demanding this if Mason was keeping it to himself. But but he's using this to brag about himself and show that I'm wrong with saying that he's not known for his charitable giving 
Well, you're still not known for it because you won't say where the money went. So it is our right to question it if you're going to brag. Anything someone brags about, the public has a right to then question. When I say a right, not a legal right, but you have a a moral, moral right, 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 a moral right, in my opinion, to question the person's claims at that point. And uh, and this is very questionable because uh, all I see are a bunch of tax returns of where he donated money to himself or to his own foundation, and then the money was spent on on contributions, gifts, and grants, which can be anything to anyone. So uh, a link to a book by some South African guy who played tennis doesn't tell me anything. So, Mason, if you don't want to be under the microscope here, don't brag. That's my response to you. And I'm sure I'll never become a member of 2 Plus 2 as long as Mason's alive. But that's fine. You don't have one of those, uh, what do they call them, dupes? Do not have a fake account there. Nope. I don't. I'm, I'm serious about it. I don't have a single account there. So, uh, Brandon, you received a refund on Bovada, didn't you? Very small. A small one, but you got a small refund. Yeah. Bovada did something really weird and unprecedented for them. They gave people cheating refunds. That is, uh, they gave people refunds on previous losses they had to cheaters. And they would not give any information. It's a secret. It's a big secret. Bovada's big on secrets. Uh, secrets they don't call secrets. But Bovada would not explain why the person was caught cheating, what they were doing, what game it occurred in, nothing. You just, like, here's the money. Be happy with it. Take it. Goodbye is basically their attitude. They will not answer where this happened, how this happened, why this happened, who did it, nothing. So people are speculating. Now, there's a lot of reports on 2 Plus 2 of people getting refunds, including large ones as high as 7K. So think of a lot of different people who are reporting these different refunds of three and four figures. And then, of course, there's tons of people who are not reporting it who got refunds. Probably most of the people who got them are not the ones reporting it. It's got to be a pretty large figure that uh, total that went out in these refunds all at once. I have to think it's got to be more than one million dollars. So there's various theories being thrown about. One of them is that there was some kind of bot network on there, that there were a lot of bots playing, and that uh, they shut them all down and confiscated all their money and distributed their money proportionately to those who lost to them. So I play 3060 and 2040 Limit Hold'em on there. Those are the two games I play on there. Don't play anything else except uh, occasionally uh, 08 when I sit at the wrong table. So I didn't get a penny. It seems that most people who got refunds were PLO players. Now, have you played PLO on there, Brandon? Yes, but very not, not a lot. Not a lot. Okay, so you haven't played much PLO. Uh, but that's who most of the people getting the refunds are getting them from. But also, people are getting refunds from No Limit Hold'em, who don't play anything but that. Someone even said that they only play Heads Up lim- No Limit Hold'em and got a refund. So they said it couldn't – that kind of ruled out collusion. Some people are thinking maybe it was a collusion ring, but I don't think so. Because if it's collusion, then it wouldn't be anything for Heads Up. You can't collude in Heads Up. So it probably was some kind of cheating ring. Now, some conspiracy theorists started throwing out maybe it was a super user. Maybe it was uh, someone looking at everyone's whole cards. But I don't think so. I think if there is a super user on there, either from their own system being compromised or an inside employee using their access to look at people's whole cards and beat them, I, I think Bovada would just sweep it under the rug. 
I think that's the last thing they want to call attention to. Whereas when you give these refunds, it makes everyone wonder, hmm, why are we getting these refunds? So I was thinking about why would Bovada give the refunds rather than just confiscating the money? Since everything's in a black box over there, you can't see who's playing you, everything's anonymous, why would they even refund it? If they could just confiscate from cheaters, why wouldn't they just do that and not give the money back to people? And they could probably get away with it. So I I thought of a theory as to why they gave the money away. Uh, But before I say it, uh, Brandon or Northern California guy or Trader Ruski, do you have any idea? I, I don't have an idea. Anybody? No clue. I don't know. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't want people coming out and telling their story about how they had their account shut down and their money confiscated, and then people would wonder what Bovada did with that money. Wow, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. I love this guy. It's a great addition to the show, Mister Northern California. Mm-hmm. Exactly what I was thinking. That if they confiscated over a million dollars from a combination of a lot of different players, they were probably afraid that one or more of them would show up on 2 plus 2 and claim their money was improperly confiscated. And if these people did, even if the community concluded they were full of shit and were actually cheating, the community would then ask, well, where'd the money go? Has Bovada given it to anyone? And then everyone would say, hmm, I didn't get anything, I didn't get anything, and then it would have been realized that uh, Bovada just kept the money and they would have looked terrible. So I think Bovada, after closing this many accounts, they probably closed a lot of different accounts, and figured with this many people involved in the whole thing, that it probably won't stay quiet, and that they they're best off just redistributing the money and being done with it, not not giving any detail, just giving the money back, and uh, almost like showing, hey, look, our security actually does something, our security actually catches this. So uh, they're thinking maybe this will even buy some good PR for them because people are getting free money back from people that had played and cheated them in some way. So uh, that's what I think. I think they thought it was going to be too much to keep quiet about. So I have to think it's got to be bots. I have to think it's probably a bot ring. Uh, A collusion ring is tougher because it's hard to even collude on there without – even with the anonymous tables without it being – Detected in some way by players. I think there would have been complaints about a lot of collusion on there if there was this much of it going on. Now, I, have you heard of uh, PLO bots before, Todd? I haven't. That's the only weird thing is I haven't. Heard, I haven't heard of them. And, and and on the collusion front, I will say that some people said they have seen evidence of strange play at, at PLO, but that could have just been anecdotal, maybe. But. My first guess is a bot ring. My second guess is uh, collusion, but especially because someone got refunds who only plays heads up, that couldn't be collusion. See, so. that? yeah, that makes me think more of a bot, but PLO makes me think more of collusion because I almost think collusion might be more beneficial in PLO than No Limit. Yeah, well, it because is. All, all the possible hands you can represent and knowing certain cards that are out there. Right. Right. So, so that and that's that point was brought up too. That on the two plus two thread, that uh, that PLO collusion, that's uh, the best to be doing there. It could have been both too. It could have been collusion and bots. It could have been just like a whole cheating ring. So, uh, something happened there, and a lot of money was given back. A lot of money. There's a lot of people who reported getting refunds, and uh, I think. Whatever was going on probably wasn't happening at the higher limit Hold'em games because I got nothing and all the limit players I know got nothing except for a set of Ks, but he said he plays PLO sometimes. So 
he probably got it from that. They won't say where you got it from, which I think is – I can understand if they don't want to name the players, especially since nobody has a name on there. They say they don't want to name specific players by their real name, nor do they – I can understand if they don't want to give that many details, but at least say what game it was in. They say this happened when he played you know, 510 PLO or whatever, just to say nothing, just to say we caught someone doing something they weren't supposed to, but we won't tell you what or how or when, I think is a little bit shady. But, uh, well, I kind of wonder how much money these cheating accounts that got closed, if that's the case. I wonder how much they cashed out before they got caught, and therefore what p- kind of percentage did the players actually lose compared to what they were paid back. They could have lost way more, but Bovada wasn't going to reach in their own pocket. They were probably only going to pay back what was in the accounts they confiscated. Yeah, for sure that's all they would do. Yeah, so, so that's, that's a good point, though. That, who knows how long this has been going on. So. But that might be part of the reason why they're not giving many details on the game. Ah, I didn't think of that, but you're right. See, I'm glad I have this guy around. And that could be why they're keeping quiet, yeah. So, so people would say, wait a minute, this has been going on for two years. Uh, what about the rest of the money? Yeah. That, that could be exactly why, that they just confiscated what they could, and even though it's a lot of money on an absolute basis, it's still only a fraction of the money that was uh, won by these uh, cheaters. Hmm. You know, I was asked at uh, the Poker University yesterday, why do I play on Bovada given all the cheating scandals that happened and the anonymous tables? How could I even trust that at this point? And I said, that's a good question. And the truth is, I don't know if I can trust them, but I, I figured it's either that or just don't play. So, And you don't keep enough on there that it, w- it would ever really hurt you that, that bad, well, right? That's actually not true. <laughs> no? No, I actually had, uh, until a recent cash out, I had $65,000 on there. Okay, but I mean that doesn't seem that unreasonable for, you know, for playing high stakes. Yeah, I mean, if you lost that, it's not going to like you know totally change your life. No, it wouldn't. It's just I'd be really hurt. Right, I'd be very frustrated. It wouldn't. It wouldn't change my life, but I'd be very frustrated by it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now I don't like to keep that much on there. I just ran up. Uh, I just ran well recently and ran it up pretty quickly. So now I've been cashing it out. So I, I want to get it down to around thirty, not not through losing it, but by cashing out. And uh, so. Now I've got to get to work cashing out. I already did one cash out. I'll do one again next week, and hopefully we will get uh, my balance back to where it should be and the rest of the money in my bank account, which is the way it should be. But, yeah, I I, I am always a bit nervous. In fact, Brandon, you talking to me privately uh, chided me for keeping too much on there, didn't you? Uh-oh. No wonder he's been so quiet. Trader risky? I wonder if his uh, credit card got stolen again. I'm still here. And we got Trader Risky All at right. least. Yeah, Brandon, uh, he just makes his unscheduled absences. And, uh, yeah, he told me privately in a conversation, he says, what, you're keeping this much money on there? And this is before I won even more. I had like about 48000 at the time. He told me I was keeping uh, way too much on there. Oh, wait, wait, I, I see I see Brandon's coming back. Hold on here. Uh, he's messaging me. Hang on. Getting more text messages about credit card. We'll be back. This is okay. I'm back now. All right, Brandon. Hello. No, apparently not. I don't know where he is. He didn't really text me. Actually, maybe he did. Let me check my phone. I I shouldn't say he didn't when I'm not looking at my phone right now. 
Well, speaking of looking at my phone, uh, from the 512 area, I got this text. I'm going to Vegas for the first time to play the World Series. What helpful tips can you give a first-timer? I get that question a lot. First of all, if you're going to stay at the Rio, stay in the Ipanema Tower. Stay on a relatively low floor. Not super low, but kind of like, uh, you know, below 10. And stay close to the elevator. Trust me, these are that's a good tip. Ipanema Tower, low floor, close to the elevator. Ask for a room that does not have an adjoining door. You're not going to be able to sleep. The adjoining door, if you have a room like that, is going to be very noisy. So ask for a room without an adjoining door. Um... Beware of the fact that unless they've changed something, the Rio doesn't really have any kind of decent food options after 11 p.m. Don't register for a event that is going to have a lot of people playing the day of or you're going to have a massive line. Don't pre-register because it's going to be a massive line to convert the pre-registration into a real registration. Uh, Book early. Uh, don't use the crappy poker kitchen because it's a complete ripoff to buy food. Uh, it's $4 for a small fucking Gatorade. Yeah, I think it's $6 actually for that. Jesus. And then uh, All American Dave's, uh, their food, I guess it's decent and sort of healthy, but it's super expensive. So keep that in mind. It's either 20 or $25 a plate. Here's, here's a tip I'm going to give people that most people don't do, but I think is very useful to have. If you're going to use your phone or iPad a lot when you're at the table, uh, get one of these portable chargers. It's like 40 bucks. It's just a little thing that's about the size of your phone that uh, you plug your phone into. It's like a, an external battery, and it's it's very useful to have because your iPhone's probably not going to make it through the day, especially because your phone drains faster at the World Series because it's competing more for a signal, a usable signal, than uh, than it normally is because of all the people there. So uh, get one of those things. like 40 bucks. It's, it's very nice to have. Uh, bring a backpack. You know, I, I bring a backpack that Trader Ruski actually gave me. You know that? Trader Ruski gave me a Geico backpack at one point. Do you remember giving me that? Yeah, wow. It's still going. Huh? I, I used the Geico backpack that uh, Trader Ruski gave me. So bring a little backpack with things like water, uh, uh, any th- medication you may need. Like if you get headaches a lot, bring headache pills or whatever. Uh, little snacks if you need them. Uh Here's another tip that uh, you should know if you're coming for the first time. Dress warm. And, yes, I, I said that right. Not dress for warm weather, but actually dress warm for cold weather. Outside it's going to be blazing hot, but inside the Rio it can be very cold, especially if you sit there for hours and hours. So dress warm in layers. Bring a jacket. Wear pants So uh, because the Rio can be very cold in these tournament rooms. And uh, you're going to feel it, especially when the room empties out, when people start to bust and – or you're playing on a day where there's just you're playing an event with a few people where there's not a big event going at the same time. It can be really cold in there, and it can really build up on you after time. So uh, bring a jacket with you, even if it seems counterintuitive to coming to Vegas. It's another tip that I always give. Uh, get a good night of sleep beforehand. Don't drink the night before. Uh, stay at the Rio if possible. Much more convenient, especially during the dinner breaks. Because it's easy to just go to your room and relax, and you can go to your room to go to the bathroom instead of having to wait on the long line. And speaking of the bathroom, if you don't want to go to your room during the breaks or you can't, don't have a room to go to, uh, be aware of when the breaks are coming and be ready to pop up and run over there. In fact, leave early from there if uh, you're out of a hand. So if there's 45 seconds left and you fold uh, and you see somebody raise, you can 
and then somebody call, you can pretty much presume that hand's not going to be over in 45 seconds. Get up right then and leave and walk briskly towards where the bathrooms are and familiarize yourself where the bathrooms are. Uh, there's also some bathrooms with lesser traffic. There's ones that are outside, kind of in the back that you can go to, like porta potties that are not real porta potties, like portable room bathrooms. They're not that bad. Uh, then there's, uh, if you walk down the hall away from the convention center towards the casino, there's some bathrooms over there that are not all that heavily used, so you can use those bathrooms. So don't just go to the closest bathrooms. You'll wait in line forever at some of the more crowded events. Uh, if you are a Diamond or 7-star, you can use the Diamond registration room with much sh- shorter lines to register. Uh, let's think what else I can come up with. Uh, don't, sm- don't smoke weed in the parking lot, right? Right, right. Don't smoke weed in the parking lot. You can get banned. They, if they catch you, they can ban you from uh, from the property. And they have banned people before. So don't do that. Uh if you see anything shady going on, report it, even if it's from their own employees. There are a lot of different employees. They, they bring in thousands of employees. They're going to have some bad apples. Uh, there have been some who have done some bad things and have been reported and been fired. So don't be afraid to speak up. Think what else. Uh, if you win lammers for tournaments, let's say you play a satellite and you win some lammers uh, you know, to enter – $500 worth of tournaments there. Don't feel forced to enter a bigger tournament. You can go to the cage and find people to buy those lammers for you at face value. And is that fine to do? That's not like paying off someone with a poker chip, right, where they won't accept it if you don't tell them where you got it? Um, they've seen me do it right at the cage. Like I've bought it for people. Now, what I've, and on the reverse side, if you're doing this for someone, unless you know them well, make sure that they're up there at the cage with you while you're doing it. So, uh, because at worst, the, the cage will just say no, and it's no skin off your ass, and and you just don't want to be sold a counterfeit lammer or something. So, uh, don't just buy one from a stranger who walks off. Like uh, I, when people ask me to do it, I say, okay, fine, but you have to come up to the cage with me. Oh, to see through the registration process. Yes, otherwise, if the, okay. if the cage says I won't take it, then I I won't pay the guy, and I tell the guy I won't pay you until they actually re- receive it. That makes sense. So, uh, uh, let's see what else. Uh, I don't know. I'm coming up with these on the fly. I, I've done these before, but this guy just asked me. Well, that's my tips for right now. Oh, and one other thing. Uh, for the play in general, especially against uh, amateur players or those who appear to be amateurs, if someone represents they have a hand, they probably have it. It's much better to believe people have a hand at the World Series than don't believe them. Because... Especially for amateurs, they came all that way to Vegas. They're they're not going to shoot it all off on a bluff usually. They they usually didn't come all the way there to bluff off their chips, so they're much more cautious than typical you'll typically see. So, if what looks like an amateur goes all in on you and you just have an overpair and he doesn't, if he's not short stacked, uh, I would fold that. If it's a short stack, you've got to call him, of course, but uh, or semi short stack. But if the, someone's going in for a lot of chips, when you've got pocket queens and the board seven four two. Uh, you should probably give them tr- credit for the set if it's, if it's someone who seems like an amateur to you. And you'll be able to tell. Uh, also, talk to your opponents. Don't don't try to trick them or anything, but you talk to them. If, if you if an opponent, who, especially an amateur or semi-amateur who takes a liking to you, they'll start telling you things that are useful. They may tell you their play style. They may tell you uh, – they, they may show you their hands if uh, if they bet against you and you fold. You'll get useful information out of it without even having to try. I've had that many, many times. 
Yeah, I don't know if this guy is like saying first time playing live tournaments or just first time for WSOP. But if you're coming from an online background, I think like the biggest advice is just like be friendly at the table. Like, yeah. I think that can go a long way in tournaments like this. Like just be friendly. And, you know, people, you'd be surprised how some people might take it easy on you or share information with you. Or right. Just, you know. They do. And then I have, I've had that many, many times. And it, it becomes useful. In fact, sometimes they'll, they'll even tell you their play style. I once I was sitting there talking to a guy who goes, oh, man, you see that guy? He just raised under the gun with Jack-10 offsuit. I would never do anything like that. I, I would play Jack-10 offsuit like only in late position. Like he's, t- he's telling me how he's going to play. Or another one tells me he never bluffs. He's like uh, – yeah, that guy goes crazy. When I see these things, I just bet my cards. I, I bet when I have a hand, and if, if I don't, I'm not going to th- throw away my chips that way. Like they're, they're, And they, they're not trying to trick me. They're, they're, oh, they're, no, there's not a level. They're almost always telling the truth. That's yeah. the funny part. Yeah, so, so right. So it, it helps to be uh, friendly. There. And I don't try to trick anyone. I don't try to like pretend to tell them my style and give them false information so they tell me theirs. I don't do shady things like that. But if they want to volunteer it to me out of nowhere, then I'm not going to say, "Hey, don't tell me." That's they know what they're doing by telling me, so they can tell me. <laughs> That's uh, uh, I would suggest if you're playing with me, don't tell me this because uh, you're going to give me information I can use against you. But uh, yeah, but being friendly, like the amateur player, they're there to have a good time. So if they they take a liking to someone at the table like you, uh, they may tell you things. And uh, I, I've even I have done things before, like. If I, if a guy's been showing me his hands when I'm folding to him just to be nice, like I want to show him mine, but of course I don't want to show him when I'm bluffing him. So then I'll show him when I have a real one. So like if I if I bluffed him off with nothing, and then the next time I have uh, pocket queens on an underboard and he folds, then I'll turn over and show him the queens, and he'll feel good. So uh, yeah, that's a good piece of advice too. All right, uh, let's get to the next topic here. Uh, Brandon, you still here? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, good, good. Uh, so, on Poker Fraud Alert, I, I had a sponsor at one point, Stat Clash. If you go to StatClash.com right now, you will see that you cannot play on there anymore. It says, as of January 29, 2016, Stat Clash will no longer run fantasy sports leagues. And they said that you can withdraw. I don't know 100% certain. Certainly that they're actually processing them, but I, I'm assuming that they are. And they said uh, users may still log in to submit withdrawal requests. Stat Clash remains a reputable company in the fantasy sports business. Rest assured that all player funds are safe and available for immediate processing. So I think I believe them. And when I dealt with them, they were pretty much on the level. They, they sponsored for a short time and then uh, for whatever reason just didn't continue with it. We didn't have any issues. They just canceled. But uh, they, they did pay to advertise on here. And uh, anyway, I'm glad to see they weren't scamming anyone. But uh, we've had there's been two other sites that have gone down, to my knowledge, in fantasy sports. I just think the model just isn't viable for these smaller companies. But two of them have gone down besides Stat Clash, and one of them is a company that is screwing people. Thankfully, it's not Stat Clash. Right? I'd be embarrassed. I always take a chance when, like, I I talked to the guy from Stat Clash. Like everything seemed okay to me. So that's why I took them. And it turns out they probably were okay. But uh, I'm glad I didn't take Fantasy Hub because they weren't okay. This is from ESPN. FantasyHub.com, a smallish operator billed as Fantasy Sports for Charity, 
posted on its site on Friday that it's temporarily suspended operations and notified players during via email. It said, due to advice from counsel, we cannot divulge many details, but we've been in discussions with a strategic third party regarding the company and now are finalizing those discussions. While we can't say more at this time, we'll be in touch very soon with full information. The reason they sent that was that people have been complaining that their withdrawal requests have not been processed and that nobody's responding at support. And ESPN tried to reach Fantasy Hub. It says attempts to reach them were unsuccessful. The site claimed to have raised more than $200,000 for, for various charities through its fantasy contests. So they're the second one to close, aside from Stat Clash, which isn't mentioned in this article. FantasyUp.com also closed and also screwed people. They ceased operations and notified players their balances would not be paid. But then they were acquired by the iTeam network, which took over the, fa- the player balances and assured they would be available. So uh, FantasyUp.com was going to screw everyone until they got bought. And now Fantasy Hub has closed and they are not processing withdrawals. And what about the charities? They said they've helped Various charities for more than $200,000. Well, Kids are playing tennis? Yeah, they probably helped as much as Mason Malmuth did because David Wade Purdom tweeted, Daily Fantasy Sports site claimed to raise over two hundred k for charity. Problem, multiple charities say they've never received a donation from Fantasy Hub. So it sounds more like Jacep to me. <laughs> There's a charity element where they just keep the money and don't actually donate it. So, uh, yeah, multiple charities say that they have never received a donation from Fantasy Hub. So Fantasy Hub just claimed we're giving away to these charities and hope no one would check on it. So looks like they stole everything. And uh, oh, I'm happy to announce that Hockey Guy, who was kind enough to patronize our sponsor stat clash and he said they stopped withdrawals through paypal but still honored all accounts and mailed a check to him so hockey guy cashed out successfully from stat clash see look how good my judgment is i could have gone with that fantasy hub or fantasy up who screwed everyone no i went with stat clash even though they're the first one to close they paid people look at that so yeah these charities got nothing it was kind of like the absolute poker popcorn charity, or what's known as Popcorn Gate. That was uh, when the when the super user stuff happened. All these people started coming to me with uh, AP stories. So I I publicized the one about the popcorn where they at the '07 or '06 World Series they were uh, collecting a dollar from each person who wanted a bag of popcorn and claimed it was all going to charity. And then Scott Tom bragged to people in the office that they're not giving it to any charity and just kept it. It was only $10,000 they collected, but they kept the 10 k And then when I made that public, they quickly donated it to a very shady-looking charity in Las Vegas that didn't even state what it did. So uh, I'd watch out. I wouldn't play on these small fantasy, daily fantasy sports sites. It's uh, very risky at this point. Yeah, I, I got ripped off on not a daily one, but... Last year, I did a, a fantasy basketball for the first time ever. A friend of mine wanted to go in on halves with one, and we ended up winning the league, but the, the they went bankrupt like three-fourths of the way through the season. The guy like spent all his money trying to develop new software for his app, apparently, 
and then just went bankrupt, and like all these people like never got any money. Jeez. Brent, Brent, Brandon, I have a question for you, unrelated to this. Uh, sure. You don't have to say who it is. Did, did somebody win one hundred fifty dollars from you tonight? Yes. Okay. He, he's a. Uh, he said that uh, you said I owe you money, and that I can pay him. Well, no. Oh my God. Where, where, where is? No, no. What? It's not. It's not publicly. He's privately. Oh no! What? Jesus. No, I'm, I'm fine doing it. That's okay. Well, while I was sitting here, uh, I I played. It doesn't matter because it was three. I started. I played three sit and goes. Where I was playing some PLO with Willie McFML, and uh, I lost. Uh, I owe him one hundred fifty dollars, and then I realized afterwards that I, the only means that I can send him money are Bank of America or Wells Fargo, since my PayPal is fucked. And he, I asked him. He said he didn't have any of those banks. And then I said, "Well, you know what? Uh, I'll send a text address after the show and ask him if he can just send it to you okay. for me." That's that, fine. That, that that's fine. How it, I, that's fine. I, he, I don't understand what. what no, it's, it's true. I, I owe Brandon money. I, I'm uh, paying well, him. The that's bi- not the point. But he's like vouch. He's like contacting you to vouch that. No, 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 no. He he said that you said that uh, he. That, why is he reporting back to you? Like that's not very. No, I'm supposed to send him the money. That's why. But I told him that I made it clear that I would text you and explain the situation afterwards. I don't, I don't think he did anything wrong here. No, but okay, whatever. That's it's it's fine. Like, you, you told him I'm going to pay, so it's fine if he wants to contact. Well, me. I didn't say no. I didn't tell him you're going to pay. I said I'll shoot Druff a text okay. and I'll ask him to send it since my PayPal is fucked. Okay, so he, so he so he so he cut out the middleman. It's fine. It's fine. I, I, I really think it's fine. I don't think you did anything wrong. All right, go on with the show. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, and not only that, he's going to donate some of the money to the free roll. So that's nice. He's not even taking the whole 150. Okay, so uh, uh, the Western Union, they, they have a bit of a laughable history when it comes to Bodog, where we, we always tell the story that when you either deposit or withdraw, you can't anymore because uh, Bodog, Bovada doesn't deal with them anymore. But in the past, when you would deposit or withdraw to or from Western Union involving Bodog slash Bovada, uh, they would tell you that when you come to send or receive the money that you cannot tell the agent that you're there about online gambling. You have to just pretend it has nothing to do with that. They'd warn you that. Don't say anything about Bovada or online gambling. They'd warn you every time. About a year and a half ago, they stopped taking deposits on Western Union, which was too bad because that was my favorite deposit method because they paid your fees. So whatever fee you paid Western Union to deposit, they would credit that to your Bodog account. So it was it was a fee-free way to deposit bo- to Bodog, the only one that existed. And so that's why I would uh, I would go do that. I wouldn't even keep a big role on Bovada because I, c- I could uh, just keep redepositing through Western Union. So I didn't have to keep that 30 k on there back then. But uh, – now I do because there's those big fees to deposit these days and limits that are fairly low. So the U.S. government is probing money laundering and gambling through Western Union. They're just getting around to discovering that you know, for a decade it's been going on here. Uh, this is from uh, Bloomberg. The government is investigating, quote, concerns that the company was aware there were gaming transactions, according to the annual report to regulators Friday from the Colorado-based uh, money transfer firm. The probe is also focused on whether the company, quote, failed to take the proper steps to stop the activity. 
The filing provides more detail on the scope of probes that were previously disclosed by the company. Western Union repeated Friday that it's the target of an investigation that could face significant fines if the government brings charges. The document adds that the probe is tied to gaming, while echoing language from the third quarter document about anti-money laundering rules. Also added were references to transactions involving Haiti, Philippines, which of course is Bodog. It's always Philippines to them. Vietnam, the Dominican Republic, Peru, and the Bahamas. I wonder if there's uh, the refugee camp got money. It also includes references to Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and Panama, which were mentioned in the prior document. Western Union stock is down 4.2% since uh, this was announced. The uh, So this actually goes back to... Uh, the period that they're covering on the subpoena is from January 1st, 2007 from November 27th, 2013. That's when they're investigating it here. Uh, this was brought by the Southern District of Florida's U.S. Attorney's Office. And this also is more than just Bovada and Bodog because it involves uh, probably trying to stop the flow of drug money between Central and South America where many of these deposits seem to have landed in Florida. So it looks like that uh, this is a combination of uh, gambling, money laundering, and drugs that was being done through Western Union. And basically the government feels that Western Union just didn't give a shit, which is true. They, they really didn't up until fairly recently. And uh, Gaucho Jake on our forum mentioned, Western Union recently blacklisted a shit ton of people suspected of sending money offshore. There were a lot of users on... Uh, on SBR, which is a, a sports betting uh, forum, who reported getting blacklisted and rumors going around that they would ban you if you anything, anything smelled fishy, which is true. I heard that about people getting banned for depositing to Bodog from Western Union back in 2014. The books are all now scrambling to accept Bitcoin transactions because they can't accept Western Union anymore. I think the writing is on the wall that Western Union and MoneyGram will no longer be a viable workaround for offshore gaming. Funny enough, you can reliably deposit via credit card to almost all the major books with MasterCard, Visa, and Amex, where a few years ago it was nearly impossible, which is true. And uh, so that's uh, – and, and I guess there's uh, another story about this, Western – about uh, Costa Rica gaming companies. Uh, there's a Costa Rica newspaper called the Costa Rica Star, which is reporting that uh, they, uh, they're getting investigated over there. Now, Bad Guy 23 said something, which he, he got to learn a lot about Bodog Bovada. Like, he knew a whole lot about them. It was amazing how much he knew. But he said that when you would send money to Bodog to a certain name, like you'd, you'd be sending it to the Philippines and some, some woman's name. They'd give you a different one every time. He said these were all fake names. He said this was a code that they knew in the Philippines. That certain agents in the Philippines would look for these names and then just keep the money themselves and then ship it over to, to Bodog. I always wondered like if these poker sites and stuff had just like a, a huge pool of people who would go down to collect their – uh, deposits because otherwise if it was the same names and people coming in, they'd get suspicious. So I wondered like how many people they had working. Yeah, so that's that's what Bad Guy claims that Bodog just made up these names and that just certain crooked offices of Western Union would 
claim the person showed up to pick up the money, but then in reality they just keep the money and then send it to Bodog, which uh, you know nothing, nothing was being stolen because it was getting where it was intended to go. But they bypassed the whole part of a, an individual having to receive it, which is a, a big part of Western Union. Western Union is very particular that whoever you send it to has to go down there physically and show ID to get it and everything. So, so here these people didn't exist, and crooked offices would just bypass that and claim the person came and got it. So uh, that, that's – and I, I imagine that's probably how it was done for a lot of these things, for the drug transactions, for the uh, money laundering transactions, that as long as you have crooked agents – that uh, would do this, then they could send it to make up made up names because nobody's actually getting stolen from. There's no complaints because you're sending it. The person you're sending it to is really getting it. They're just getting it under phony names. So uh, I guess they're clamping down on this. And uh, I, I was told the entire Western Union offices in the Philippines were closed over this matter because Western Union figured it out and, and shut down certain offices. So that's when uh, that's when Bodog stopped accepting Western Union deposits. Now, strangely enough, one of the very last people to deposit to Western Union, uh, through Western Union, to Bodog was me. I deposited in September of 2014 through Western Union without any kind of trouble. And just days after that, they stopped accepting the Western Union deposits. And the shit hit the fan there. As far as I know, I'm not blacklisted, but I guess I could be. But it doesn't really matter. It looks like the days of using Western Union for that are over, so I can't imagine why I had Western Union again. I've only used Western Union once for non-gaming purposes, and that was to send money to Ken Scaler. So, Brandon, have you ever used Western Union for non-gaming purposes? Yeah. Can you tell us what it was for? Uh, I think the last time, funny enough, I used it. It's probably 2009 or 2010. I sent Nebrahim twenty dollars <laughs> to get a pizza. Really? Did you not? I swear to you. Yeah. So, so he got you too, Nebrahim. No, he really got a pizza got from a... me because I placed the order for oh, him okay, on the phone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, at least uh, I feel better. You've given money to. Other than that, too. I mean, I think there are a few times in my life I've had broke, degenerate friends that were kind of like Ken Scaler in a pinch, and they needed money, and that was the only way to get it to them. Yeah. But I'm talking; it's a handful of times, maybe. Four or five times in my entire life. Yeah, I, I, I've only done it that once. Oh, you know, I, I, I will, you know, yeah, I, I deposited back. I guess it was probably after uh, Black, not Black Friday, but after Net Teller went down. I deposited on Stars a, a bunch of times through Western Union. I don't know if you remember that we had that option for a while. No, I don't. Stars, okay. After Net Teller went down, and uh, there was like this transitional phase where like. Everyone's e-checks were kind of small because they were kind of new. And anyhow, you were able to deposit into Poker Stars for a while, and it was the shady like uh, they'd send you a name in a city of like you know like a three named Mexican lady. Or she was usually in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. So it's just you'd like go that. send like the person, the person transferred to her. Then you'd call Poker, or I'm sorry, then you send an email to Poker Stars with a control number. Oh, it's just so it's just like it's just like Bodog. Yeah, they had that for a while. I remember doing that. Okay, so uh, I, I bet they were doing the same thing with the fake names and the crooked offices over there. Yeah, but but the thing that sucked about it, it, it is there's only a certain window that poker stars either – whatever. There, there was only a certain time frame that they retrieved this info. So I remember like one instance it was like 1 or 2 in the morning and I had to wait till like 8 o'clock in the morning oh. for it to be retrieved. 
and you know, so it wasn't always instantaneous that you'd send it and it's in there right away. Um, yeah, it must have been that the crooked office they were dealing with wasn't open all the time. That's probably yeah, why. yeah. That's probably what. what but I remember actually one time going to the Orleans and depositing through Western Union there, um, and I'm just trying to think why, because I guess because I know they had e check. We had e checks with stars when it went down, but when we had Net Teller, did we still have e checks through stars? I don't remember. I think that's what it was. I think. After oh no Net we, no Teller. we definitely we definitely had e checks after Net yeah, Teller but, went down no, but, but I, I don't remember had when e checks through Net Teller though you have to remember what do they call those no 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 I I did regular e checks with stars uh, that didn't have to do with uh, Net Teller okay well either way maybe it was just because my limits were small right away because I, I that's probably why right. transfers I made were with Net Teller and then yeah when, when Net Teller went down maybe I had some gay limit um but other than that I. I Trying to think, I don't think I don't think anyone's ever sent me money via Western Union. Um, and I've had, I guess, you know, back in the day, like college or you know, when I was younger, I had. But I remember the rake was so high, like to send fifty bucks, it's like ten bucks. I mean, yeah, that, that's that's why I like them for Bodog because you got you got that money back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I never withdrew through them. He's withdraw that withdraw, withdrawing. They didn't give you the fees back, so I would only. You know I, was, I, I actually, you know, let me take that back. I remember this. Uh, this is actually really funny. When I was in college, this was like my freshman and sophomore year, maybe I was eighteen or nineteen. I this I mean this is before the internet. This was what, like nineteen nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety two. I don't even remember how I came across this information. It had to be like television or print or maybe word of mouth, but. Uh, my first okay. Well, you know, let me back up. My first ever gambling in my life. Okay, my first ever legalized gambling was the ponies. I grew up in South Florida, and there was like three tracks. That were, one was always in, always in season. Funny enough, uh, Hialeah uh, racetrack where they have now the, the poker room that's that we've talked about. That was know, maybe like thirty minutes away, and then we had Calder. Uh, which is in South Florida, and then we also had Gulfstream, which is in Broward County. So anyhow, did that. Then when I turned 18, they were really, really strict about it. I went to uh, this place called Mikasuki, which was right off Alligator Alley, and that was also in South Florida. And they had – this was before Florida exploded and had you know the legalized casinos like they had now. So back then, they had basically three forms of gambling. They had the slots – but they weren't like Vegas-style slots. They were called pull-tap slots. I don't know if you've ever even heard of these. Yeah, I've heard of them, yeah. Okay. They had pull-tap slots, which I wasn't interested at all. They had uh, bingo, but it was it was kind of strange. They had regular bingo, just kind of like how they have you know in Vegas now. But they had like this lightning-fast bingo where like you'd buy like five or ten cards and they were all done within like five minutes. And I wasn't really into that. And then they had stud. Poker, which is my first ever form of real gambling in a casino. And what was so ridiculous about it was, and I mean, you tell me how awful this is. You had the ante, 25 cents, just to get dealt in. Like, that was a rate for the house, <laughs> 25 cents. And the pot could not exceed. You're playing eight-handed or seven-handed, whatever it was. The pot could not exceed $20. Okay? So after the pot reached $20, uh, 
I don't know how they determined. I, I don't remember how, how, but that was the state law. The pot could not be in excess of 20 bucks. I guess the betting was just like one, two. So anyhow, I did that and, and you just couldn't beat it because of, of every hand you're putting in a quarter, even, you know, if you, even if you don't play, um, and again, the pot, the most you can win was $20 minus what you put in yourself. So when I was in college, I got this 800 number of this legalized sports book. I remember like it was actually legal, like legal in England. It was an 800 number. And uh, again, I don't even remember how I signed up on it for it, but somehow I did, got a membership. And what you would do is this. You go to Western Union and... Uh, you know, now that I'm thinking, it might have been William Hill. I don't remember. But it, it was a big-name book, and they were taking Americans. So anyhow, you go to Western Union, and I would deposit, you know, whatever. Like, I remember I was pretty heavy. Like, I deposit 500 here, 500 there. That's a lot for a college kid. And then you would call, and a British woman would answer the phone. And you kind of would get to know them based on the time of day you're calling because it was the same couple of girls. And you tell them a specific game that you wanted to bet on. And they would tell you the line. Like, again, this is before the internet. This is before any of that. So the only way you had of even knowing roughly what a line was was to get that get the sports page for that day. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I remember those days, yeah. I think the, guys was, the guy was named Danny Sheridan, and it used to be called Sheridan's Line. And it was like in all the papers. It was in USA Today, the Miami Herald, uh, New York Times. And But the thing about it was the line never changed. Like, it usually was just whatever the opening line was. So you never really knew how accurate it was. So you'd call and you'd talk to a woman and then uh, you'd hear like a beeping noise because they were recording this in case like there was a conflict and you said, no, I didn't, I bet the under or I bet this. So they'd confirm, they'd, you'd ask them what, the, what game it was, like, you know, Clippers and uh, Golden State, for instance. They'd tell you the total, they'd tell you the line, you tell them how much you want to bet on which side, they confirm it with you, they'd advise you that this is being recorded and then that was it. And then when you're done, you know, they'd mail me a check when, when you would cash out. And uh, I did that for a while. I mean, it didn't get shut down. It was an 800 number, too. I, mean, I just called from my home phone. This was before cell phones. Um, so I, I did that for a while, and then I just I, – I never got shut down or anything. I just I kind of grew out of it. Um, but I'll never forget, I, I – <laughs> the biggest – the first time I ever really hit anything. Back then, I used to bet a lot of parlays. Like, I don't know why. Now I just realized how bad the odds are. Yeah. But – um. I remember I hit a five-team parlay, and it, it, I remember – I don't remember how much I bet, but I remember I got my first big check from them. It was like $6,000, and uh, <laughs> it's just funny because it's so rare that this happened, and all the – you know, I was on the East Coast, so all the games were early. You know, like football started like at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, um, and the last game I needed, I remember just like it was yesterday, it was, it was Penn State versus – Rutgers, and this is when Rutgers was really, really, really bad. I mean, now they're they've been you know respectable like the last five, seven years, but I mean this is when they'd win like a game or two games every single year. Anyhow, so I don't remember what exactly the line was. I want to say it was like somewhere in the mid twenties, um, and Penn State was not covering. They needed a touchdown to cover, and there was maybe like a minute forty five seconds left, and Penn State had the ball. And I'm thinking, fuck, like unreal. I win the first fucking five in a row, got my parlay, you know, all set in this one fucking game I'm going to lose. Yeah. It was on TV. And, you know, I was, I was, 
I was a fish back then. I'd bet games that were on TV so I could watch it. I mean, there wasn't an internet. There wasn't, you know, so I look for games I know I could at least watch. It wasn't like the best value. This is games I know I could root for. So I don't ever know. How do we even hawk games back then? Like there wasn't, you know, there wasn't the internet. There wasn't your phone, of course, to look up scores. Um, so anyhow, so I'm just sitting there and I'm despondent. Like I'm a college kid and I'm thinking, wow, I have this big windfall and it's right in my reach. And they have the ball minute 45 seconds left like it i don't know their own midfield they run the ball stop they run the ball stop then on third down (laughs) and this is why and this is how sick a gambler's mind works when all this shit was going on with joe paterno i kind of in my mind gave him a pass because he fucking hooked me up in this one this only situation (laughs) i ever had any kind of money on him but it's third down the game's already decided and for some reason this motherfucker calls a pass okay and the guy throws a bomb. Don't even know the quarterback's name. Like I said, I just remember the two teams. And he throws a bomb when they're already up in like 18, 19 points. And the guy catches it for Penn State, and he scores with like 20 seconds left, and they end up covering. The clock runs out, and then they get to midfield, the two coaches. And I remember this was it was either ABC or CBS. And the coach for Rutgers starts uh, cursing at Joe Paterno. says something like, you know, that's a crock of shit. I didn't think you played so cheap. You know, obviously just because he's passing the ball, you know, when you're up, you know, such a large amount. Yeah, yeah. Decided. So, and then I just sat there stunned because I was smart enough, even though, you know, I was, I think at the oldest I was 19. It probably was 18. I knew that even then, like, what you're supposed to do. You just need the ball. You run the ball. You know, you're not passing, you know, with, with the three-possession lead. And uh, so, anyhow, that was my first ever rush or maybe run good and gambling or whatever you want to call it that, like, I should have lost and I did and I got really, really lucky. Um, I guess that could be a good segue into uh, talking about the Golden State. Yeah, the Golden State, I was thinking that, that, that the good, is a good segue. It reminded me of it. So, Brandon and I had bets, not very large bets, especially for Brandon, who bets bigger than I do usually, but we both had uh, the same bet on this Golden State game, which was Golden State minus four. And uh, and they were facing, uh, is it, uh, I forget, it was it Portland? It was the Clippers. It was the Clippers, sorry, it was the Clippers, right. For some reason I thought Portland, I don't know why. It's the Clippers. So they were facing the Clippers, and we both had minus four. Now, can you imagine that your well, you team... You also had, you had the over. I two, had the over too, right. right? I, I, the, I didn't bet the over, I just... Right, so I had the over, which looked like it was screwed. And so much that I, I didn't even bother thinking it had a chance. And I had the minus four on Golden State, which looked great. And it wasn't a parlay. It was not a parlay, right. Two straight sets. Right, two straight bets. So I was pretty sure I'm splitting it. The over looks like it's not going to hit. It had to get 227 points, and it was nowhere close. I think it was uh, 12 points off with uh, – that's what it was. It was 12 points off with uh, with 28 seconds left. And what was also 12 points off was – sorry, it was nine points off with 28 seconds left. So it was uh, – it looked like it had very little chance, especially in a, in a blowout game like that, or close to a blowout. It wasn't a blowout, but a big lead, you're not going to have nine points scored in 28 seconds. You only get that when there's a lot of fouling and stuff. So the, the, the important detail here is that Golden State was up by 12 with 28 seconds left. They were up 115 to 103. 28 seconds. Did you actually remember that, or did you write it down? No, I remember It's amazing that you know the score. No, I remember that remember. part. Well, no, because it was so unusual what happened. It was 115-103. Well, all right. And so I, so I need uh, nine points to win the over, which I know is not going to happen in 28 seconds in a game like this. 
And but at the same time, my minus four on Golden State safe. Like how how could Golden State possibly blow a twelve point lead and, and lose and win by less than five at that point? It's just not going to happen, especially by less than four. I mean, it's twenty eight seconds left, and uh, the Clippers have just missed the second free throw, so the the ball should be going back to to Golden State too. So would you believe Golden State gets the ball back? They say they have the ball, 28 seconds left, 12-point lead. The ball gets stolen from them. Three-pointer made for the Clippers, lead down to nine. Golden State has the ball again. This is all 28 seconds. Again, they lose the ball. Clippers get it. It was a steal. Another steal. Clippers get it. Another three-pointer. Lead down to six. Golden State gets it back. Of course. Golden State turns it over again. No, actually, well, yeah, what happens, I remember it very clearly from this point, what happens is on the inbound pass, they start, you know, trapping, and they – it was a, I mean, it was a decent pass, but just guy got – stuck his hand out, tipped it, and – Right, Clippers get it again. It's not like it's not like Golden State was being stupid, just shooting, you know, or you know, they weren't getting fouled. Like they just literally kept turning it over. Yeah, they kept turning it over. So now a third turnover happens, and Golden State called a timeout when they were down six, and then they on the inbound it got stolen. Right. So then, so then the Clippers made another three pointer. Now it is down to three, and now my over his hit miraculously, one fifteen, one twelve is the score. So I can't lose the over at this point, obviously. But you're not covering. But I'm not covering. Now Now I've got the opposite. But now my bets swapped away. Now I had the same so, amount on both so sides. normally in that scenario, you'd feel somewhat comfortable because you would think, you know, at three points with Golden State having the ball, they're going to get the ball in the hands of Curry. If they can just inbound it, that's that's your you know biggest fear. And then they're going to foul them. And then they're going to shoot three throws. And at worst case, you know, they hit one out of two. You know, and, and you're just pushing. Best case scenario, they make them both. And, now, now you know, of course, Curry, you, yeah, right. With so you, Curry or Clay Thompson on the line, you're, you're not going to miss both free throws. Right. So that's that's what I thought here. I, that Golden State having the ball. That right. The, there's six seconds left at this point. And then so you like, just have to sweat a shot on the other right. end. And if they miss that, then it's over because they're not fouling. Right. Anymore. Right. So that's what I thought. That's what I thought is that after they, even though it's it's three points of this, and we need four to tie five to win, that. Obviously, Golden State, once they get the ball... And that's very commonplace in, in, I mean, anyone that knows... I mean, I know I'm talking like everyone's an idiot. I'm not. I know they're not. But, you know, in the NBA, more than anything, that's commonplace that these lines either cover or don't cover towards the end when it's in garbage time with the fouls. Yeah, so so we thought that... Uh, we both thought, obviously, what anyone who's been on the NBA would think here is that what's going to happen is Golden State, with six seconds left, is obviously not going to shoot at all. They've got the three-point lead. They're going to get intentionally fouled. They have great foul shooters there. It's going to be Curry or Thompson, and they're going to probably make them both, at least make one. So we're either going to tie or win the bet unless a last-second shot by uh, the Clippers makes it and screws us. But that's not what happened. Would you believe Golden State— And then hold on, though. But then even then, it's still hard to lose that way because— if it gets down to two or three, and they're going to still keep fouling, as long right? As there's time on that clock, right? As so long as there's time on that really clock, they're going to foul them. Lucky, yes. So I thought, how can, how can I lose this one? Because there's there's always going to be fouls done, and they're such good free throw shooters. I can't see how we're going to lose this. 
I can't say hey, we're not going to get at least one point back here. Probably two. Well, there is one way we could lose it. That is, they turned the ball over again. On the inbounds pass. Yes. And the Clippers got off a clean shot, but finally missed. And the but game... in, in all fairness, it was very far. It, was, it wasn't quite half court, but it wasn't, you know what I mean? And it wasn't even a sweat of a shot. It didn't even hit the backboard or ran the final Yeah, ball. I guess that's true. But that was, anyway, they got off a shot. They didn't, they, didn't, uh, they didn't make it. And the final score, 115-112. So I won the over, but we both lost. And that was amazing. Can you imagine 28 seconds left? Golden State has the ball with a 12-point lead and needs to cover by four. How do you not win that? How is that possible? I think about it. How is that possible? 28 only, seconds I, left. Know, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I had $550 on the game. It wasn't a lot. Of I know, but isn't that crazy? But if I had a lot on there and to lose like that, I mean, that had that would have been one of the worst ways. I mean, because, you know, like you just said, you're up 12. With, with the ball. 20, with the ball with 20 and change. You're basically, that's as close as you can get to just kind of counting the money already. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, all right, just run this clock off and... And most teams, for the most part, just give up. Right. I mean, they're not even trying. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they're not even going to try to foul or anything yet at that point. And yeah, not, it's done. not only that, but I've, I'm sure everybody's been in the situation of sports bet before, where your game looks pretty bad, and you start trying to go through like wishful thinking of like in the ideal circumstance, could you win? And you start, you come up with circumstances in your head, like could this happen, then that happen, then this happen, then this happen, and could I still win? Like everybody goes through those thoughts when they're down and the game looks like in very bad shape. I couldn't even picture, if I were on the other side of this, I could not even picture like a scenario where I could win that. I, I would actually, get, on the other end, I would give up and say, I cannot think of one possible way this could win. Like, just How could it win? Your team, The team has the ball with a 12-point lead. How could it possibly get down to less than four? You know, it's funny, they did it again tonight in the sense that they were trailing almost the entire game. I don't know if you saw against my Miami Heat. They ended up winning by six. Who was? Uh, the Golden State. The Golden State. That yeah, they, was a close game. Yeah, they haven't, yeah. They haven't looked that great recently. Well, you know what? I, I, I mean, Curry, what did he shoot tonight? 40-something, I think. 42. Thompson had 33. Um, I, you know, I don't know. They if, almost they almost lost to Atlanta the other night, too. Yeah, I don't know if it's that they're not playing as great or is it just how every team is just – giving them their all, you know, just like the oh, Golden State's coming. I, mean, I think that's part of it. And it's, you know, it's a long regular season, 82 games. I mean, it's hard to get up each and every game, you know, like you're playing in Milwaukee, you're playing in Portland. Um, the game against Atlanta, and you know what? This is something I thought about, and you, you guys can tell me what you think. I actually saw part of that game. I was I was having dinner with my dad and where we were eating. The game was actually being televised. And I look up, this was uh, the early third quarter. They were up 20 points. Yeah. Uh, Golden State was. And then, you know, I start eating. We're talking. I look back over maybe five, seven minutes later, and the game was tied. And I'm thinking, is like a 10-point lead in today's NBA, is a 10-point lead, or I, I'm sorry, is a 20-point lead the old 10-point lead? It pretty much is. Meaning like- that. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, it used to be like a team's up by 20. Like, it's very rare to come. I mean, it's going to happen, but it's very rare. But it seems these days, like, the, 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 because they're shooting so fast and the pace is so fast, 
a 20-point lead isn't what it used to be. I mean, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yes, and not only that, but Golden State has influenced all the other teams now, so scoring is way up in the NBA. If you look down at the over-under lines, you're going to see so many of them now over 210. Where before, well, that game was what, like 226 and a yes, half or well, something? But that's just that's golden. It involves yeah. Golden State, but the teams, even games that don't involve Golden State now, there's so many lines over 210 and 220 in the over-under that you would rarely see before it's just and if you look at the scores of all the games now there's a the, the, most of them are pretty high so well, and jay stat saying in the chat that the sports books have caught up with the warriors is better to bet against them but i i don't i just think it's better just not to even bet in terms of like the spread because it, it the game the game against atlanta they ended up covering okay. yeah they did i was amazing they did yeah, yeah. This game tonight, I, mean, I don't know what the line was. I'm going to assume they didn't cover, even though it was an away game. I'm sure it was higher than six against the mediocre. It was, yeah, it was eight and a half. They didn't cover. Okay. Yeah. So I would just say I wouldn't even – I wouldn't – you know, and t- to me, I know you're better than it than I am. Uh, you know, I, I've watched your, some of the bets you've made, and, you, of course, you've taken some bad beats. I think the NBA is very, very hard to handicap. It is, and I think especially in the second half of the season, it gets even harder. And, and uh, you know, uh, another team, that, you know, they did pretty well tonight. They won by 16, but uh, the Spurs have been looking uh, kind of worn recently, too. They haven't been as uh, dominant as they were before either. So, yeah. uh, I, I think, I, but I don't know if Golden State's going to be able to set the record because they, they, they've they been winning most of these games, but, boy, they've had some close calls. And, they, and then they That's got blown out by... how the NBA is, though. It's not like... It's not commonplace to win by 20, and, you know, the, the games that they were having where they were up every, it seemed like every game in the first quarter they were opening the game wide up. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not supposed to be that much parity but, in the NBA. I, I know, but what I'm saying here is that, that that the Golden State has had a few, they they got blown out by Portland, and then they've had several games since then where they, uh, they were either, you know, it was either a very close game where they were in danger of losing for a lot of the game or part of the game where they blew big leads. There's, they're just not looking quite the same as they were before. And they've, they've got out of it with only one loss. They've only lost one recently, and that was to Portland. But they, they've not played as well as their record has shown recently, in my opinion. What do you think of Kobe Bryant's – two things I want to talk about the Lakers. So Kobe Bryant right now, I'm looking this up online, uh, he's played in 48 of the Lakers. Uh, they played 59 games. Okay, so he's played in 48 of them. Uh, he's averaging just a tad under 30 minutes a game. He's shooting 35% from the field, 27.3% from three-point land. But still he's averaging, and he's taking a lot of shots, and his percentage sucks, but he's averaging 17.1 points a game. Um, what, I mean, do you, do you think, do you think that considering all he's been through, did you expect more, did you expect less, in terms of just his production this season? Uh, he, is this he, kind of what you thought it would be? Yes, he sucks, and I expected him to suck. That's, that's just, in, in everything that I'm reading, this is kind of interesting. Uh, Byron Scott, he's the head coach. This is his second year. Uh, he replaced uh, Mike. Was it Mike D'Antoni? Who yeah, yeah, was fired, or I think he quit. I, I'm not sure. It, it wasn't a very harmonious uh, ex- exit. Everything I've read is indicating after Kobe re- re- retires this year that they're going to fire Byron Scott. And they're just going to start fresh. Yeah, I, I you think that's fair. I mean, he never really had a chance. No, he he didn't have a chance. But I think he was like a place a placeholder coach. I don't think they really expected. Why, him. The thing I was wondering was why would they take? Uh, I mean, you could, I mean, he was for all intents and purposes, you know, a very big nucleus out of those '80s 
Showtime Lakers teams, and he's a very big, you know, very respected member of the Laker family. And I guess would you say he's probably one of the top ten Lakers of all time? I mean, I'm not not in the top, you know, like five, but I I probably just guess without even looking at different players. Maybe seven, eight, nine. You know, you'd have to have him in that top ten, wouldn't you? No, not not as ten, his player. Ten to fifteen. I yeah. Think. Really? Yeah. You think that there's eight or nine Lakers? Yeah. That- and there's been some. You can go Gail Goodrich. I mean, Will Chamberlain. I mean, there's so Kareem Magic. Yeah, there's so many good ones. Those guys. No, there's so many of them. Anyway, to answer your question, Byron, he's not a huge superstar, and he's someone that uh, he's like a placeholder coach. They didn't tell him that, but they they knew he was going to lose. Like they knew that the team was going to suck with him with him there, and uh, they. So I think he really was like a, like a placeholder, and you know, if they were really wowed by him, they would have kept him. But uh, yeah, I think they probably just do want to start fresh when they uh, when when Kobe's gone. I mean, average... didn't they pull him in draft from some? Was I thought he would, did well the place he was coaching before that, didn't he? No, the only place he ever did well was uh, that stacked New Jersey Nets team that, ironically enough, would have won a couple championships if it wasn't for the fact they had to play the Lakers in the finals twice. Yeah, um, and that was like you know Shaq and Kobe both at their prime. Um, that was his first head coaching gig, and he did really good there. And then after that, it's just been a bunch of fail. Uh, he went to a New Orleans Hornets team that had uh, Baron Davis for a while, and they were kind of good, but not really. And then after that, he coached uh, the, the Cleveland Cavs uh, up until LeBron came back. He coached them for four seasons, and they were awful. Um, so other than that, I mean, just you know, looking at his career numbers, I mean, they weren't bad. One year he averaged 21.7 points. He ended up averaging 14 points a game for his career. Um, you know, not definitely not a Hall of Famer, but I wouldn't call him a mutt. I said he had, no. I'd say he had a pretty, you know, pretty, no, he, he had an above average NBA career. Yeah, he did, but, but he's not, uh, but they, they don't mind just putting him as a placeholder coach. It's not like they're getting some iconic star of the Lakers and putting him in the spot. This is just Byron Scott. He played 11 years for the Lakers. I mean, yeah, but, still, but he's not an iconic player for them. Like, uh, you know, they wouldn't do this to uh, Magic Johnson or something. Even if Magic Johnson wasn't in the position he is now. Like, uh, they, they wouldn't do that to that type of player uh, where, where I think with him they they were much more willing to just let him be a placeholder and not even tell him that he's being a placeholder. But that's what I always thought he was. I always thought it would be something like this. That uh, Well, it has a lot with Buss being gone, too. You know, if he was around, I don't know that he'd do this. Yeah, that's true, too. That uh, Jim Buss uh, sucks. Awesome. <laughs> so, so just throwing some names out there, what do they do? Do they go for a young guy now? Do they go for an assistant? Do they get a big name? Because next year, I mean – if it's going to be a fail team, then then don't bother going for a big game. Well, of course, it's going to be a fail. Well, team. then they shouldn't I mean, you, they shouldn't bother them. I mean, I, the number one, you, everyone obviously knows who the the number one free agent is going to be next year, and they have no shot. It's Kevin Durant, they have no shot of signing him. I mean, what what's it, you know the incentive used to be come to L.A. and you know the storied franchise and the Sun and you know, but it, it's not like that anymore. You know, you can't just get players there just because of the name. No, they'd have to bring in two big stars to the team to really make it uh, competitive. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to be a fail. The, the current... I, uh, I kind of see them being mediocre to bad at best for quite some time. That's what it looks like. I've said that for a while, that it doesn't look like an easy fix of this team. Well, when you know, Westbrook... Uh, what is, does Westbrook he has one more, year, one, he has one more year. one more year after this. Yeah, so they yeah, they, both yeah there's, there's, the, yeah, there's talk about getting Westbrook. They are Westbrook. coming to the Lakers, yeah. Brandon. Stop being bitter. Who's coming? I'm sorry? <laughs> 
the Lakers, everybody still wants to come to the Lakers. I mean, well, look, just think about it logically. For the last five years, every summer, they've tried to get a big-name guy. They tried – they recruited Carmelo. They recruited uh, LeBron. I mean, although they had no shot with him. They haven't – you know, it's not that they're just being cheap and they don't want to write a check. They've tried to get a big-name player. Remember all that talk that, you know, no one will come to L.A. because they don't want to play beside Kobe? And I know, but I, those were still all fillers. And until Kobe's gone, then they're going to be able to bring in fresh blood. Yeah, so it, who's, okay. So after this season, give me an example about of somebody you think realistically they'll be able to sign that that can be a difference maker and be a nucleus of a rebuilding team going forward. Well, if they could get KD, you know, they could potentially get KD and Web. Westbrook. They're not going to get. They're not going to get. And Westbrook went to UCLA. You know, well, Westbrook, I've heard there's some interest in coming here. So if if Durant could come, if he really believes that uh, Westbrook is going to follow. Well, I, I don't think Durant's going to leave Oklahoma City. He but may if not. He did if he did? And again, you know, it's that that Larry Bird rule where that team can always pay him more, so that's always going to be an incentive. Um, but if he did, everything I've read indicates that he would possibly sign with Washington. Because that's his, that's where he was born in that area, D.C. But either way, so if they don't get West or if they don't get Durant, where do they go from there? They try Westbrook the following year. Yeah, I think so. They'll probably have to wait another year. Yeah, I think I still think it'll be a fail team for a while. But they, the first step is Kobe has to go, and then they have to go from there and try to convince. Uh, I think two stars at once. It's one of these things where you don't want just one star to come into a fail team and have it be. A little less of a fail team. You need two stars to really shake things up there. And now, on the opposite end of that, you have a team like the Clippers. That's you know they've been good for a while, but never great. And everything I've heard, you know, I think even Doc Rivers made a comment about this. If they don't make a deep, deep run, and I'm not just talking about winning, you know, the first round this year. That they're already talking about blowing up that team, especially since yeah. you see what this idiot Blake Griffin did. He broke his hand punching, yes, punching a friend of his, actually. The Clippers, and now he's out even longer. And and uh, I don't, you know what? I I don't think that team's going anywhere either. No, I, it's I, not. It's never going to get past where it is. Yeah, I they're agree. the Clippers. <laughs> they right. seem to forget about that. They yeah, like Clippers. when they blew it against Houston. They, 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 they before they're going to be nasty. Yeah, they just always seem to screw it up. It's always seem to screw it up. All right, so uh, let's talk about for the, the let's politics. Talk, well, no, before that, I want to talk about the $100 bill. There's a, a stupid movement to get rid of the $100 bill, basically so the government can keep better track of uh, getting uh, – keep track of people's spending so they can uh, stop drug transactions and things like that. They think if they take, take away a big bill, which 100 isn't, and I'll get to in a second, that this will stop people from using cash for illegal purposes. There's a, an article on uh, miami.cbslocal.com entitled Eliminating $100 Bill Could Reduce Crime. So first of all, what's shocking is would you believe the $100 bill is now the most common bill in the U.S.? There are more hundreds than any other kind of bill? I don't find that shocking. Yeah, I could see that because you know there's nothing bigger, so – yeah, so the big amounts. Right. So so it's uh here's some things to know. First of all, 
before, like many years ago, in the 60s and 70s, there are actually bills bigger than a $100 bill. There's a $500 bill, there's a 1000 there's even a $10,000 bill at one point. Uh, these things were done away with because of, uh, because of, such, uh, of concern about crime and that they wanted to make it harder to transport large sums of money in cash because – They don't you... want people in that uh, Bahamian labor camp. <laughs> yeah, so – you walk in the Bahamas with a $10,000 bill, you're going to the camp and you're eating uh, the potatoes with the anchovies. <laughs> Am I right? Oh, the anchovies. Only if you had a $10,000 bill plus some extra. Plus, very good. <laughs> so so anyway, there's discussion about eliminating the $100 bill to, to make it difficult to make cash transactions of, of illegal nature. It's never going to happen. And so the $100 bill is worth less than the $20 bill was worth in 1975. Which is crazy if you think about it. So could you imagine in 1975 them getting rid of the $20 bill saying it's too high? No one would have gone for that. There's no chance. Imagine in 1975, nope, no 20s. That's, uh, it's too high. Too valuable. So that's, that's what they're proposing now. In fact, it's worse because $20 in 1975 is worth more than $100 today. It's, it's over a factor of five at this point. So – that's number one why it's so ridiculous. Is 100 is really the new 20. It's not, not like a joke like it's the new 20 or not exaggerate. It really is like the new 20. So that's why there's so many of them. That's why there are more $100 bills than any other bill in circulation right now. It's, it's become very commonplace. I, I still sometimes engage in old school thinking where I'll go to a store or something and I'll pull out 100 and I'll go, do you take 100? And always these days the answer is yes, whereas – like twenty years I ago, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like twenty so years ago, I just yeah. Yeah, twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, like most places weren't taking them, except in Vegas, it was they were taking them much more commonly. But that was the only place they regularly took hundred dollar bills. Everywhere else, like no, 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 no I don't want a hundred. But now everybody takes a hundred because it's so common. Because there's why don't they worry about eliminating the penny? Yeah, they should. Oh, I agree. They should add a five hundred dollar bill and get rid of pennies. Yeah, so so the weird thing is that uh, why aren't they going the opposite way and adding the five hundred dollar bill? Because if you're going to argue that's too much, then why did they have a hundred back in the seventies? We'll so, never see a five hundred dollar bill in our life. I know it's too bad. There should be though, because I the agree. the hundred's gotten to be worth so little because of inflation that you you really have to have the currency keep up with inflation. If they don't want to bring back the the huge bills back in the 60s and 70s that existed then because it's too easy for uh, drug dealers to move money around fine but to to kill a hundred dollar bill which is worth less than what the old twenty was just forty years ago is a joke caller you're on the air hey is this the fraud show it is the fraud show who's this this is a uh, Danzo hey I was just getting off work noticing you guys are still on the air uh, hey Danzo it's Drexel say, how are you hey Drexel I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm glad that you, I've never – you've never called into this fraud show, have you? Yeah, I've called in a few times. Okay. Well, it's good to hear your voice. Well, I, What's going well, on thanks, tonight? Buddy. Nothing. Just got off work. Looking forward to the podcast tomorrow. Glad to see you guys are still on the air. Yeah, and we're here. We're always here at this time these uh, days. Well, thanks for doing the show, guys. That's all I wanted to say. Oh, no problem. Awesome. Thank you for calling in. All right, goodbye. Bye. So Dan, I know he's a big fan of the show. He's told me before he listens to them all, and he, he never misses one. So he's one of these guys who really really likes the show. Uh, so, But back to the situation with 100, where it really hurt is the world of gambling. Can you imagine going to casinos and not being able to bring $100 bills 
And there's some talk, okay, maybe they just won't make them – they won't outlaw them. They're just going to stop printing them. Eventually, the government will collect them all slowly over time. Much like those old huge bills, the $10,000 bill, the $1,000 bill, the $500, those are still legal tender. You can still spend them. But they just don't make them anymore, and they're uh, and every time the government gets one, like they instruct the banks, if you get them, turn them in, and and take them out of circulation. So they're saying that with a hundred, the, the plan, what's being suggested is just don't print new ones, and then just have them eventually taken out of circulation slowly. But I, I think that's ridiculous, and I think all you're doing is enabling the government to track you more, to track every little thing you do. Every dollar you spend, the government's going to be able to track. And I, I don't like it. I don't like it. It, it shouldn't be it, – it, it's such an inconvenience too. Forget just the government. It's such an inconvenience. Imagine going to a casino and you can't bring a $100 bill there. All 20s. Your, your pockets will be bulging with 20s. Yeah. Especially in the future when, when $20 becomes less and less. So – Another problem here is the, and this hasn't happened yet, but there. Have you heard of the, of negative inflation, which is uh, or, or ne- negative interest rates, not negative inflation, negative interest rates, which have been. Uh, th- these are actually existing in other countries already. But this is where, if, if negative interest rates occur, this is where if you uh, store your money in a bank, they actually they charge you. Charge you, yes. It hasn't happened in the U.S. yet, but the, some other countries have tried it already. And it, it's being done in the reverse where, uh, where people can take loans uh, uh, extremely cheaply or, or sometimes even be paid to take loans if they qualify for it, where it's negative interest rates on loans too, where the whole thing's like reversed, where instead of getting money to keep money in banks and then paying interest on taking loans from them, it's the reverse. And it's being done to spur banks giving more loans and, and to prop up the economy, but the the – Downside to it, big time, is if you uh, if you keep money in a bank, it's going to cost you. So people are saying this: is, if this ever happens in the U.S., this would also be a big problem. If people want to take all their money out of the bank to avoid the negative interest, then what are you going to do? Is store it all in twenties? So there, there's so many different reasons. And what if you want to keep cash around the house? Now you've got to keep five times as many bills. You got to buy a bigger safe. Yeah, it's a joke. Or convert to Jew gold. Yeah. So. Hey, Druff, who is male? Yes. Or- no, on uh, crazy, no, Mike. That's Mike. crazy Mike. Crazy Mike. Crazy Mike. Yep. Okay, that is crazy I Mike. It was. He used to listen to this show very regularly, and he he took a weird position about it that he didn't want anyone knowing he listened to the show, but he said he listened to every episode for a while at least. But he didn't want me mentioning. In fact, he he wanted me to give him a shout out once, but to shout him out like in some sort of anonymous way without saying who he was. Wow, we have closet fans to the radio show. Yeah, it was sad. really weird. I wonder if he ever paid his debts. Remember, he came out. He's he got all that five thousand in front of him right now, playing thirty sixty heads up against G Poker G. Yeah, I hope I hope he paid these people he owed, like Death Donkey and other ones like that. I hope he paid them. Uh, but supposedly he owed a lot of money, so who knows? So yeah, I, I really hope that they don't do this. It's it's only being proposed at this time. It's not something that uh, is necessarily going to happen. But if it did, if it did, it would really be crappy. And I, I know it'd be. I would hate having to bring the money that I do to casinos in forms of twenty. Even the ones I store in boxes, I'd hate taking out all the twenties from the box and paying with that and depositing that into machines and even 
buying to tournaments with it. What a pain in the ass that would be. Oh, it's a horrible, it's a horrible idea, but it doesn't surprise me. The government probably wants to do away with cash as soon as possible. Yeah, and they're they're killing the five hundred euro note in in, uh, in Europe, but that's different. That's worth six times what the hundred dollar bill is worth. So that's a different story. But to kill a hundred, boy, is that dumb. All right, so let's talk about politics. Trump, uh, he had a big caucus in Nevada. Uh, really won big. He won by uh, over 20 points over uh, Cruz and uh, Rubio. I think Rubio slightly finished ahead of Cruz, but they were in a virtual tie. And uh, some are feeling that was, a, even though Nevada's a small state, some are feeling that was a pretty significant moment. Uh, along with uh, Trump's victory in South Carolina, which that one was a uh, that was a little questionable. That wasn't a that I wa- I had a bet on that that he'd win by at least eight, and I won it. Uh, he went he won by ten, so that wasn't that close. It was a pretty decisive win for me. But honestly, when I bet it, I thought he was going to win by like fourteen, and he slipped because of the debate where he blamed Bush for nine eleven's problems. You know, so he for the nine eleven situation, he blamed Bush for that. And Republicans didn't like that. So he was dwindling down. And I think if the South Carolina election came a little bit later than it did, I might have actually lost that bet. When I made the bet, it was before he said that. But uh, he did rebound in Nevada. I didn't think that 10-point win for him in South Carolina was something impressive. I don't think that should be something he was proud of. But uh, uh, his big win in Nevada was symbolic that he, he isn't, slipping anymore and the truth is nobody's gaining traction against him there's there's nobody who whose momentum is positive at the moment that uh the the only two others who could possibly catch him ruse uh cruz and rubio are stagnating someone even tweeted to rubio recently is there one state you can even win which is kind of a good question. Like, I hadn't thought of it that way, but when is Rubio going to finally win a state? You can't You can't become the Republican nominee if you can't win a single state. So, uh, so, so, so... Well, you know, this is the thing. I think when all is said and done, the one person they're going to have, ironically, to blame that uh, an establishment or... You know, conservative Republican wasn't nominated was Bush because in that New Hampshire uh, debate, even though it was Christie that took out Rubio, everything I read was basically that Bush and Christie got together secretly and agreed. You know, Christie's obviously the much better debater than Bush is. And yeah, that was planned between both their campaigns. No, I hadn't heard that. I mean, I I, I believe it, but I and, hadn't heard that. And mm. the fact that Bush took so, you know, I I. Don't remember the amount of money, but you know Bush spent a lot of money, obviously on on ads and he spent he had a hundred billion. Yeah, and seventy something percent of his negative ads or ads attacking other candidates were directed at Rubio, and a lot of thinking from what I've read, it, it, and even now, even though it's only been since Saturday, Bush still has not come out. He didn't come out before Nevada and endorse Rubio. Um, yeah, because Bush and, has dropped out. We didn't mention that, but he's dropped out. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, that was inevitable. I mean, I I actually thought he would make it one more week until Super Tuesday and then drop out. Um, 
and I think it's very delusional at best that he even stayed in as long as he did. But because he did, and the party wasn't able to, to basically unify behind one candidate, I think at this point, it, it's and the pundits tend to agree with me. I think it's too late. I don't think that they're going to be able to get everyone to unify behind Rubio at this point. Like you said, he hasn't even won. His, his greatest crowning achievement is finishing second. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I guess second twice. Um, you know, I haven't looked at the polls for, you know, the, the Texas. I mean, I, I guess I'd imagine Cruz would, would do Cruz is, yeah, Cruz is win, he's, he's winning at the moment in the polls, but not an insurmountable lead. He's up by six over uh, Cruz, uh, over Trump at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's too late. I think, you know, I mean, hell, they, they, now this is a thing that I thought that was pretty, pretty hilarious. You know, there's two things I think actually that are funny. The the first thing is that even with everyone endorsing Rubio, and they made this comment that I don't remember the exact term they used, but it was basically that people in South Carolina, Republican voters in general, follow in line, and what that means is when this. Uh, we're losing Brandon again. We're doing so well, Brandon. Now you're, you're, you there? I'm here. We lost you for a second somehow. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This very popular Republican governor, uh, Nikki Haley, is it Nikki Haley? Yeah. yeah. Uh, endorsed Rubio. And that was supposed to make a big difference because, like I said, supposedly you know, the pundits said that people in South Carolina tend to follow in line, meaning that when, when their governor – or somebody follow along those lines, and it didn't really make much of a difference, um, you know. And, and and to me, that's kind of—I wouldn't say shocking, but uh, you know, I, I I think basically it's done. And then another thing that yesterday I, I read this, and I meant you know I, I was going to write this down because I was afraid I was going to forget, but this really just—I don't know—it it left me kind of dumbfounded. You know how. When you read, uh, whether it's like USA Today or, I don't know, just any of these magazines or, or newspapers, the articles kind of are like the same, like where you'll see like a paragraph or two that are basically the same. I don't know how it's done that like everyone, maybe it's like the AP shoots something out and then other people just start copying it. Yeah, you know, it might, you know be, might be something like that, yeah. Yeah, but yesterday what I read, and I read this in about four or five different uh, newspapers online, and I just couldn't believe nobody corrected it was they kept referring to Las Vegas. They referred to the Vegas skyline and the hotel and casino in Las Vegas bearing Donald Trump's name. Anybody that lives out here, even if you don't, should know, Donald Trump does own uh, what's called like a mixed residence, the Trump Tower. It, it has some private homeowners you know, that, that live there, and they also rent you know, out by the night. The Palms actually kind of has the same or similar thing at one of their towers, where people actually own it, and then part of the property are also like basically hotels. But all these news articles kept referring to this casino that Trump owned in <laughs> Vegas, and he doesn't own one. Yeah, he doesn't own And I'm casino. reading it, and I'm, I read this in like USA Today. I read this, uh, like I don't know, New York Times, whatever the you know whatever was coming up, just under my Google searches, and I just couldn't believe how factually incorrect that would be that no one would even. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just. A, I know, I've read it so many times, it just kept infuriating me because the guy does not have a casino here. In fact, uh, you know, maybe it was 10 years, 15 years ago, there was talk 
of him partner partnering with Sheldon Adelson and getting involved in the Vegas casino business. But because his reputation was so poor, uh, you know, because of what happened in Atlantic City, and you know, what? I got to be honest, I don't even know the conditions. You know, if, if he mismanaged them himself, or if it was more just he had a hands off, uh, you know, he had hands off dealings, and they just kind of used his namesake, which is the way it is now. I mean, the one casino he has left there, the Taj Mahal. Uh, in fact, we might have even talked about this about a year ago, maybe a little longer. He sued to have his name taken off. Yeah, I remember that place was such in shambles. Yeah, it's he considered, a dump. It, he considered it an embarrassment to his name, and he was getting some pittance, maybe like two or three percent of profits that that didn't even exist. Um, but, but but anyhow, it just kind of blew my mind that I read that so many times yesterday. And nobody did any fact checking or. Just anything to you know state that he had a casino here in Vegas, um, but anyhow. So my opinion is this: I think that it's well past the point where the Republicans are all going to get behind one candidate, um, which I, you know we would assume would be Rubio. Uh, I think it's too fractured at this point. Um, even though back in, I guess, June, July, August, when we were talking about this on the fraud show, and you kind of thought Trump was just, you know, what was the term you used? Not like a ploy. But I, like, a gimmick candidate. Gimmick? Yeah, like a yes, gimmick, right, a gimmick candidate. Yes. And I thought it was more than that. You know, I, I didn't think he was a gimmick. And, and I thought that, you know, his attitude, his anger and the way he spoke and his just not being politically correct would resonate a lot with voters. And I was right. It did. But at the same time, I never thought we'd be sitting here having a real serious, serious conversation about him actually winning the nomination. And he's, I mean, I haven't looked at the delegate count, but he's killing it. I mean, he's by far ahead. Um, so now, you know, the question remains, and this is what I think you do. You, is there any scenario uh, that he can actually beat Hillary going forward? If well, he does, well he, yeah, there's a scenario because it's, it's hard to predict him, and he could uh, he could get support from the independents that people are not expecting, and because Hillary has a lot of baggage, and she has a lot, there's a lot, big issues with whether she can be trusted. That uh, th- there could be enough of a backlash against her to where uh, Trump could get better support than is expecting. I still, oh, bl- I, I'm sorry, and, and I just want to say this. So this is what I meant to tell you about Harry Reid. Although Harry Reid has remained quote unquote neutral and he hasn't uh, given an endorsement for Sanders or for Hillary Clinton uh, Hillary Hillary's campaign called Harry Reid on Saturday which was the day of the uh, Democratic caucuses in Vegas and asked Reid to contact the head of the culinary union in Vegas who's a very powerful man and that that union is, you know, funny enough, it's basically everything in Las Vegas, but the dealers, because dealers aren't unionized in Vegas. But it's the cooks, the bartenders, the housekeepers, waiters and waitresses in restaurants, the maids. So anyhow, he, she called Reed and had him call the head of the union in Vegas to, I, I, I don't know, I wouldn't say to man, but to ask that all culinary union employees were allowed paid time off. So they could caucus on Saturday, and you know, there'd be no repercussions if they either were late, if, if you know, whatever. Why would that benefit Hillary? Why do you think that benefit Hillary? Um, was it that they were voting for her anyway? Well, the, the majority of them are, are minorities, 
Oh, okay. The yeah. majority of minorities. That yeah, are I didn't Democrat think of that, but you're right. They don't yeah. like Sanders. Yeah. Exactly. So, and, and it was overwhelming. And then I don't know if you even saw funny enough. Do you know where Hillary held her uh, little victory? Uh, no. It was at Caesar's Palace. <laughs> That's, she got one of the ballrooms and, and you know, she, they, they, they showed the token picture of her, like, hugging and, you know, kissing, like, dealers and maids and, um, you know, it, it was actually funny. They all were here. And Trump was last night at the uh, South Point. That's where he had his little, <laughs> I know, of all places. It's kind of a fail. It's a fail. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyhow, you explain to me because I, I, everything I've read, uh, and I'm not saying this is how I want it or I don't want it, but everything I've read basically says that Trump doesn't have a shot. And even Rubio's been advertising himself as the only candidate that could beat her in a general election. Well, he does have he does have the best chance. Actually, you know who would have a good chance that people don't really talk about? He's never going to win. But uh, uh, Kasich in, in the hypothetical polls is actually has the best results against Hillary. What a but he, mess that campaign is. Well, he, he never had a chance. But, uh, but I, I think he wants to be VP, and he's got a good shot at being chosen for it. But but anyway, go, going to as far as Trump is concerned, it's hard to ever rule him out completely, and uh, you know he surprised people the whole way. So I think he would be foolish at this point after everything we've seen to say he can't beat Hillary. I still think he's an underdog to her by a good deal because uh, there's such a sentiment against him. But I'll tell you the one thing that could help him, and that is that Republicans have been showing up in record numbers to vote in these primaries. Record numbers. There's been big voter participation this year by Republicans. And if this translates to the general election, then this could really help Republicans, even if it's Trump, who a lot of Republicans don't really like. Uh, This could carry over. And if Trump supporters are very, very... uh, are so into him that they make sure to show up to vote, if, if the turnout's good enough, that could easily outperform the polls. Uh, there's, there's the old... Uh, some of you may remember the Proposition 8, the, the anti-gay marriage uh, proposition in California that uh, has since been overturned. But that, that passed in 2008 when all the polls were saying it was going to get clobbered. And the reason this is said to have passed was that in 2008, that was also the year that Barack Obama won. And it was the same election where they voted on the Proposition 8 and on Barack Obama. Well, who turned out in big numbers to vote for Barack Obama? Black people. And black people are uh, the community in general. I'm not saying all black people. but The community in general, at least in 2008, uh, was not very pro-gay. So by increasing the black vote in California from Obama running, uh, this also increased the vote against uh, against gays, basically. So that's why Proposition 8 unexpectedly won, because the, there's a lot of black people voting for it that weren't expected in the polls. The poll they they totally the polls ended up being incorrect because of that, because it wasn't ex- the, the expectation of as many black people showing up to the polls. They didn't have that expectation uh, and they didn't consider that factor when they were polling people. So similarly with Trump, you don't know who's going to show up to vote. And you also don't know what he can do to appeal to those who have not uh, gotten on board with him, especially those who are not voting in the Republican primary. He's Right now, the only people who have to worry about whether they vote for Trump or not are Republicans. 
But if he wins the nomination, then Trump has to start to appeal to those in the middle. The the Democrats, the left-wing Democrats are never going to vote for him. But uh, the people in the middle, the independents, if Trump can find a way to appeal to them, or maybe he already does, then again, especially if people really make sure to get out to vote for him, then he could win. Now, what's working against him is that there's a lot of people who hate Trump and who are so afraid of a Trump presidency and think that it would be a disaster that they will make sure to get out to vote against him. So that's what I think he's going to be facing. That's what I think is going to be the tough thing for him is to – he may get more people voting for him, but then there's going to be a lot more people voting against him that otherwise would have skipped voting. So I think that's the – toughest thing he's going to have to face against Hillary. Not that Hillary's such a strong candidate. She's actually not that good of a candidate. The only reason she's winning is because uh, she's faced just about no competition. The only one she's been facing is a 74-year-old socialist. So the fact that that's even as close as it's been, she's going to win for sure, but it's the fact that it's been as close as it's been shows that uh, she's not a very good candidate. And so... She is vulnerable. This isn't like like Barack Obama was an excellent candidate, and uh, it would have been very tough to beat him, no matter who the Republicans threw against him. But Hillary's not the at same. What, at what point does the Demo- or the, does the Republican Party finally admit, for better or for worse, look, this is going to be our candidate. We need to get behind him. We need to start coordinating with him. You know, just. Well, they can't do that yet. They they can't admit this yet because it's not over yet. Because the thing is, there's still – there's been talk of the Trump ceiling, meaning that he's got his support, but it's not going to increase much from where it is. Maybe it's not going to decrease, but it's not going to increase much, whereas the other candidates have more of a chance of increasing their support. So, uh, so if the Cruz and Rubio supporters get together, and especially if uh, – Kasich and uh, Carson drop out and their, and their supporters move over to either Cruz or Rubio, that uh, if, if one of those two, Cruz or Rubio, drops out, then they'll all consolidate to get ahead of Trump. You know, Perry Friedman, you know who Perry Friedman yeah, is, right? Yeah. On, you know, on Facebook, I was reading, it just popped up on you know one of his posts, and I've read it because it just, something about it struck me and it was kind of long. But he wrote his theory recently about Donald Trump and I'm not saying I, I agree with it, but it's still interesting nonetheless. And, and what he wrote was that he had a theory that originally when Trump announced his candidacy to run, uh, he was doing so only to improve his marketability and the value of his brand. That's what I thought. I said that yeah. right when he announced. Yeah. And he thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to do what I want. I'm going to speak outrageously and that'll be the end of it. I'm not really even taking this serious. Like He went into it. Not even taking it serious, and he went in. Yes, to it just. I right. said that too. Okay, I don't. Okay, I don't remember if you exactly said those words, but. Um, so anyhow, and and he started saying these preposterous things like about you know John McCain. He prefers he prefers his POWs that weren't caught, or actually not. I guess they wouldn't be POWs then, but he prefers his war veterans that weren't caught. And yeah, the war heroes who weren't caught, things like yeah, that. Yeah, right. And then he made the comment about you know somebody I guess was handicapped and. He made like a handicapped gesture and, you know, he made, you know, other comments that in, in most years would be so politically incorrect is one of them, you know, one comment like that would bury someone's career. And he's made multiple and he saying, what, what am I doing? The, the worse I come off and I sound, you know, people like me more and more. And it kind of just bloomed into this thing where, you know, it wasn't even really his intention. And I don't know if I completely agree with it, but if you kind of think of it just 
on the surface, it, 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 I guess it does make a little bit of that, sense. No, that's what I thought. I've been saying this the whole time. The only thing that surprised me was that it didn't eventually backfire and that eventually people didn't uh, say, never mind, we can't support this anymore. He's being too crazy. This isn't a serious candidacy. That uh, That's exactly – I believe he, he was a gimmick candidate just to uh, get attention for himself. It didn't think it would ever work. And then once he saw he was getting a following – then he's like, oh, wow, maybe I really can be president. Like, he, I don't think he went in believing that he would or could be president, and that. Uh, but then once it started to work, then he started to believe it, and then he didn't so, want to really reverse course much because you don't want to change what's working. Much like when you're winning at the poker table, you don't say, I better change my style because I'm tired of winning. Like, when you're doing well, you don't want to change anything. And, and for the most part, this has worked. He's had a few small stumbles, but for the most part... Uh, what he's been doing has worked, and so he's not changing it, and he's noticed that he just happened to tap into a mood that he didn't expect would be there. He hasn't said this, but that's what I think happened. I don't think he expected that there would be this huge support behind him. He also found that he's doing well thanks to the everybody-loves-a-winner sort of thing, where people like to get behind whoever's popular or whoever's uh, doing well at the moment and associate themselves with that. And he's made that a big part of his campaign is basically support me because I'm winning. Will you be embarrassed? I'll I'll ask all three of you. Will you guys be embarrassed? You know, because I've read a lot of articles about people that have even gone as far as to say that they'd leave this country if he was elected. Would you guys be embarrassed as Americans if he became our president? Well, uh, I wouldn't leave the country. I think that's uh, that's pretty extreme. I wouldn't leave the country no matter who the president is. But uh, I, I will be a little embarrassed, especially the way he will, would have gotten elected is by saying all these outrageous things rather than uh, uh, you know, if he had just run and presented a normal campaign – even if even if it's a, he was being brash and outspoken, but not to the degree he is, the fact that all the things he says have not sunk his campaign and made it more, more popular, yeah, I do think that makes the country look bad. And uh, I that, that's why I haven't supported him as a Republican. I haven't supported him because I, I don't think he has acted presidential. I don't think he'd even uh, get the proper respect from other countries that he deals with as uh, the leader of this country. After the way he's acted, I think it's just uh, I, I don't think he's been presidential. I don't think he can be presidential. I think everything he's done up to this point has already uh, hurt his standing in that way. And that's that's one of the reasons that I don't support him. I also don't think he's really thought about since I agree with Perry Freeman. I don't believe that he came in intending to be president. And I don't think he's really thought about the rigors of the job and the responsibilities he's going to have to take and and uh, and the way he's going to have to act as president. I don't think he's really cons- concerned himself with that. I think he's been so swept up in possibly becoming the president, he hasn't really thought about what it's going to be like to be president. So, that's my opinion. What, what do you guys think? Trader Risky, I'll let you go first, my friend. Oh, he's gone. Uh, his herbal tea kicked in. Yeah. yeah Trader so. Risky! Risky! <laughs> <laughs> no, he's gone. Well, I... I don't think I, I definitely wouldn't leave the country if he was elected. And I don't even really think I'd be that much more embarrassed than I am with the people that we have in office now, to be honest with you guys. Although I don't think he's capable of handling all the duties of president. I am not too enamored with the current state of politics, so I'm pretty embarrassed for them as it is. Hmm. 
Okay, well. Uh, so let's do our predictions again. Okay, well, I I think I think Trump is. It, I think he is going to be the nominee, and if also there's a momentum factor to this whole thing, where if you keep winning, much like Rubio hasn't won a single state yet, if you just keep winning, uh, you know, it's one thing to be a Johnny Come Lately and win one or two states like some candidates have in the past, and then they fall off, and he barely anyone remembers them. Trump is winning state after state after state, and it's not going to stop. Here's here's some polling for upcoming primaries. Georgia, he's ahead by 12.3. Texas, uh, he's down by six, but that's against Cruz's home state. That's uh, Cruz should be winning by a lot more than that if he. Uh, uh, yeah, to only be ahead by six is kind of fail for him. Uh, Massachusetts, it's it's a uh, he's crushing there. He's winning by 24 in the polls. Oklahoma, he's up by seven. Michigan, he's up by over 20. So he's going to win all of these, it looks like, except for Texas and and uh, maybe Oklahoma, but I think he's going to win that too. He's, he's up by seven in Oklahoma, so I think he's going to carry that. But even if he doesn't and Cruz comes back to get him or Rubio comes back to get him, the only way I, I think he's going to lose now is if Cruz or Rubio drops out and their support coalesces, but it's not going to happen because both Cruz and Rubio believe that they can win this, and I don't believe that either is going to drop out anytime soon. So as long as those two stay in the race, they're going to split the vote. And by the time that they one of the two of them decides to drop, if, if this ever happens, it's going to be too late because you keep having uh, primary after primary, and eventually Trump's going to get so far ahead, it's going to be hard to catch up anyway. It's not, it's not like we haven't had primaries yet. Now, so far, the number of delegates that... Uh, that Trump has won isn't you know the absolute number isn't very high. It's it's going to happen. It's going to start accumulating, big time. He's going to get way ahead. So, I I just don't. The problem here is that the second and third candidates behind him, neither is going to drop, and that's what's going to kill the re- the rest of the Republican field here. It's going to be too split. The anti-Trump force is going to be too split for too long. So I think he's going to win, and obviously Hillary's going to win. And Why then, is Ben Carson still running? For, if, just because he wants to sell books and do speeches. Yeah. And Kasich just wants to stay relevant and be uh, the vice president, I think. So, But that's not, those two don't matter that much. It's the fact that Cruz and Rubio are neck and neck. And if you look at all these states, uh, the primaries coming up, they're very close in a lot of them, and they were just close in, in Nevada. They're going to stay close, and they're both going to believe they're going to be the one to rise up and beat Trump, and neither's going to back off. So that's a big problem. It's a, it's a big pro- it would be much better for the Republicans if one of those two got a lot weaker. But, but they're not. Neither Cruz nor Rubio. I don't think either is going to make a lot of movement. They're both going to kind of stay around the same and split the vote behind Trump. So it's going to be a problem. So I, I do think it's going to be Donald Trump for the Republicans, as odd as that might seem. And other than the uh, Kasich, who could you, who who else would you predict could be the running mate of? Uh, well, Trump? that Nikki Haley was talked about being. A, I don't know if Trump who he's going to ask, but uh, well, that's what that's what I mean. Nikki Haley, well, Haley endorsed Rubio. I know, so. I know she did, but that doesn't mean that much. But she, as far as VP. Possible VP candidates, uh, Kasich and and, Ruby, and and Haley have been talked about a lot, uh, but sometimes you get surprising choices. A lot of times it's not who you expect. But uh, I think Kasich would be a great selection because they they really need Ohio. Without Ohio, Republicans lose. 
it's not a question of like it's not that they might lose with that Ohio, they will lose with that Ohio. So how is that how is that already determined? Because it's 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 so clear that certain states go a certain way, pretty much no matter who the candidate is on each side, that there's only a handful of states where it's up for grabs. And uh, Ohio has enough electoral votes to where – and Republicans are going to lose enough states pretty much almost a certainty that uh, if they don't get Ohio and Florida, then they just simply oh. won't have the votes. Brandon, you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you again. You cut out. Of I, I, I don't remember. Which way did Florida go four years ago? It, it went to Obama. Okay. And so did Ohio. But uh, if they don't get them both back, then it's over. They need not just one. They need both. So so that's why I think Kasich would be a good VP candidate. And, and he's also – he's non-controversial. A lot of people uh, like him. Uh, he's not going to be – there's no downside to really having him as a VP candidate. Either. He's not, he's not going to hurt you in any way. So – I think that uh, that would be a great choice. Whether he gets chosen by Trump, if Trump's the candidate, I don't know. But uh, so does this end after? Okay, so say uh, Super Tuesday. Is it seven states, eight states? Uh, I think it's seven or eight, maybe. I'm not sure which one it is. Do you remember roughly how many of those states Trump is ahead in? I mean, I know you said Texas; he wasn't. Let's see. Super Tuesday, 2016, is uh, the participating states. No, it's, it's more than – it's uh, Alabama, Arkansas, Colorado, Georgia, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Vermont, and Virginia. Okay. So after that, assuming Trump wins the majority of those delegates, is it basically over? Or does it still keep going on? Oh, and Alaska and, and Wyoming also for Republicans too. No, no, it's it's. Uh, what was the question again? I'm sorry. No, I said assuming Trump crushes a week from yesterday, okay, and wins a majority of those delegates, does it end at that point? Uh, I mean, does, how- does the Republican Party then get behind him and try to drum up support and unity, or, or is it still? It depends how it depends how much he gets, but it, it's possible. But I, I don't know if they're willing to do that at that point. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, we'll see. It's 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 getting close. It's less than a week a week away, so we'll see. March first. It's uh, six days away. And that uh, I, they probably don't at that point, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't think they do. Uh, Texas has a lot of delegates, but the rest of them are kind of small. Yeah, Texas is insane. Texas has 155, yeah. but the rest of them are pretty small, so they probably don't. Though Alabama has 50, and the, you know it's, Georgia has 76. So, but the thing is, uh, because Texas has so many, and Cruz is probably going to win. Uh, now it's proportional, so it's not a, it's not a, a winner take all. So, anyway, uh, I want to talk a bit about Bernie Sanders. You know, I, I try to be open minded. As far as understanding everyone's point of view, I'm not someone who likes to just say, "Oh, you know, I'm a Republican, so I think the Democrats think are wrong." I, I, I don't do that. I like to. I have a lot of people on my Facebook who are always posting propaganda from the other side, and big Bernie Sanders supporters there. And I, I try not to just dismiss everything and try to look and say, "I'm going to look at this stuff honestly and see if I, I change my mind or see if I can uh, understand where they're coming from, even if I don't agree with them." So I, I've taken a look at some of Bernie Sanders' positions, 
And believe it or not, I've, I've come up with a few from looking at his positions that, that I agree with. And I don't. I, I want to state that I don't agree with most of what Bernie Sanders stands for and what he says. And, and the majority of what he wants to do, I disagree with because basically he's a socialist and he wants uh, his premise is to take away from anyone who's uh, earned anything and, and give it away to those who haven't. That's that's really what he's trying to do. Uh, he has more of the opinion like everyone has a right to a whole lot of things and uh, if they don't have it, then those who have earned those things have to give them away. And that's, uh, that's putting it very simply, but that's uh, – I, I don't believe in that. I, I believe – I've, I've never resented people who've had more money than me, even when I had much less money. I never resented people for making a lot of money, earning a lot of money, being successful. I never felt that I was entitled to the same things they could have because they had more money than me. I never felt that way. I still don't feel that, feel that way. I don't think that's the right way to feel. Uh, and that's not to say that people who can't help themselves, people who can't, uh, who have some sort of disability or down on their luck shouldn't get something if, uh, if they're really, really struggling. But you, they also shouldn't get too much because otherwise there's no incentive to achieve anything. And, uh, and, and it also punishes those who have achieved something and who, who have put in the hard work to get where they are. So I, I don't agree with a lot of what Bernie Sanders wants to do. But there are some points he has which I feel are very valid. First of all, I, I really have decided I, I hate the whole situation with how much money is in politics. And I think it, it uh, really brings a lot of corruption into politics on both sides, on the Democratic side and the Republican side. And the, the whole super PAC situation that exists now, you know, they, they have all this campaign fi- finance reform in the past, and it's meaningless because of the super PACs that get around it. So there really needs to be less money in politics to where candidates never feel like they owe any favors to those who financially back their candidacy. And uh, there, there need to be much stricter laws against that. And you can say, oh, you know, they don't have to necessarily do what their donors want. But let's think about it here. If someone donates a lot of money to your campaign, especially if you're going to run again in four years, if you win, uh, you're going to feel like you have to give them their money's worth. Otherwise, they're not going to donate to you again. It's uh, No one's going to accept money, expect to be getting that same money again in four years, and then screw over the donor and not do anything they want. It's, it's, it's obvious that's what's going to happen. I used to bring the same criticism upon the Poker Players Alliance for taking so much money from Full Tilt and Poker Stars to where 99% or more of their funding was from those two sites. You knew who they were really representing. They, they may have claimed they were representing the players, but they had to really represent the interests of who were funding them. And they knew if they didn't, that they would not get continued funding. So it's the same thing. So I, I think the money in politics is a very bad thing and it really has corrupted the political process. And and Bernie Sanders makes that point over and over. And his campaign has uh, has been funded by individuals who he says have donated an average of $27 each, which is a little bit of a misleading stat because he's not giving the full distribution. But I, I believe that, you know, it's, it's mostly a grassroots funding he's getting. You know, Bernie Sanders is at least pure in his intentions, even though I think he's wrong with a lot of what he wants to do. But I think the whole thing with... Uh, 
the super PACs and the big money that's in politics, I think it's uh, it leads to a lot of corruption, and it's corruption that's hard to avoid. And and it's also a problem where if your opponent's spending a lot of money, then you feel you have to spend a lot of money too to compete. And even though that's gone down some for people like Donald Trump who get covered in the media anyway, not everybody's going to be a Donald Trump who can attract so much media attention. So everybody else has to spend the money to, to get the attention that they do, to get the chances that they do. And if, if you don't spend and your opponent does, then you can be in trouble. Money alone's not going to win it for you. Jeb Bush proved that. But you also do need money to win, especially if you don't get natural media attention like Donald Trump does. So I think Bernie's right about that. I'd love to see reform in that way. What do you guys think? Go ahead there, uh, Northern California guy. Well, I do I do agree with Druff. I think the amount of money in politics, especially for your average person to see how much is like pissed away on campaigns – if you think about it, could actually fix all the problems that both the candidates, you know, promise to fix once they get in office. But I, it's kind of wasted in that. And I agree too with the owing, you know, favors to the people who back you. I think that's just pretty much common sense, especially if it's your first election term and you plan on running again. Yeah. So it's it's. But I don't know how you get that stuff out of there. Well, you can you can get this stuff out of there, but there can be the, the country can allocate a certain fund to each party. A, a finite fund that they each have that uh, that they can allocate allocate to their candidates, and that's it. And uh, and nobody can donate any large sum of money, no matter who they are or what they are. That it just uh, nor, nor can, uh, can can there be the super PAC situations where unlimited money can be spent on behalf of one candidate, but just not directly donated to them. But it but but they can spend their money on what on who they want to support and make ads in their favor or against their opponents, as long as they're not technically supporting that candidate that could, that can easily be stopped and uh that that needs to be stopped and there need the money needs to get out of politics and otherwise it, it becomes too corrupt and it has been corrupt and there it is true that the people's interests are not being represented and that uh, the interests are really being represented of the elite few i believe that i don't think that's just uh socialist nonsense i believe that's actually true but it's true on both sides it's true on the republic for the democrats and the republicans not just the republicans a lot of people like to say that the big money is supporting republicans they're the ones getting all the support from corporations that's not true both sides are getting it obama got a lot of money from uh uh from the corporations so that's that's one thing i, I agree with bernie uh Another thing that uh, I believe, and this has to do with his own party, is that uh, there are some political processes regarding electing presidents that have shown to be unfair, including uh, in the Democratic Party the superdelegate situation. Superdelegates should not exist. The people's votes really need to be represented. Now, I can understand the Electoral College because that's that's not so much about uh, stopping the will of the people. That's more about uh, forcing the candidates to have to give attention to each state. Otherwise, if you didn't have the Electoral College, the problem could be that uh, states with a small population would be ignored. Their interests would not be represented. All the, the candidates could, could focus their campaigning in the large population centers, and that would be the efficient use of their time. But when you have it state by state, then then they're required to pay some attention to each state. And uh, this is the United States really is a combination of 50 governments and a few territories, including the Mariana Islands. 
So it, it's not – the states really are separate governments from one another. And we're just uh, like a co-op of these 50 different governments. So the country needs to be treated that way. So I'm not against the Electoral College, but uh, the, the whole thing with superdelegates who can just pledge their support to whoever they want is, is – uh, that's very shady. And it really tilts the field against uh, whoever is not the established candidate. And it's not going to matter for Sanders. He's not going to win anyway, with or without superdelegates. But if it were a closer race, he would really get effed that way. So I, I think that uh, Bernie is correct with that. Uh, I don't like his stances on the single-payer health care. I think that would be a disaster, the socialized medicine. But I do feel that there needs to be reform in the way health care is. And uh, Obamacare didn't get it right. It, it fixed one problem but created others. But I, I feel that uh, there needs to be a lot of reform in health care and uh, make things that need to be more transparent. You need to know exactly how much things are going to cost when you go to the doctor and not just get the bill later. Uh, There's all these different ways that they could charge different prices for the same thing depending on what insurance you have and nonsense like that that shouldn't exist. Uh, The cost for tests and for for prescription drugs are way too high. And uh, there needs to be some control on that. So I think there needs to be Reform in healthcare. I just don't think that uh, socialized medicine is the answer. Uh, what else? I had some of these other things in my head that uh, I agreed with. Um, I actually uh, think that uh, environmental regulations, as long as they don't go too far, are important. Some Republicans don't like that. They like uh, they, they feel it's too intrusive on corporations and. Uh, to controlling. But uh, the, the truth is that uh, corporations look out for themselves, and I'm not saying that they're evil for doing so. That's what a corporation is supposed to do. It, it's supposed to not worry about the environment and not worry about uh, people. It's supposed to worry about its profits, and that I understand. But the government's role is to protect the people from that. So if you don't watch how uh, corporations how in, how industrial corporations treat the environment, then they will treat it poorly. And there uh, there need to be sensible regulations on that. That, that shouldn't be relaxed. And uh, and also, I, uh, I don't know if people, how many of you have traveled around the United States, but the, the national parks are an important part of the United States, and, and uh, they need to be protected. There needs to be adequate funding for them. Not so much where it can become wasteful, but there needs to be adequate funding, and they uh, uh, the national park system is a very good thing in the U.S., and that shouldn't be uh, diminished or reduced or underfunded. Uh, there's something else where I agreed with uh, with Bernie Sanders, but I'm forgetting what it was. I, I had this in mind before the show, and now I'm forgetting because we've been at this so many hours. Yeah. Uh, but there, there's, there, there's some areas that, that I agree where... Uh, but I, I don't agree with all the socialist type stuff that, that he's involved with. I don't, I don't like any of that. It's, it, I, I just don't think it's fair. I don't think it's right. And uh, also the government is incredibly inefficient when it does things like this. The, the government's never efficient with how it spends money. It just never is. You can, you can come up with all the reasons why you think it would be, and it won't be. It never works out that way. And uh, I, I generally don't think it's right to punish success. I think that uh, the rich should pay their fair share – 
when they make a lot of money, but that you shouldn't see them as an open checkbook for everybody else. You, you don't have a right to their money. Just because they have more than you, you don't, you don't have a right to take it. And too many these days uh, feel like they do. Uh, there's been talk about reforming the prison uh, situation in the U.S. And there's, they keep saying there's more people in prison in the U.S. than ever before. The U.S. imprisons more people than any other country. The war on drugs is a failure. So my feeling on this is that people who deserve to be in prison deserve to be there. Whether it's a lot of people or a few people, if you deserve to be there, you deserve to be there. And saying the number of people in there, uh, that, that shouldn't matter. But what I do think is that there needs to be reform, number one, in uh, nonviolent drug offenders uh, and people especially who are users of drugs, not dealers of drugs. Uh, they shouldn't be getting prison time. I've always felt that with, with drugs it should be kind of treated the same way as online poker is treated currently. And that is uh, don't go after those who use it. Go after those who provide it. So if you want to I, – I, I, I don't support all kinds of drugs being legalized. I, th- I think they would be very dangerous. But uh, you shouldn't put the users of these drugs in prison. That's not, uh, that's not productive to do at all, and that just hurts them further. Uh, and and also even uh, low-level drug dealers shouldn't be getting super stiff sentences. You should go for the ones at the top. Uh, but I think that the privatized prisons are a problem, and there should not be companies that are making money off of uh, prisons. Prisons should be a public service that are prov- that's completely run by the government. There shouldn't be any profit margin in that. And uh, that also takes out the incentive to uh, imprison more people. Some, there's been allegations, especially in some smaller towns, that uh, where prisons are managed by private companies, the judges are actually bribed to send more people to prison. So the company that uh, manages it can make more money. So the, the, the privatized prison thing needs to be done away with, and there needs to be reform in that. Uh, something I, I remember the other thing I agreed with Bernie the, the mental health situation is a disaster and my sister actually works in that field so I, I know some about it and when you see these stories of these crazy people shooting things up so, uh, sometimes uh, this couldn't have been prevented but other times there's, there were warning signs that the person was mentally ill and nothing was done and the truth is there's not much you can do if there's a, a mentally ill person with a whole lot of warning signs, you can try to report them all you want. It's very hard to get anything done about it if the person doesn't want to voluntarily bring themselves in for treatment. But uh, there needs to be major reform in this country with how mentally ill people are dealt with, with the treatment available for them, and uh, with the way they're handled in the system. And my, my sister has told me that there's uh, that leaves a lot to be desired, that the government just is not handling this right. And there's a lot of people walking around freely who uh, who shouldn't be, who need a lot of help. And there just, the, just isn't the structure in this country yet to deal with the number of mental ill that we have. And this results in, in problems that then become... Uh, very tragic and expensive to deal with. And it's, it's only going to get worse. And, and gun control is not the answer. 
the, the answer is treating the bigger problem as the problem of the mentally ill who don't uh, don't get treatment. And I know that Bernie Sanders has talked about that. I agree with him on that. But I'm not telling you to vote for him because the, the core of what he believes in, I don't agree with at all. And, and not only that, I don't think that he would get any of these things passed because most of the country is not behind a lot of these ideas he has. So even if you believe in everything that he wants to do, it, it wouldn't get passed anyway, and, and it would just it would be a waste of time because if you you can want something all you want, if it's not going to have the support to pass into law, then it doesn't matter. So if Bernie Sanders got elected, these, most of his ideas couldn't be implemented anyway, but uh, I, I, he wants to grow the government to be much larger and have a much larger role in everything. And I think that's a mistake. And this was a mistake people already learned 40 years ago, 35 years ago. And, we don't want to make the same mistake again. But he does have a few points in some things, and uh, I'll give him credit for being someone who has a pure heart and someone who really believes in what he says and is not uh, uh, really wants to do what he's saying, is not controlled by special interests. He's his own man. So I respect him for the, all those things. I just don't agree with most of what he wants to do. But he has—he does have a few good points, and I'd like to see some of these things change. And you don't have to, no matter where you are in the political spectrum, these things should make sense to you. So I just wanted to get that out and maybe surprise a few people that uh, I agree with Bernie on a few things. So have you guys followed this uh, Kesha and Dr. Luke battle? I know nothing about it. Okay. Uh, I, I know a little bit about it. I don't know why I'm fascinated by this. I, I, I was surprised to see it on the agenda, I have to admit. <laughs> I've been fascinated about this from day one. I, I'll tell you, there's a few elements that fascinate me. Usually I wouldn't be fascinated by someone like uh, Kesha, and generally I'm not. But about this particular situation, I am. T- Brandon, tell me if you recognize this song. Oh, not this Southwest, song. Southwest. Oh, yeah, Southwest. I, I don't want to advertise Southwest. I hate them. Yeah, I thought you had a deal. No, they stiffed me out of a hundred. They, they stiffed me out of a hundred dollars. I hate. I don't like Honda either, but uh, um, I especially don't like Southwest. They 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 stiffed me out of a hundred dollars. Brandon, do you remember this? Wake up in the morning. Oh, you're giving it away already. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab girl? my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city Let's before go. I leave. Brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking pedicure on our toes, toes. Trying on all our clothes, clothes. Boys blowing up our phones, phones. This is recognized. Do you recognize this yet? I mean, I've heard it before, but I don't know what it is. I'll, I'll get to the chorus. Maybe you'll recognize it. Drop top and playing our favorite CDs. Pulling up to the parties. Trying to get a little bit tipsy. Don't stop making pop DJ. Blow my speakers up tonight. I'm a fight till we see the sunlight. Tick tock on the clock. But the party don't stop. No. So this is from uh, 2009. A song called Tick Tock. That was her biggest song. Uh, did very well, actually. She, she's been very successful. And uh, she rose to prominence around the same time that Lady Gaga rose to prominence. Now, Lady Gaga is a lot bigger than she is and uh, a lot more talented, too. But uh, she kind of rose along the same lines of uh, uh, producing similar sort of dance music. 
Now, she was kind of uh, plucked out of nowhere. Unlike Lady Gaga, who was a good songwriter and had a whole lot of talent in, in a lot of different ways and kind of made her own success, Kesha was uh, just kind of a typical-looking young white girl without a whole lot of talent who was uh, kind of plucked out of there by a producer named uh, Dr. Luke. And Dr. Luke is uh, – he's around my age. Let's see uh, exactly how old he is. Dr. Luke, yeah, he's born uh, September 1973, a little, about a year and a half younger than me. But uh, he's a uh, record producer, and uh, he was uh, – actually, he started off as a Saturday Night Live guitarist in the house band in 1997 when he was 24. And uh, But he's since had a very successful – career as a co-writer and producer. Uh, he produced uh, very successful records such as Who Knew by Pink, uh, Girlfriend by a- Avril Lavigne, I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. These were all his creations. So he's uh, he's been very successful in what he's done. Uh, he So with Kesha, he's the one who kind of uh, plucked her out of nowhere to... Uh, Create what she eventually became And uh, Let me get to the point here So at 18 in 2005 She was signed To Dr. Luke's label Which is called Kimosabi Entertainment And and he basically Developed her So He did make her very successful He signed her at 18 And this this TikTok song came out in, uh, In 2009 that was her breakthrough. So it took four years, but he really grabbed her out of nowhere when she was a nobody and, and developed her career, and she became famous and successful and sold uh, a whole lot of albums. Well, he, she signed a long-term contract with him. And I, I find a lot of times with these stars, that they, with these music stars, that they, they want the best of both worlds. They, they want to sign a, contra- a long-term contract with someone who's going to pluck them out of nowhere and make them famous and make a whole lot of money for them. But then once they become big, they want a, a way out of it. They, they basically want to say to the person who got them there, F you, I'm going off on my own now. Goodbye, I don't need you anymore. Which, which isn't fair. Once, once you've been signed on a contract and that person uh, brings you to new heights, then it's not really fair to bail on them at that moment, especially if you have a contract with them. So that's what I think Kesha's trying to do. I think she's just trying to get out of her contract with Dr. Luke uh, because she became big enough and the contract terms were now no longer very favorable towards her. They were favorable back when she was a nobody, but now that she became big, now they're not favorable towards her anymore, so now she wants to find a way out of it. The problem is you can't just say, I changed my mind, uh, let's end the contract, uh, then the other side will never go for that. So you have to find some reason to terminate it. And that's what I think has been going on here. So the allegations that uh, Kesha has been making against Dr. Luke are, are ones that uh, basically she's, that he's been abusive towards her and that he raped her. And, and normally I don't like automatically dismissing rape allegations because it's a serious matter and just because someone's famous doesn't mean that they're not a rapist. I mean look at Bill Cosby. But I think that in this case, uh, there's a lot of indications that this is exactly what it is, that the whole thing's fabricated, or at least mostly fabricated. Uh, so in two th- late 2014, 
Kesha started to claim that that Dr. Luke emotionally abused her, gave her a date rape drug, and even raped her on one occasion. She was in rehab in 2014 for anorexia. She claimed that she was in rehab for anorexia because Dr. Luke kept telling her that she was fat. That he was always making uh, derogatory comments about her weight. And if you've seen Kesha, she doesn't look anything close to fat. She's she's uh, she's never been fat at all. Uh, so I guess maybe – now, I believe he probably made comments because she did gain a little bit of weight. I believe he may have made comments to her that uh, she needs to lose weight. He may have even – done in a rude fashion, but that's not, a, a, in my opinion, a, a reason to terminate the contract. In fact, you can argue that as her manager, as, as her producer, that he has a right to use tough love tactics to get her to keep her weight down if he thinks that her current looks are a large source of her appeal, which they were. So you, you can understand that. I mean, you can't... Uh, that's not... You, you can't get mad that the guy who makes you really famous and that part of your fame comes from a look he develops for you and a look that you have that people like that uh, when you start to gain weight that he can't complain about it or make comments about it or even be rude about it. He can be. That's not a reason to end a contract. Uh, But the whole rape thing, did did he really rape her? Well, she was at, at, uh, she was with him and uh, they were partying and doing some kind of drugs and she claims that when they were doing this that he uh, slipped her a date rape drug and that he raped her. But it's not, it's not like the Bill Cosby allegations which have been repeated by so many people and seem clear. It, it seems like they were just doing pills and all kinds of stuff together and, and they had sex at one point. So uh, at first he wasn't denying that he was having sex with her. Now he is, which is a little bit weird. But I believe they had sex back when she was 18, like she said. But uh, I, I think that they were just getting messed up on drugs together and it just happened. I don't think there was any rape. I don't think there was any date rape drug. Uh, and, and I think the the fact that she's adding things in like that he was calling her fat and that's a reason to end the contract. It seems like she's throwing everything at the wall and hoping something sticks. So this really looks like she just wants out of the contract to me and this, this has always appeared this way. Uh, but basically, he did everything he said that he would do for her. He said, you know, he signed her at age 18 when she was a nobody. He said he's going to make her famous uh, or try to make her famous. Uh, he definitely had a track record of producing successful songs, and he did indeed make her famous and uh, make her a lot of money. So, I, I, she can't, she definitely can't say that he he didn't perform with what he promised her. So I think she just wants out of the contract. But that th- this was stuff from 2014. I'm telling you, but the the recent developments were that. A judge will not let her out of her contract. That just happened on February 19th. And then uh, two days ago, sorry, actually one day ago on February 23rd, uh, Taylor Swift decided that she was so sympathetic about these rape allegations and the abuse allegations that he ga- she gave Kesha $250,000 for her legal expenses. <laughs> uh, shouldn't, shouldn't Kesha have 250000 after all the money she made? Why is Taylor Swift giving her 250k? And so all these artists are getting behind Kesha against Dr. Luke without knowing any of the facts. Just assuming if a woman says a man abused her, it's got to be true. And I, it just doesn't look like it in this case because she's not seeking any kind of criminal charges against Dr. Luke. She just wants out of her contract. And it, it looks so transparent to me of what's going on. So uh, Dr. Luke, who is listed on Twitter as Dr. Luke, Dr. Luke, 
<laughs> Almost like the Iceman, please leave a message for please leave a message. Uh, he pretty much pulled a Bill Clinton saying, I did not have sex with that woman. You see, he wrote on Twitter, I didn't rape Kesha and I've never had sex with her. Kesha and I were friends for many years and she was like my little sister. It's sad she would turn a contract negotiation into, into something so horrendous and untrue. This is an ongoing legal case, so I won't be responding slash talking much about this. This should be tried in a court of law. So I, I think he's right in this case. I think she just wants out of the contract. It's not favorable to her anymore. She signed a long contract a long time ago, and that was before she was famous. Now she wants out of it. and you know, She thought about it and realized this is the only way out, claiming that uh, he raped her. And the funny thing is, like, how do you even get out of the contract for that? Like, if he actually raped her, I guess, maybe, but you'd need really strong proof. It's not like he didn't perform his duties according to the contract. I mean, he did. He's done everything he claimed he would do. So I, I guess she has a six-album contract, and uh, she, she wants out of it. So uh, she should be happy that he got her where she did. She's getting too greedy. What, what do you guys think? I, I know you guys don't know the story as well as I do, but what do you think? You think you think that uh, he was really a rapist and did all these horrible things, or you think she just wants out of the contract? From from what I've heard and read, I think it's more of an issue of creative control than it is like a money or a harassment issue. I, I, that's at least that's how I understood that it started. She wanted more creative control over her music. And oh, yeah, right, right. And I forgot about that. she wanted her to do the stuff that made her popular. And, you know, I think she was saying she felt a little uncomfortable with, with some lyrics to the songs. But he was obviously in charge of that or whatever. Yeah, I heard about that too, yeah, that she wanted more control. And I'm saying, like, look, again, if you're under contract with someone who picked you up out of nowhere and made you famous – Sees you when you're 18, when you're a nobody, and says, "Hey, what, look, I'm I'm uh, I'm good at what I do. I'm going to make you into a star. And without me, you'll never get anywhere." And it was true; she would have never gotten anywhere without him. Uh, and, and then once he does, then she's like, "Ah, now I want to go a different creative direction. I want to be uh, more part of the process." Like he knows what works; he's made all this stuff work before for her and for others. So I, I don't think she has a right to demand that until her contract's over. Then she can do what she wants. But this this is a statement from. Uh, uh, about Kesha from, uh, I guess her lawyer wrote, that Kesha was, quote, an intelligent, family-oriented, and joyful young woman before Dr. Luke got involved. <laughs> and he showered her with promises of fame and fortune and induced her to sign a contract in 2005. Well, but but it wasn't just promises. She She got fame and fortune. And... Intelligent and family oriented, the whole Im- image that she presented was, was that of like a, a crazy party girl. And I think that's why she was so popular. You know, she's saying now that she wants, you know, more creative control and she doesn't want to use those type of lyrics because I don't know, she doesn't think that's who she truly is. But I think that's the reason why she did so well is because Dr. Luke understands what the main, like, what the mainstream is into and, and what's going to be popular. Might right. not be her true artistic style. Right. Nobody would have listened to her in the first place if she, if she didn't go that way. Like, a, that, that's what got her there. And, uh, this is, uh, if you're going to succeed based upon his formula, then you can't resent the formula that made you successful. You just can't, or at least not until the contract's over. You can't, you can't change it midstream. You have to. You went along with it in the first place. It got you a lot of things. It got you fame. It got you fortune. 
you, you can't in the middle say, no, I don't like this anymore. You've got to change this. If you've got to, you got to take the good with the bad. You, you, you do a long-term contract that gets you there. You've got to fulfill your end of it, even if you don't like it. That's uh, she definitely gained a lot from it. She definitely can't say that her association with Dr. Luke has held her back. It's been the opposite. It's it's done great things for her. Uh, every every singer should be should wish to be that successful when they sign with someone. That's what's well, great. In theory, she should have enough money and independence now that once her contract expires, she can take her music career in whatever direction she likes. Right, and that and that's fine. It's if you, just a matter of waiting until that point. That's fine. Right, right. When when your contract's over, you go do what you want, and then you're uh, and then. Your success or failure is on you, but you you can't force somebody else who you're on a contract with to change course just because you don't like it anymore. It's just a, she's not understanding. This. That's why I think she's inventing all this BS to uh, to try to end it. Just do whatever she can. She's so irritated with the whole thing that she's like, okay, well, what's the only way out of this? Okay, I got to claim rape. Okay, I'll claim rape then. I you know I, I had sex with him back when I was 18 when we were fucked up on drugs. I'll just say he raped me. Like I, I hate when when women try to do things like that. I. I'm very much for women who get raped reporting it and bringing their rapists to justice. And uh, I think rapists are some of the worst people alive, and uh, they should all face justice for what they've done. And I think women should, whenever they make an allegation of rape, it should always be seriously looked into. But uh, I hate the It's women like this that actually cast doubt upon the ones who were really raped and are trying to seek justice for what really happened. It's the, the ones that use rape as a tool to fabricate it and get what they want. They're the ones ruining it for everybody else. So I, I don't think this is credible at all. It doesn't sound like she wants Dr. Luke to pay for raping, or it sounds like she just wants out of her contract and just will say or do whatever she has to to do it. So I, I think it's crappy. I'm totally on Dr. Luke's side on this one. And uh, I guess the reason I, I find it fascinating is not because of uh, liking Kesha's music or or liking these uh, type of young pop stars. It's just I, I find it interesting when uh, I guess it's kind of the whole an extension of the whole poker fraud thing. This is not about poker, but I like finding the truth about things. And this doesn't look like the truth, and it looks like so many people are bamboozled by it in Hollywood and believe that she was a victim. What's also pretty amazing is that she wrote letters from rehab to some random fan in uh, earlier that year in 2014. While she was in rehab, she wrote these letters referencing the rape and how traumatized she is by it. But that doesn't mean that they're legitimate. She was obviously planning this for a while. She could have written these in July and then uh, filed the lawsuit in October. So... Just because you write these letters before the lawsuit, I mean, it seems, in fact, kind of contrived that you're just writing your personal thoughts to some random fan from from rehab. So, okay, Brandon, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to bring up? We're, we're done with the agenda. Brandon, oh, I'm sorry, I'm you. Uh, I think I've I we've covered everything. Hmm. Do you tell me? Do you have any thoughts about Kesha? I know you didn't follow it that much, but do you have any thoughts? Uh, you know, it's funny. I was actually talking for about five minutes. And I didn't realize I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, wait, wait. You, th- you thought I was just ignoring you? What do you think I was doing? I, no, I, I just. <laughs> you didn't hear me talking over you? Like, did you think I was rude? What do you think? I, yeah, just thought you kind of were mm. stuck in the momentum. Um, I I don't have any thoughts. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> you talked for five minutes, but I have no thoughts. I well, I, I was saying before I thought she was doing it to get out of her contract. Yeah, that was what. Yeah, I guess we, I guess we all agree. I, I think there's just this mentality these days that people just instantly believe believe anyone who claims victim on anything without critically looking at it. It's like it's so wrong these days to ever question a victim's claims. Someone says, this happened to me. It was traumatizing. I was victimized in this way, especially if it involves uh, uh, sexism or racism or rape or anything where uh, some sort of the, – the person could be seen as some, por- some sort of a victim class. If you dare question it, you look like an insensitive asshole. But I think that all allegations always need to be looked at skeptically, not just in disbelief. But skeptically in that you look at all the facts and say, does this look true or not? Does this look totally true, partially true, probably true, probably untrue, or totally untrue? And you need to make that determination. But a lot of people don't want to do that. They just jump to support the supposed victim and don't realize that if you do that, people will exploit this and make up things that happen to them just to get what they want. And this is happening more and more these days from what I'm seeing, that people use the media – to claim victimhood and no one ever questions them. And I think that's wrong. I think it's always important to look at all sides of it. And I, I've always tried to do that with this show and this site. I remember two years ago when the claims were that the someone was mugged in the Rio parking lot and, and the Rio was and, and security handled it so wrong and the Rio so terrible, et cetera, et cetera. And I go, something's wrong about this story. I was the only one who spoke up and said, something's wrong about this story. And it turned out, yeah, the, the guy was a, was engaging in a drug transaction and got beaten up with a drug dealer. So that's totally different. That's not a mugging in the parking lot. That's, that's doing a drug deal in the parking lot and going bad. But everyone wanted to jump and bash the Rio for it and say uh, it's their fault and this poor victim, blah, 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 when a lot of things just didn't make sense with it. So I always speak up for the victims, for actual victims, but people who are pretending to be victims, you've got to watch out for them too. And I think that's what Kesha's doing. Okay, let's see if we have anything else in the chat room. I know whoever's remaining there, if you want to bring something up. Uh, any question? Any concerns? Any comments? Otherwise, we'll end the show at the relatively early time of one fifteen. There's some bribe. Some <clears throat> handicap me. A bribe? What? Yeah, for a long show. Uh, let's see what was. You, you sound really tired, Brandon. You sound like yeah, I am. Um, let's see. If the show goes six hours and thirty minutes, I'll donate. Ah, fuck that. Fifty dollars an hour <laughs> after every six and a half hours. Every six and a half hours. I thought it was gonna go like every hour. It's every six and a well, half. No, I mean hours. after. No, I mean after we go six and a half hours, I'll donate fifty dollars every hour. Okay. Now, but the truth is, though, six and a half hours from the starting point of like what, like seven forty-five or so, that would be uh, like two thirty. Yeah. Fuck. No, that's yeah, that's too much. Yeah, I, I can tell Brandon's kind of out of gas. Yeah, I'm, tired. I'm just tired. I understand. You know, I, I've had a, I actually had a, a busy week here, partially because, uh, well, the whole thing started because I stayed up all night on uh, Sunday night playing on uh, Bovada, and this kind of started a chain reaction where. I fell behind with everything because then I had to sleep all day. Then things I was going to do in the day I had to do in the night, and then and then uh, 
Then I went to Commerce. I, I had things to do during the day anyway. On Tuesday, the then I the then I, yeah, I had to do my university work, and then uh, then yeah, then I stayed at Commerce all night. Then I came back here and had to sleep during the day. Then I had to prepare just the show. So everything's like falling behind. But the, the only thing I can say, I guess, is I'm not tired right now because I slept like all day, literally all day today. I slept from like nine to five. So, like, I drop I drop Benjamin off at school. I walk the dog when I got back, and then right after I was done walking the dog, I slept for like eight hours. So, I uh, I'm not tired, but I can understand if you or. Uh, our Northern California friend is uh, Northern California friend. Are you? Are you He's uh, doing real good. He don't fall asleep. No, I, I, no, but no I, I'm still here. But I, you know, it's it's probably been kind of a C minus effort on my part tonight. I'll admit, <laughs> I am I am pretty tired. Uh, Everybody's tired today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I would be, but I guess I slept enough during the day. Uh, it was one of these things where I had enough of a sleep deficit too, because I had only slept like when I went to sleep at 9 a.m. this morning. I had only slept four hours in the past 40, so I, I had a, a deficit big time. But somehow, like, and when I woke up at five, I, I was so out of it. I felt like I could have slept another eight, and I probably could have. But uh, but once I was up, I felt okay, and I still feel okay right now. So when are you given midterms at the university? Oh well, uh, so I assigned some homework to them, and uh, <laughs> they they have to turn in a uh, a minimum six page double spaced essay on uh, on why Greg Pearson should not get his. Uh, <laughs> License in, in Nevada to provide geolocation services. Ooh, six pages. The, the gamble, the gambling uh, department wouldn't accept that then. Well, why won't they accept it? Remember, it has to be one page or less. Oh yeah, that's right. The, the, the NGC, yeah, that's points, right. Yeah. Well, well, we have a different standard here at the CCU. Okay. And uh, I, I'm hoping if if I can uh, do enough uh, research at, at uh, the CCU and and continue to teach this uh, this class and get good reviews from my students, I'm hoping I can at least become an associate or assistant professor and yeah, eventually get on the tenure track. Is if, I think once I get tenured there, then it's going to be hard to get rid of me no matter how poor of a job I do. That's, that's my plan, is to get tenure at uh, Commerce Casino University. It was hard to find where the class was. It was in this room I didn't know existed in Commerce. It's like in the secret room in a. Uh, okay. For those of you who've been to Commerce, I know uh, Brandon, you have uh, Northern California guy. Have you been there? I have not. Okay, Brandon, you know how it has that second floor where they hold tournaments. The, I'm sorry. Say it again. The second floor on Commerce where you go up the big staircase and they hold tournaments yeah. up there. Yeah. Okay, so they used to have uh, video or the video po- or not video. Digital poker up there. Oh, I didn't know that. They used to have it for uh, one table sit and goes that you'd play on. They, they, I don't know if it was a licensing thing or whatever. They never, they never ran them, or at least when I was there, which was over like a year's period that they had them there. Uh, they never used them for cash games, but they used to run like one table sit and goes on there for like, I don't know, $25, $50 buy-ins. But anyhow, yeah, I know the year you're talking so, about. So, so the guy tells me that the class is being held in a certain room there. That is on floor 1M, which M stands for mezzanine. So I'm thinking, okay, well, that's got to be 1M, that floor, right? You, that's what you think because, uh, you know, floor 1 is the, or is, is the bottom floor where they hold all the poker games. And you think 1M, the mezzanine, would be the next floor up, which would be the one where you get up that giant staircase and, uh, and there's where the tournament room is. So I go up there, 
and I walk around and I, I feel like I must be crazy because I cannot find anything there but that tournament room. That's like the only thing there is that that tournament room and like a bathroom. And that's pretty much and like a spa's up there too, but that's it. So I'm walking around and around and around. And I can't find it, and I go, "Well, this has got to be one M, though. Where is it?" So I'm going crazy. So finally, I go, "Well, what if it isn't one M?" So I go to the elevator and check where I am, and I'm on floor two. And I go, "What?" So then I see there's a 2M. The elevator has a 2, a 1, and a 2M. So I go, well, maybe the instructor just told me the wrong uh, the wrong floor. Maybe he meets 2M. So I got to 2M, and uh, it's so hilarious. I get up to 2M, and there's nothing but an empty room up there where the elevator is. There's nothing there except there's that little room where you get the elevator. <laughs> so I don't even know why the elevator goes up there. They, it, you can't go anywhere from there. So I go back down. I go to I go to the ground floor. And I go, maybe there really is a 1M, but the 1M would have to be lower than where they're holding the tournament. So did you know there's a floor in between where they, they hold those tournaments upstairs and the regular first floor of commerce? Did you know there's a, a hidden floor in yes. between? Yes. Are you new of that? Yes. I never knew of that. I was like, what the hell? Is this like a secret floor? So I, 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 I've searched around there, found another elevator that actually did go to 1M. And, yes, it stops at the secret floor in between them that you didn't know existed or that I didn't know existed. And I, I, then I had to wander around that floor, and toward the back of it was the secret room where they were holding this uh, university. So I, I have to say that the university must not have very high enrollment partially because of the situation. Nobody knows the, the, the university exists. So it's it, how did you know about this fake floor in the middle? Somebody told me. I mean, this is years ago, like maybe two thousand six or seven, about it. Well, what did they say? Like, oh, there's a fake floor in the middle. <laughs> ba- basically, there's like a hidden floor or something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's like you. I never would have guessed that. Is it the reason you especially don't guess it for those of you that don't know who haven't been to commerce? Like the there's a very high ceiling on the first floor of commerce, like a very high ceiling. So you think, okay, you've got the first floor, you've got a really high ceiling, then you go up a big staircase that clearly goes over that high ceiling, like just barely over that high ceiling, so that would be the second floor, that would be the next floor. Like, Where could even a, a hidden floor be? If you've got one floor with a really high ceiling and then just above that ceiling is the next floor, where could the hidden floor be? It didn't even make sense to me. But I guess like towards the side where there isn't that high ceiling, that's where they squeeze it in. It's really weird. Like That would be a great place to, to like hide refugees up there. <laughs> so that was that was my experience going to the university. So that is it. I hope I had. They got some... a athletic program there or no? Um, yes, and in fact, the school is so small at the moment that while I was there teaching the class, they actually were trying to recruit me for basketball, baseball, and football. Strangely enough, <laughs> and I, I said, "Are you sure? I'm about to turn 44. I'm not sure if I'll be very good." And they said, "Well, we're uh, we're a Division 178 school." So the the competition is not very tough. Well, you play only in, against the Hustler athletic program. Yeah, that's uh, what they told me. They, yeah, they said the Hustler is their rival, and the average age of their players is like 58 years old. So they said I'll, I'd actually be one of the young guys. I'd probably be one of the superstars. So uh, they they said I, I probably casino inner athletic uh, competition. <laughs> yeah, they they said they probably I probably can't expect that. Upon my completion of of, uh, of their athletic program, I can't expect a lot of uh, pro teams to come knocking. That uh, you know, if I play baseball for them, I don't. I shouldn't expect the Dodgers are going to draft me, or uh, or the NFL is going to come knocking and for me. Left fielder drafted out of Commerce Casino. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's cute. All right, so uh, I, I guess we'll shut this down. Uh, I hope I got some listeners from the university. If not, uh, oh well. But uh, we'll be back next week after Super Tuesday, the day after Super Tuesday. Notice everything happens on Tuesday. So, like, not just in politics, like with everything, it seems to happen on Tuesday. So always in time for the show so we can talk about it. I know that's why they scheduled uh, the primaries the way they did, because they knew we'd want to talk about them on this show the next day. And we'll have a better picture of what's going on at that point. Next show will be in March. March 2nd will be the date of our next show. It will be at or around 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time, as always. And uh, hopefully we will have Brandon back, who I want to thank for being here the entire show, minus uh, a credit card call. And I want to thank our... I'm tired, buddy. I know. I'm, I'm, it's tough. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how to do it either. Uh, no, Northern, Northern Cal- California did another stellar performance. I was about to say that. He did a great job. Yeah. Our, our uh, Daredevil Junior, maybe. Uh, that second week in a row here. And, really? Uh, I, I feel like I could uh, make a better effort first. Ah, don't put yourself down. I thought it was great. Okay. So you'll, you'll, you'll be back uh, next week. Would you like to come? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay, good. Good. So, uh, in the meantime, uh, you have a lot of uh, crops to eat from your land there. You know, it's uh, lots of apples, whatever else you're growing there outside. And uh, oh no, 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 no crops yet. Just getting started for the season. Okay, okay. But uh, you know, it's getting warmer outside, so you'll probably be fine there, living out there during the week. Go do some foraging. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And yeah. So let's see. Have the ratings really hit the bottom here? Let's see. No, they're actually better than last week at this time. Alrighty. Thank you for listening, everybody. Remember, on TuneIn, you can always listen live. Always the call to listen line. And uh, so many ways to listen in the archives here. If you can't find a way to listen to this show, then you're probably just stupid. That's the truth. (laughs) And with that note, we are gone. Good night, everybody. Final show in February. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.